So depending on how you look at it, Eli Roth is either one of the guys to blame for bringing torture into mainstream film with you know movies like Hostel and Hostel 2. Please help me! Or he's the next generation George A. Romero, the man who triggered the zombie revolution with Night of the Living Dead. No, 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 no! Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 132 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, March Madness Moods. Yeah. And of course, I've always got my two pretend 1990 babies by my side. First up, we have the man, the only person in the world I know who has a bigger head than Mr. Mackey, Double Shot J, also known as JP. And last up, we have the little boy that cries more than Rachel from Big Brother, the retired NES Ruler 22. A.K.A. Jeremy the Jew. What's going on, guys? At least I don't have acne on my chin like Rachel. Ew. Isn't she too old God. for that shit? God, that bitch was fucking annoying. <laughs> She's, you know, out of the hundreds of characters, or hundreds of people that have been on that show over the years, she is by far the worst. Mm. Yeah. Because she always got the most screen time. She was always crying most screen time. Yeah, you can't get any more annoying well, than that. Reagan <clears throat> laid down the bitch slap upon her. But speaking of that show, what about that Mike Boogie news? Wow. Oh. That guy's a slimeball. Okay, no, this isn't happening. He liked a little freaky gay stuff going on. <laughs> that shit cracked me up, man. That's Shut so up, funny. JP. If this was Listen, five, nobody, be nobody, nobody knows what Yins are talking about. Oh, yeah, literally dude. nobody. That's, that's a bunch of bullshit. They nobody act, watches actually, that sh- actually, show actually, at all. Actually, the guy that runs the network that the show is hosted on, his name is Jason. He actually is a big fan of the show, so he knows exactly what we're talking about right now. But If this was Survivor, you'd be all up in that shit. Yeah, I would talk about it because people watch Survivor. Mm-hmm. Oh, people! A lot of people watch Big Brother, it's, dude. It's kind of interesting. Nobody around here watches Survivor and everybody watches Big Brother. It's like polar opposite. Yeah, well, that's because everything's opposite up there. Oh. You guys all do weird shit. Who watches Survivor down there? Nobody watches Survivor. It's It got way better ratings than uh, Big Brother. No way. No yes. Way. Yes way. Look him up. I doubt it. I doubt anyway, it. Moods was the one who brought it up, so. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day, man, yesterday. Oh, have you guys been watching the tournament? I have been, man. Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened A lot happened of upsets, to... though. All North... the 11 seeds are beating the 3 seeds. Dude, North Carolina crazy. today? What the fuck? And fucking Michigan State lost. Yeah, man. That, that North Carolina loss actually really shocked me, though. Michigan, yeah, I can see that happening. Who went out in the first round? Was it Cincinnati number one seed? No, 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 Virginia. Virginia got 
Lost to the 16th seed. <laughs> but they got yeah, hammered, but though, too. But didn't they have, like, a crazy injury to, like, one of their best players or something? Yeah. Like, right before, like, right after the bracket came out. But still, you know, as a number one I mean, it, it usually happens every year where a number one seed. Yeah, but as a down, number but, one seed, even with an injury, you should not lose by 20 points to a number 16 seed. That is true. I mean, you should still be pulling off that win, but... I mean, the, the, the thing about March Madness that I like, though, is... They, they always say there's no upsets in March Madness, you know. Yeah, it's well, kind of like this it's, year's been it's like easy. Every given Sunday, yeah, and that's what I like about it too, man. It's fun to watch. Been watching it periodically. I didn't think you'd be watching anything, Jeremy. I didn't realize you actually watch basketball. A little bit, only March Madness. Then I can. I don't really care. Is I just like, watch the highlights. I don't care about. But I, like, it, I cannot get into college sports. I just oh, can't. Man, I think. College ball is exciting to watch because it's the game. It's is so exciting different. to watch, but I liken it to like low level MMA, right? Like not low level, but regional level where it's like, you're not, these guys are not going to be there long enough for you to become fans of them. So it's like, really the game is entertaining. Like seeing people play the game is entertaining, but it doesn't mean that much really because these players aren't on that team long. Well, that's that's why I can't get invested. It, I've never once ever thought of it like that. It's just about the entertainment value. And plus, I, I mean, I've watched so many college ball players over the years because I've been a fan of March Madness ball for, I mean, since I can remember. But it's cool to see those guys play for their college team and then make the NBA and then become it's like stars and shit. Yeah. Well, the guy who's on Villanova, the main guy, he he graduated from my high school. Oh, that's cool. A few that's years, cool. few years after me. Yeah, when, cool, when people think of the best games of all time, though, right? Like it's usually, it's usually you know professional sports because the the what's on the line is so much more. The like caliber of it is so much more. When in reality, there's amazing actual games, but. You know, in college, well, it's level, like that, but the game like that usually... Houston Michigan game yesterday was like fucking insane. They fucking won on literally as the timer went off. Man, I yeah. I don't know, man. College college sports because they're all tr- they're all striving for that ultimate goal is to make it professional, right? So everyone's yeah. just always balls to the wall, and that's the big difference in basketball. Well, also, there's a lot less talent too, like because only a very small percentage of each college team will ever make the NFL, the NBA or, or whatever. So it's, yeah. it's kind of cool that more like there's, le- there's more error that happens, which makes the games more exciting mm. essentially. Yeah. But at the same time, they'll never be as exciting as like a Super Bowl or something like that because the stakes aren't as high. Like, and, and that's the only problem I have with, I, with, um, I don't know, man, I beg to get beg to differ. A lot of those guys, I mean, the stakes are, those games are the no, 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 ul- no, 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 they're no, the no. ultimate personally because I mean but, th- but yeah, those are their for showcase. The person though, I'm not talking about that, dude. I'm yeah. talking about like how like nobody is gonna say these are my top five favorite games of all time and and, and there's gonna be like college games in there. Because just as you know, fans, we don't get as ex- excited for that as we do the stuff at the top of the, of the level. So that's just what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it, the the stakes aren't high for each individual person. I mean, this is the the they're probably more high than they are in professional sports because they've already made it to to the to the top in professional. If they if they don't do well in college, then they're not going to go any further. So the stakes are probably higher, honestly. Mm-hmm. But the games first, are the, the, the games are the games are so different. You know, between NBA and college ball, 
I love watching college ball because it's a team sport. In the NBA, most teams have their individual players and the games play completely different. It's it's feed the stars and they win that way. When you watch college ball, man, like I was watching earlier today and I, I think I counted like 11 passes on one play. Like you never see that shit in the NBA. It's, it's, it's around the horn. It's getting everyone involved. Everyone's splitting up the scoring and it's a team game and it's fast. It's exciting. Um, I don't. Yeah, I think I'm, it depends. I don't like you... basketball at the end of the day. So, yeah. <laughs> like, that's why I don't. I won't sit down and watch an entire. I'll. I like my favorite time to watch basketball is the fourth quarter. Like, I don't really care. And if the game's close, I don't really like watching. Like, I've never sat down and watched an entire basketball game my entire life. Um, but you know, I, I, the fourth quarter is where the excitement happens. It's just a sport that I'm not a huge fan of. You know, I love the NFL. Um, I love the NHL. I love MMA. Basketball would be my next favorite, I guess, because I really dislike baseball. But at the same time, I just can't get into basketball all that much. (laughs) Maybe if we had a team in Pittsburgh, I probably would be a fan. But because we don't, maybe that's why. Do you ever go to anything not professional? Like if you were to go see something like, I mean, I've got a WHL team and, you know, hockey team in my in my city and then you know i go to the games all the time i've never been to a professional game or a college game in my life really oh wow crazy that's interesting what about you jeremy do you ever go to the wolves are fucking amazing right now yeah so you go to college stuff and you know yeah Mm, not so much no interesting i mean i only go really to baseball i really don't go to anything else yeah yeah, let's say baseball's base- actually affordable. <laughs> Not at Wrigley, bro. <laughs> no? Yeah, Back once in the day, it what, was. Once your team gets it good, it, it changes. Once your team gets good, it's uh, ticket prices inflate yeah. big time. What does yeah. it cost to see a baseball game? It if depends you where you want to sit, though. Seats? Yeah. Just, just like decent seats. Mm, like 150 bucks. Really? Yeah. What's it cost for like a Bears ticket? Now, I'd probably say about yeah. four hundred, somewhere in there, three hundred. Like, since they're bad, like two hundred. Yeah, I mean for de- like decency. For I mean, decent seats, yeah, yeah. even decent seats like two hundred because they I suck. Should, I should ask Keel, man. Like he goes down to Chicago. To, his, the Bears are his favorite team, so he goes down there all the time. I see. see games, I don't but, know much about that. I know that I know like Steelers seats are really expensive, but I I know people who go to Pirates games all the time and and doesn't seem like they spent a lot on tickets so i guess our team's pretty cheap <laughs> pirates suck depends yeah, but ba- didn't, didn't baseball chicago suck for like a hundred years yeah <laughs> baseball that's is- why me and moods paid 75 bucks for four rows behind the cubs dugout back baseball- yeah so that's what i'm saying baseball is usually more affordable well it depends it's all tiered right like the like there's different levels of teams like the yankees and the red Sox are like a list teams so their tickets are just outrageous and then you got like B level teams, then C, and then you know shit like that. So it just depends, yeah. right? It depends on how your team's doing. But Yankees and Red Sox, like some of those those teams, like their tickets are always ridiculous. ridiculous. Typically, though, by by average, considering there's way more baseball games, and there's only sixteen or even less than sixteen when you talk about home games, NFL games. Yeah. You and would think that the NFL contribute. tickets would be a lot more expensive. Yeah, well, that does contribute to it because I mean they got to pay. Their players, their you know, their their high salary somehow, <laughs> you know, they can't be charging yeah. little amounts for tickets. Where baseball, you can you got 162 games in a year, you know, you can charge relatively lower and still make that yeah. money. So, but um, uh, but w- speaking of March ma- March Madness, though, we did start our first ever March Madness. We used to do a ton of tournaments. This is what I was leading into. This is why I started this. I wanted to lead into <laughs> this so that that works. Yeah. But. 
Yeah, so we, we started a March Madness, um, I guess, uh, bracket. For, and, and I don't know, I just picked Full-blown one tournament, we, man. Even with qualifying, too. We had so many directors involved in this thing, we had to have a qualifying round. Yeah, <laughs> to so I, the, to like we all know that one of the four favorites are probably going to win it. But what I enjoy about these is the other matchups you get on the way. The ones that are a little bit more even match where you're like, oh, like, w- w-, and, it, and it creates discussion about who's the, you know, made better movies or, or which movies are better and stuff like that. And it really makes you look at someone's filmography. So I, I really like that. It's pretty cool. I don't know why I picked directors. Um, we had a list of, of brackets that we wanted to do back when, like, maybe a year or two ago, there was like a new bracket like every month. But uh, one that we never got to was directors. And I was like, oh, maybe that one sounds good. And I started coming up with all these directors, and I was like, dude, there's definitely not enough seed, not enough space for everybody. So I was like, well, let's do a qualifying round. I put I think 16 people in the uh, in the qualifying Is that round. What there. it was, 16 directors yeah, were in the qualifying. 16 people. Yeah. So, I didn't realize beforehand because when we when you're asking me, oh, what, who who should I take out, put in stuff like I I didn't realize that when you started posting, they were qualifying. And I kind of looked. No, like, no, oh. no, 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 no. I, I wasn't at first. I came up with that after we had a, sh- after what I yeah, and I was like, that's Frank brilliant. Cannon Lauder, and I was like, well, freak, man, because we already struggled getting the guys that we mentioned in. I know. And then all of a sudden there was like two or three more, and I was like, this is just impossible. Um, which, by the way, your homie Darren Lynn Bowsman, who you said should not have been in the tournament, did he win? Actually, actually won and made it into the actual tournament. I like one vote, right? Uh, it was thirty-two to twenty-nine, final score. Ooh, see, close. See, that's you know, that's impressive. I got a lot of votes. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's there's some cool matchups going on. Some of them were squash matchups. Kevin Tenney absolutely destroyed Charlie Band. <laughs> Alexander Odisha absolutely destroyed Jeff Burr. <laughs> yeah, I figured that was going to happen. I've met Jeff Burr. He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. I know Steve. But, is, Steve's buddies with that guy. Yeah. So I think that this is pretty cool, though. I think that this is a neat little thing. So if you guys are interested, head on over to the group page, uh, facebook.com slash group slash 22 shots podcast and check out or facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. Yeah, but it comes up for you. It comes up for you because you're frequent it. But a new person that types it in, it doesn't pop up right away. So that's why I'm not being on our page then. Yeah, because they did. Because a new listener who's never heard of us before, fuck them for not being on the page. Makes yep. sense, man. I, I have to say, man, going back to the qualifying round, like the people that chose the Soska sisters over Freddie Francis, I actually burst out laughing at that. I'm like, I did. Is that just? I, a- I, I don't think so because you got to realize this. Like half of those people have probably never seen. That's my point, Freddie Francis. But like, even voting then seems so. It's just. It's not right. I mean, if you're voting for this, I mean, I guess if you just know the Soska sisters, but I mean, Freddie Francis should be the one getting the votes, theoretically. I yeah, mean, well, I mean, I say that when you talk about uh, freaking Umberto Lenze versus um, um, Wame. How the fuck Del is Steve Meyer beating Chanwook Park? That's fucked. <laughs> yeah, see, it's <laughs> shit like that, that happening. And it, it, well, it's I mean, no one's seen see, the Chanwook Park it. films. That's exactly my point. But, and that's what happens with guys like Steve Meyer. No, no, no. It's all, no, no. I disagree because I think more people have seen Chanwook Park films. I think that what it is is people are just b- voting for whatever films they like better, not who's the better director, which is fine because that's c- clearly Umberto Lenzi would not be beating the guy who made Sleep Tight. 
and I know you voted for Umberto Lenzi, but you love Umberto Lenzi. Yeah. But do you really think Umberto Lenzi is a better director than that guy? Well, I mean, or do you just to... like Umberto Lenzi films better? Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially how I vote. I like his films more. Exactly. So, so yeah. it, I can see why somebody would vote for um, the guy who directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Three versus uh, whoever he was facing. So it just depends how you vote. If you're going to vote for whoever the better director is, or are you going to vote for which films you like better? I mean, it goes right? either way. It goes either way, too, right? I mean, because Chan Wook Park is 100% a better director than Steve Miner. But I probably like Steve Miner's movies better. <laughs> what? He did direct Warlock, man. I mean, Warlock. I, Warlock. I love <laughs> Friday. Friday, thir- Friday 13th Part 2 is like the best Friday. But those take like no skills to fucking make compared okay, to but, movies. But, but are we v- voting for the best director? Or are we voting for the films that you like more? The best director? Okay, and Chandler you are. Park is Woods a, isn't. March Madness 2018. Best director. <laughs> hey, listen. Best I didn't really set up a Whoever wants to vote best for what, director. what they want to. Not favorite director. Best director. Well, Chandler Park is a better director than Steve Meyer. I agree. So why the fuck did you vote for Steve Meyer? I didn't vote for Steve Meyer. Okay. Well, fuck everybody. <laughs> fuck, ne- fuck Neil. <laughs> fuck that jabroni Andrew Schroyer. And, well, he uh, fucking loves H2O, so no surprise there. I think this well, is coming down well, to well, what people Neil, have seen. Fuck Andy. Uh, well, I mean, but hey, all those guys look, you mentioned this, probably haven't seen any of his films. They like, probably haven't seen the Vengeance trilogy and stuff. Like, well, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I just assume. Fuck you, JP. You didn't vote. Not so yet. You, it just came out, dude. <laughs> that poll just came out. Fifty-eight minutes ago. Moots yeah, voted. we've been on here for fifty-one minutes. <laughs> I voted, so you should vote. So fuck you. All right. Well, I, I'm still deciding if I want to vote for who I think's the better director or who's who I. It's th- called who best director, favorite. not favorite director. Best director. <laughs> well, fuck you for voting who your favorite director is. That's I didn't vote for my favorite director yet, but Moot, why don't you yell at Moods? He's doing that. <laughs> Are you Moods? Well, I mean, I'm doing actually technically both. I mean, I'm voting for, you know, sometimes the one I think is better and sometimes the one I prefer more. Might, it might, be, it might be, be the same. director than Darren Lynn Browsman? No. See, now that, no. that's a per- that's a case where I just voted for the, you know, the, the guy that I prefer to watch. Well, that's bullshit because it's best, not favorite. <laughs> He's taking this. He's taking the title very literal here. I mean, he, he is correct. <laughs> Technically, he is correct. But I just listen. I'm always the guy who tries to make everything super serious and puts all the rules on it and stuff. I decided to step back, not even care about that, and just let people vote however they want to. Because everybody always says that I go too hard and like well, too serious day, about it. So vote, they're going to vote how they want to vote, anyways. I mean, you could you could yell and scream and and put the rules and, and like is Storm just before dawn and Satan's little helper better than Among the Living inside and livid? No, oh. <laughs> exactly. So that's why Jeff Lieberman should lose because he's not the best director. But, but are you t- factoring in fun? Because some people it might has say to I do don't. It's fun. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. Nah, he's taking like, this real serious, man. Like, because but, no, he sounds best. exactly like me, though. Like, this is all the arguments that I would make, but <laughs> sometimes he goes against his arguments. Like, I think of, I think of some films. So the where one time I'm fucking there. standing my ground, and you fucking jabroni assholes are coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what I am saying, I, I what actually I'm agree saying, with everything you're saying. What I'm, I'm just saying, saying that, is, yeah? I think no matter 
how much you bark and post the rules and talk about you know the best director and get it out there. I think people at the end of the day are still going to vote on how they want to vote. And it more than likely is not going to be best director. They're going to vote for the films that they've either seen or the ones that they like to watch more. I think that's yeah. just well, natural This is people. also the qualifying round, which yeah. none of these guys who are in here are going to win this tournament. Let's be honest. It's either going to be Carpenter or Romero or somebody like that. Argento. I'm a little bit it's bummed not, it's not. It's not going to be fucking Hideo Nataka, Nakata. You know what I mean? Like, or Massimilio Dalmano. I voted for him because he's the better director. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. For I'm, That's actually a really good matchup. <laughs> but I'm I'm excited to see where these other, like, like uh, there's some, like, Lamberto Baba versus M. Night Shyamalan. That's a fun one. M. Night Shyamalan, ding dong. Okay, Diodato versus Jeremy, Mick Garris. Jeremy, explain this to me. So mm-hmm. you're voting for the better director. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to come across this, but... Oh, I so, know what you're going to so say. Natalia How is versus, Horg better than Fincenito? Yeah, Burke, right? I knew you were going to say that. And it, it, it's funny, actually, because I haven't refreshed this in a bit, but the, the, the totals <laughs> right now are five, uh, I guess, eight against eight. And I see you in there for Burke, So I think that's quite interesting, because, you know, if you're not familiar with him, he directed Necromantic 1 and 2, Shram, uh, Der Totus King and stuff. Verse, those are cube, better directed movie Hunter. than Cube than Splice. No, they're not. <laughs> See, I, I think I, I knew GP would be like, no, what, no, what, sure. what they have and what they did. Even even if you, I don't think even even if you factor in what they have and what they did. I mean, Cube was made for so little money, and it's definitely a better made movie than any of the Necromantics or Shram or Dirk Toted's King. <laughs> but. I might like Burke Wright's movies more than Natalie's because I only not- really like Cube. I know that. I didn't vote yet, damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I, I, I'm just saying what I feel about the directors. But you definitely voted. So you you do think Burke Wright's better than Natalie? Or did you, yeah. ju- do you just like Burke Wright's movies more? No. I just want to, yeah, I mean, there you go. See, sometimes it could work for either way. You're either voting best or you're voting favorite. Yeah, I, I don't Steve, know. I think it's... John Woo well, looking at fucking Steve Man, Mine or whatever the fuck you say. His name is some utter BS. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably? No, probably. It's. I mean, Friday the 13th Part 2 is the best, maybe the best directed in the entire franchise. It really you is. You really think really he was well sitting there going, hmm, I'm going to make a really good directed movie. Yeah, I do. You can see that there's a lot of great shots in there and a lot of use of suspense and stuff like that. People often lump that one in with the other ones, but it's definitely better made. It definitely is. There, there's a there's a next level of flair to that one. That and part. The fuck four. is James Cameron in this shit? Uh, what did he make? He made Piranha. He made. Okay. Uh, he made Piranha two. Piranha two. He kind okay. of. He kind of. And did he wasn't that. even finished it <laughs> yeah like he didn't even do that whole thing he's still credited yeah because the other guy's uncredited it's kind of bizarre, um but. who who else is there what, what else did he make terminator was did he make terminator he didn't really terminator. do any other horror films i mean if you uh, there's an argument for terminator i guess the term didn't he do an alien film aliens aliens which is argument and what the hell has spielberg done is, is it a full-blown horror it's actually and dole horror sci-fi Spielberg did Duel as well. Yeah, but I think Lindsay or Lindsay or Aja should be there before Spielberg 
why isn't Spielberg in the qualifying round? Because Spiel- Jaws is one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah, but he's not a horror director. But he's only directed, like, I mean, some people argue Duel's not even a horror film. Okay, Hitchcock only directed two. Should he not be in this tournament? Should and he, he be doesn't even have round? the credit for Poltergeist. I mean, that's fucking Hoopers, man. That, I mean, okay, but that's, I'm at least, I say that he gives a, gets a half a credit for that, even though it's technically not a credit at all. Todd is not for cre- Eli Roth. <laughs> so how does Ooh, the guy? So how does the guy that directed half the Piranha Two film doesn't he doesn't get half a credit then? James Cameron didn't. Because that, who man. is he? Who's the guy that directed Piranha Two? Uh, I can't remember <laughs> this fucking name. But anyways, yeah, Cameron, I want to see it's not his film. Todd Browning first Eli Roth. Now that's going to be a good matchup. Um, I think that anybody who's made movies in the you know 40s 50s 60s maybe even 70s has a severe disadvantage because granted people have seen less of those movies because they're Lloyd older. Kaufman for Stuart Gordon that's a good Jesus. matchup yeah that's a good one yeah there we go see th- there will be some fun matchups in here for sure but I mean I I, I just listen if somebody threw out a name I kind of put him in if they if they made one to two debatable horror films I threw them in um, Chess Franco the first prime. William Castle, two shitty directors coming together. No, Who's William gonna... Castle. I feel like what? I don't know. William Castle's not a shitty director. Man. Yeah, I, I feel like William Castle's pretty well respected. <laughs> he just had gimmicky stuff, right? But I, I think that like Hitchcock's the prime example, right? He only has two actual horror movies to his credit, right? Am I right? Yeah. Birds and Psycho. So, you the, to, in order to have Hitchcock in the tournament, you have to, at at minimum, have two films, right? So, I figured if anybody has two films, they're eligible. So, where did the two film minimum come from? I would, you know, me first came up with it. I would take no. three. I, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to leave Just Hitchcock in order out to of put there. Hitchcock in there. I, well, how do you not have Del Toro? But so many of his movies or, are just—they're arguably have Del Toro borderline, oh, right? Know. There's those. Yeah, Del Toro's facing off him against Mike Doherty. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, Hitchcock made a shitload of, like, bonafide thrillers. Thrillers, yeah, that's the thing, though. So, I mean, but but people would bring up the argument that he's only made two horror films. Mm. So that's why, that's why I set the minimum as two, just to get Hitchcock in there. Yeah. Um, and, I guess that know, does make sense. Yeah. It also hurts a lot of Giallo directors because some of those Giallos are, are like, not very horror-ish. So I figure... Well, they're Giallos. You know, yeah, they're mysteries. They're suspense yeah. mysteries, but they're not horror. Just like pretty much all of Hitchcock's. Yeah, filmography. So I figured, suspense I figured mysteries, the lower the lower thrillers. amount of horror, horror films you actually need, then maybe some of the Italian guys. Now, would how the fuck did you shot. come up with Carpenter being the number one seed? I just, I just, I literally. Bias I asked the group. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I like Craven more than Carpenter, so really, you know. Wow. So why he's number fucking one then? So what I, what I did was I asked the group, right, like the group chat, um, who they thought would be the number one seed. And I was just like, I don't know. I think that Carpenter – I think that Carpenter is the favorite to win the whole thing. And seed does not necessarily determine your quality of skill. It just determines how much of a favorite you are perceived. So that's – I feel like Carpenter is the number one. 
uh, pre- uh, pre- predicted to win. So I put him as the number one seed. What do you? Who do you think should be the number one seed? Mm. Just out of curiosity, I figured it was either Romero, Carpenter, Argento, or Craven. Mm. That's hard. Well, I mean, what I'm going to say doesn't even matter, but... No, not who you personally think is the best, but just who you think people would pick the most. You know what I mean? Carpenter. Well, if you look at it like that, who I think would be picked the most, I would probably say either Romero or Carpenter. Yeah, so those are the one and two seeds. That's kind of how I went with it. Yeah. And I I I think that... Right after that, you know, three and four, I think a lot of people would vote for Craven. I think a lot of people would vote for Argento. So that's why I went with them at three and four. And then I kind of, and then it's, I didn't even do that as, I did it more as like, there's four one seeds, there's four two seeds, there's four three seeds, like in the actual March Madness tournament. Unfortunately, this bracket doesn't allow you to do that. So that's technically how these are ranked. So like all so number five, six, seven, and eight is technically all number two seeds is the way that I did it mm-hmm. in my head anyway. So the you know the number two seeds would be uh, Falchi, um, James Wan or not James Wan sorry David Cronenberg, uh, and then it would be like Dar uh, not Dario Argento, um, Mario Bava, and there was one other one that I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, I think it turned out decent, and then I did, yeah, I, mean, I didn't painstakingly rank the rest of them because it was too hard. You know what I mean? But, I don't think it matters after you get through the first like you know one, two, or three rankings. Yeah, you know, after that, I don't think it technically matters. I think it's nobody really would think too hard about that at that level. So. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's some funky matchups that happen because of it. Like, yeah, um, like. I don't know. I I didn't really mess with the bottom after like fifty. I pretty much just didn't really care about where they were at. But like you got like Kevin Tenney who was <laughs> under under Charles Band, which is probably not true. You have like uh like <laughs> what? I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't control myself on that one. You said we have um like uh like Charlie Band. Okay. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> I still don't understand what you're talking about. I think you he's referring like to the ma- you said. Like. Oh, because I said like twice. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I say a lot do, of do you do you too, think so. you not do you think you don't say like when you talk because you do. I know, but you <laughs> I'm just bad. Uh-huh. You just said it twice. You. Wrong, so it's funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty cool tournament. I like it. Like, like, like. I like it a lot. Like 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 speaking of like, do you guys like the tournament? (laughs) Sure, sure. That what a dickhead way to say yes. (laughs) Because the no, it's because all these jabronis are fucking idiots. Yeah, like you voting for George Berger or George Berger right over fucking. Are you Italian and Chinza? Are you gonna post an actual picture of the whole tournament uh, bracket? It's I've been posting it in every poll. What? It's in every single poll. The actual full bracket with all 64. Yes. With all 72, pe- 76 people. Oh, you got to click on the link. Okay. I was thinking the picture. <laughs> I didn't even notice that, to be honest. I honestly wasn't even even. I never even noticed that until right now. That's crazy. I was just focusing on the directors and what films you had listed on there. But cool. 
Yeah, cool stuff. Pretty so, cool. There's there's some there's some cool matchups coming up. I like yeah, it. It's a fun thing to do, man. It's a fun thing. I'm, yeah. you know, do you, I think some people might have been a little bit butthurt that all of a sudden you had a that we have a huge uh, bracket going on because somebody else was doing them too. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's doing them. It's March. Everybody does these in March. Yeah, I know. And 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 that's the way it fair, should be. It's March Madness. We, we've always done brackets, right? It's we've true. done so many brackets way before anybody else. I just Way noticed some people were going people really do. quiet. Some people were really <laughs> quiet, and they just refused to vote. Come on, it's March Madness. Everyone does this every year. This is not a new new thing. I mean, uh, Dave, <laughs> it's supposed to be fucking fun. Share the love. But uh, yeah. no, I, I'm excited, man. I, I'm actually, I'm really curious on how this thing's actually going to play through and who gets upset and and then some of the you know I personally like reading a lot of the comments and the fights that happen. The, yeah. I mean, the, they're going to get better. With time, and yeah, because so Don and Ellie has atrocious taste when it comes to to filmmakers. So <laughs> I'm just kidding, Don. Um, but he like he, he he brought he brought up that Wynorski directed. He's like, plus Wynorski directed Super Gatoroid versus Megaconda in this film, and I'm like, what that, is this supposed to be selling Wynorski to me? Because I already like Wynorski, but those are like not the films that I like of his. <laughs> I would rather watch that Bear was the Winch one that he tried to sell Warnowski with. He didn't mention like chopping. <laughs> he Maul mentioned like ice spiders. He did mention chopping mall, but it was like <laughs> mostly like the sci-fi movie thing. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, but uh, Moods is referencing Dave with uh, Dave. I haven't seen Dave vote on a single one of these polls. That's and I, I know that they are doing a slasher poll, which you guys should check out because that's pretty cool. We've done a slasher one before. Um, which I think who won the slasher one? Elm Street three won the slasher one on our end. So yep. I'm curious to see who wins it in exploding heads. I shouldn't, if it's the final girls, Jesus Christ! But uh, <laughs> no, so it, see my it. see my thing is though. So it, when you vote on the exploding heads bracket, does it have to get approved first? <laughs> no, no, because once a post is approved, I think that the, all the comments are automatically allowed. I think. I'm not even sure. You'd have to ask Dave about that. <laughs> I was half joking, but I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, um, got anything else? Um, No, not for the bracket and stuff. Any housekeeping stuff? Yeah, we'll just... Uh, uh, Oh yeah, Horophilia was down. Yeah, so th- if, if those of you listen on YouTube are like, hey, where, why can't I download the show... Uh, it was because Horophilia was down, um, which is funny because er- that post was made in a private group of just hosts, but everybody talked out of the side of the group as if everybody knew that it was happening. I've n- I noticed that. Like all the listeners were like, "What?" Like, <laughs> like nobody actually came out and said publicly that there was issues going on with Horophilia right away. So it was kind of weird, but. Um, yeah, there was there was some apparently were too awesome is what I took away from it. Apparently, there's too many awesome shows on Horophilia, which is flooding the downloads and stuff like that. And and essentially it it dropped the site. It was they uh, the host kind of dropped the site because it was too much activity and it was slowing down the server. Um, so probably what's going to happen going forward is uh, Jason, for one, is removing a lot of old defunct shows and then two, uh, we'll probably have more of a schedule. We won't flood everything at once. And probably video commentaries are probably dead. Um, but we could still do video commentaries because we have our own site. They just won't be in the iTunes feed anymore. 
um, which is fine. That's not a huge deal. I don't I don't know who would download that in iTunes feed anyway. I just watch it on the web page. I don't want to download a giant ass one gig file <laughs> to my phone. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's up now. Uh, the feeds are kind of updating, so like they might still be down for some people, but they should be up eventually. Uh, so by the time you hear this show, you should be able to hear it through iTunes again. Um, but yeah, Jeremy, do you have any housekeeping? Oh no! Got nothing. Yeah. Well, at least he has yeah, to go. Stuff. Um, Jeremy's gonna get together our contest for last month that we never did. Um, and he, you and bastard! Then... <laughs> you fucking didn't remind me. Why do I have you to remind knew, you about anything? You knew you missed, I was gonna by the way, forget. You missed like, Throwback Thursday on yeah, Thursday again. Because you know I'm going to fucking forget. So you're just like, I'm going to make him look like an asshole and not remind him. No, I literally forget too. That's why I asked you to do it. I forgot. <laughs> and it's your turn. Don't ask fair. me to remind y'all motherfuckers. I won't remember either. So, But yeah, so Horophilia should be back up. Um, that was scary. I think everybody was freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Luckily, luckily we have seem, backup. It did seem like it might be the end of it because the way Jason was talking, he's like, "Man, they want like a couple hundred extra bucks. Can't do this." And I'm like, "I'm like, what the fuck's the problem? A couple hundred bucks? There's like, there's like a hundred shows on the network. I'm sure if everyone throws in a buck, we or you know, two bucks, we can pay for well, this kind I mean, of thing." I wasn't overly too worried about it, but you know, it was taking longer than I thought it was going to take to come back I, up. I think and I was the like, oh. biggest problem with that is that. Jason would have to track down people every month for money. You know what I mean? Like it, you, we, you know how things go like that. And honestly, there it seems like there's a hundred shows, but really more, more realistically, there's probably about you know fifteen. Um. So no, would, there's more than that. There's definitely more than that. You think? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely. I mean, are we talking fully active shows or ones that? I'm post- talking about fully active shows. Like, because a lot of them are like. There's like, more than okay. That. So, like, Netflix and chill, <laughs> 22 shots. Like, I don't consider that, like, yeah, technically they're different shows, but it's still just me. Uh, <laughs> but they are they're, you know st- I mean? but they have their own feeds, though, right? So, I think everything yeah. that has their own feed is, you know, a show on the network kind of thing. If you go through I, the I list, mean, there is quite a few, and a lot of those shows well, actually are active. a lot of those active. are defunct, though. Yes, you know it, I mean? yes, but there is quite a few that are. So, I mean... You know, there, there's obviously enough at one, you know, that's causing some issues there. But yeah, I mean, tracking down the money. So I, I well, mean, Jason, Jason, I do an honor system thing about it. Just I talked a lot about uh, Jason a lot about it, too. And it seems like it's not the little shows that are doing it. It's like the big shows that that are causing the the main issues. So what's the main issue? Is it the traffic being caused from the the new shows posted? I think it's the downloads, like, but I think I, I personally, I don't know, like he's, he, he seems to be even confused by it. So we'll, we'll have to see what's actually going on eventually, but I, I assume things are going to change on Horophilia. I thought that what should happen, you know, and I don't run Horophilia, but I thought if it came down to it that, you know, you pretty much would have to just pay to be a host on there. And I, I don't think that that would be like the word, as long as it was reasonable, you know what I mean? Like, you know, 20 bucks a month or oh, something like that. So we like tro- that. totally got away from fucking, you know, paying to do the show and then we're going to end up paying to do the fucking show. <laughs> well, you're the one that just suggested it, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I meant, I technically. Said, no, no, no. I said, I said do an honor system. I mean, 
for the amount of people that are shows that are on there, I mean, if everyone puts their head in the right place, I mean, I have no problem just donating. See, I, 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 the way I look at it is not paying to do the show. It's just donating to the service that they provide for me. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you know, just helping different. out with the cause. I mean, if there's a fucking issue in the server, the people that are running the servers are fucking over Horfilly because we have too much action and it's slowing the server down and shit. I mean, people sometimes should just bound together and be like, hey, we can probably fix this. So no further, you know, nothing drastic is mm. comes well, of the, this because the, technically problems, it could get shut down. Right. You well, know? One of the problems with that, though, and I was thinking of this as well, is we already paid for a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was my if, issue too. I didn't get that. If, if we already paid for a year, then we have to pay more, which is a couple hundred dollars extra a month on top of the year that we paid for is actually a lot. That's a lot of money. That's bullshit. Uh, they shouldn't be even and, allowed to do that. And, and considering Horphelia makes no money, which mm-hmm. I think is, shouldn't be the case. Honestly, like I, I feel like there should be ads on horophilia and, yeah. and it should be monetized. Damn it. Um, 22 shots. Tom, get on that shit. Bro. <laughs> yeah. But, um, since horophilia doesn't have any revenue, if it would be different, if Jason was making money, then he could just put it back into the site. But what's stopping them from, you know, in, in a month, our servers are even bigger. And then they're like, actually, it's going to be an extra $400 a month. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that would become it would it become unworth it. I've at never that point inquired about it before, but why doesn't Jason put uh, different ads on, I don't on know. the network I've to, to generate some revenue? I mean if he if he just uh, started slow and generated a little bit of revenue, it would help, right? You know, it would obviously help a little bit, but I mean the problem lies within the server. I mean, you're right. If they if they can up the ante by two hundred, if you can pay for a year up front and then they up the ante, you know, you got to pay two hundred extra dollars because you're slowing our shit down. What what's stopping them from doing it? You know, in three months after we paid six hundred more dollars. Hey, no guys, you know, it's three four hundred dollars more. When does it end? I mean, there has to be a line. You have to you have to draw an end to this. Yeah, right? and so and a lot of this is is speculation with like how get, everything works and stuff like that. I'm not Jason. I don't know. Um, I just know what he's said to to us hosts and stuff like that, and and I know a little bit about it. But hopefully everything works out. You know, I'm sure if it doesn't, we, don't worry. The podcast would be fine. We would figure out some new stuff. But yeah, don't don't worry though, guys. If something did happen, we would be fine. We would uh, find a, n- a new way to to have the show on iTunes. Luckily, it did get a lot easier for that. Um, before, if you guys remember when we left our old hosting site and actually joined Horophilia, we had to start a brand new feed. We lost all of our subscribers. Now that's actually not the case. iTunes made it easier to transfer feeds. So basically, if we did have to leave, we would be fine. And of course, we'd always still be on YouTube, stuff like that. We have many places you can check out the show. But I would be greatly sad because I love Horophilia. I love the community that it's built. I love Jason. He's such an amazing, um, you know person that helps us uh it's just it, it would just be sad if horophilia went. yeah that it that's what it comes down to is losing the that community right there yeah you never want to you never want to lose that because i mean these communities are already small enough you know i mean if you lose that then what do you have mm-hmm. I mean, what's nothing you got nothing so yeah unfortunately you know it's kind of in a pickle right now but you know I, I try to be positive. I think it's going to work out. I hope it does. I mean, I'm not sure if Jason's looked into switching servers at all. 
you know, if this mm-hmm. one totally kind of defuncts him or defers him from go- moving forward with him. But uh, I don't know. It all remains to be seen. The point is, right now, the show is still up. the The website's up. So for the time being, we are all cool, and that's what counts. Take it day yeah, by day, and, I guess. And we are the best network out there. I'm just saying. Just saying. There's a lot of them. I think we're the best. I mean, doesn't it show by the fact that they're trying to shut us down? <laughs> well, I was looking. I was looking around, and I was quite surprised at some of the other, you know, community and networks and shit like that, and the lack of activity and downloads and and shit that went on. So, I mean, yeah, I would I would actually agree with that. I don't agree with mm-hmm. JP a whole lot, but I mean, I think we actually do have a pretty, <laughs> you know, a pretty solid foundation and community. I mean, the traffic just kind of proves the point, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's fucking up the server enough, so. It's good, man. That's yeah. that's. It's good and bad. It's good and bad. Yeah. But thank yeah, you to like everybody it, out there. It's a happy problem at times, but it also sucks yeah. if it I mean, destroys us. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, that's exactly. It. It's just. I mean, it puts a smile on your face, but at the same time, it's like, damn, dude, the fuck. It's crazy, yeah. man. It's crazy that we can do that. But yeah. Jeremy, so Jeremy, did you get that contest ready? Was that enough yeah. time to get it all ready? Yeah, I'll give away. I'll <laughs> give away a copy of the Monsters Complete Series on DVD. Really? The did, monsters? Did you say Complete monsters series. or monsters? The monsters. Mm. That's actually a pretty good prize. Yeah. I mean, now I have to pull up everybody's fucking name. Oh, yeah. you didn't do that while we were. That was. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> Wasn't that what the reason we were stalling for was? I didn't know you were stalling. <laughs> I just said, Jeremy's going to get this contest ready, but this is what we're talking about right now. All right, so I'll be giving away. On this month's, or last month's contest, the Monsters, the complete series on DVD. It's the newer, semi-newer edition. It's not the last, the oldest edition, which like opens up like a gatefold. It comes in like two separate keep cases. So uh, everybody's names in there, including Jerry the Retard and Carly the Cunt. So let's see who <laughs> is going to win. This month's contest. Here we go. Drum roll, please. And the winner is Jonathan Wilhelm. You're on here three times. And the winner is Mr. Cripps. Andy, Andy. Cripps. All right. the winner. Marco came in second. Well, Wilhelm came in third. Matt Wells came in fourth. And yeah, we gave uh, came we in. gave Jonathan Wilhelm uh, extra votes because and in thirty second extra. place, Carly the cunt. Really, Carly. You came in last. So in a reverse world, she would have came in first. Yep. In bizarre hmm. world. Jerry the Reed, fourteenth. Yeah. Okay, so we gave Jonathan extra entries because of the uh, perk that he picked um, in for the Hellraiser show. So that came with a couple extra entries. And yeah, so um, well, congratulations to the Gangsta Crips. Yeah, for oh, winning shit. a complete series box set of the monsters that's awesome man yeah that's a great and uh, i'll do i'll be doing march's contest next week on next week's show so um i haven't decided what i'll give away yet um was thinking about cult epics's release of obsession so um yeah that that might be what we're giving away next week can i get entered in that i want that do you not have that? No, I don't. I want to check it right, out. It I'll, sounds just, cool. I'll just give you that and I'll give away something else to somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fucking cool, man. All right, cool. Sweet, sweet. All right, well, that's it. We got no more yep. little housekeeping. On that note, nope. 
let's get into this week's news. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Alright, so first and foremost, the what most I say. important... Nope. The most God, important it. piece see, of guys, news... See, th- see this? I want to talk and I'm not allowed. Go ahead, JP. Alright, you will go last because you're the loser. Um, but this is the best news ever. So, uh, turns out that out of nowhere, yesterday, during the marathon of the leprechaun films on the sci-fi network sci-fi put a little teaser out that basically is a teaser trailer for a new leprechaun film coming in 2019 by the director of the void yeah may i have to do it man i have to quote you is it though yes it's the best news ever that's the best that's the best news ever. i thought you said i thought you were talking about the director i don't (laughs) know about that did, no, okay, listen. Okay. Did the teaser okay. actually look okay? Actually, you didn't watch it. What the fuck's wrong with you? No, I don't. I don't even think I have that channel. I'm not gonna it's, lie. It was you posted too, in the dumbass. group. Oh, I definitely did not watch it. I never watch those trailers and shit, man. It's Let's a see. teaser. It's not even from the movie. <laughs> Still, don't you want to see what Leprechaun looks like? Yeah, they actually have him dressed up, and and they have him like you no, know, I'll be honest, talking never... to the camera. He look. He sounds like fucking Brad Dwarf. I'll be honest. Yeah, he I, I actually never even saw sounds the post. pretty good. Never yeah, saw the post. Yeah, he actually sounds pretty good. Actually, you know what? Yeah, sounds like I want. Chucky. I want you to watch this live right now. So I'm gonna send you the link, and uh, yeah, you watch it. Um, on don't don't have it blaring through the thing, but watch it while me and Jeremy talk about it for a second, and then give us your thoughts. All right. Sound All right. good? All right. Right, it's it's very short. It's only a couple seconds long, but I thought it was twenty nine cool seconds. Is not a couple seconds. It's seconds still. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they announced that, that that in this little video thing that the leprechaun's sitting there flipping a coin and stuff and he says that he's coming back. Um, and they actually came out with a plot to this. It's supposed to be more of a sequel to the original film, which is pretty cool. It says the film picks up 25 years after the events of the 1993 original, which found a maniacal leprechaun doing whatever it takes, including committing gruesome murders, to track down his stolen pot of gold. Of course, of course, they're making a sequel to the original. I mean, this is the in thing to do. You can't make actual (laughs) sequels anymore. You know, way you know into the you know from the last one in the franchise. It's got to be in the middle. Do you really want a sequel to Origins? No, I actually, I shouldn't even <laughs> say that. I haven't even seen it yet. Oh, honest God, to God, awful. I have not watched it yet. <laughs> like, Shit. I don't. Even, so, yeah, I really didn't have a lot of ambition to do that. So, but, uh, but that does seem to be the in thing with these, you know, these kind of old franchises, right? If you're gonna make mm-hmm. a new one, we're gonna just plop it in the middle or set it before stuff. So, yeah. anyways, here I'm gonna click on this right now. Okay, this is the teaser sequel to original film leprechaun returns leprechaun returns that's that's a clever title yeah give us your reaction good all right hmm. more interesting than when you watch the girl sucking off the dog <laughs> <laughs> well i will say this does actually look better than origins did yeah so that's that's actually a good thing 
Uh huh. Um, it looks the, a little cheap, but it does like it does like it doesn't really give you a whole lot though. I mean, a little bit of a flip of a coin, which the coin looked cool. It was like an octagon. Yeah. So so what we have here though is we have a newly casted leprechaun who is doing the classic leprechaun style versus the creature feature of leprechaun origins and he doesn't let's be let's just get this out of the way right now he's no warwick davis warwick davis was perfect for that role everybody's used to warwick davis but he's a pretty goddamn good knockoff warwick davis like his voice isn't <laughs> bad. that bad yeah. he kind the makeup is not as good but it's still all right it's that classic leprechaun style that we're used to yeah he definitely and doesn't look too bad that's that's yeah the first thing i was I did actually notice. surprised he sounds yeah. too much like chucky i'm sorry that's is that's a bad thing chucky he's, sounds cool he's not chucky though he sounds like an irish chucky mm, he definitely know. has an irish accent dude yeah um, but I think that it's really neat, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, this is the best thing that can happen for the Leprechaun series. Just oh. a reboot in, in the classic style. Those films, let's, like, okay, most reboots, most, like, series, right, they start off amazing. They're, like, from Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. So, like, you hate when they go down this rabbit hole of suckiness. Hellraiser is the prime example, one we just covered. But leprechaun started off pretty low and mediocre to begin with <laughs> yeah that is so true. the fact that it's coming back to low and mediocre Wait, can we talk about the sci-fi channels fucking airing of oh. leprechaun films okay but okay first of all did you guys read further into this here that's yeah, fucked was, up no it showed no, me no. like the most idiotic order so apparently this fucking this film leprechaun returns is gonna have an appearance yeah, from from warwick davis and he's going to be playing his character Plates from Skin Deep. He's oh, going to be shut up! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, he's going to be throwing plates around and yeah. shit. I was like, I don't remember reading it. I totally about had Robert you going, Davis. didn't I? I had you going. Okay, so 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 check this out. Um, it it says that the Leprechaun uh, is uh, revived in modern day when a group of sorority girls unwittingly awaken him when tearing down a cabin to build a new sorority house. And this is what's cool right here. So it's the cast is Tori Spelling, um, Pepe Singana or whatever. You see Tori Spelling. The hell is Taylor? (laughs) Dude, I'm so fucking stupid. It's Taylor Spratler. I was like, why do we have a real housewife on this bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so dumb. Oh wow, that was awesome. Spelling a real housewife? Yeah, I. Okay, but that wasn't what I was trying to get to. So they're actually bringing back Mark Holton to reprise his role as Ozzy. Ozzy's back. What? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I'm really excited that there's there's never been a sequel to Leprechaun ever. So there's official connections there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's there's a good never start. been direct continuity in no, any of the Leprechaun no. movies. In fact, the continuity. This is the first sequel. <laughs> you're almost... Mark Holton's only good role. Isn't Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Fuck the haters. Yeah, the Leprechaun films are almost just sequels in name. You know, there's no continuity. You know, you you, you spend half the time trying to figure out when this is when the film's taking place. Like even <laughs> Back know? to the Hood has nothing to do with the first film. No, it, it really doesn't. And that's the thing you're always questioning. You're like, okay, is this taking place after this film or before? Like, you don't even know. But that's kind of mm-hmm. cool, man. They're putting one right smack after the original. That's interesting. 
interesting. Yeah, and honestly, like, if you hold your expectations, like, to as, oh, I just hope this is a solid Leprechaun film, you know, and th- your max range in Leprechaun films is, like, 7 out of 10. So, I mean, yeah. like, like, if it's even a 5 or a 6, you consider that a success. Um, you guys know that the Leprechaun franchise is one of my all-time favorite franchises. So literally when I seen this and I hit play and it actually was like the classic Leprechaun, I almost shit my pants. I was like, holy shit, they made a new Leprechaun? Or they're going to? You know, and I was just pumped. I was like, really, I was really, it made my day. It really did. I was so happy. Um, yeah, which man. people were probably like, what the fuck is wrong with this idiot? Still <laughs> doing, like, pumping out sequels to to franchises man i mean that kind of seems to be the thing you guys got that list that i sent there's like i gotta pick up like 11 or 12 films from franchises so speaking of which we did figure out what we're doing for our uh franchise roundup show we did decide we're doing it like that we're gonna do tremors a cold day in hell children according the runaway as well as what was the last one hatchet four victor Victor Crowley. crowley Yeah, so those will be our first volume of franchise roundups, and then I think we already are ready for a second volume, like right after that, because <laughs> uh, there's a couple of other films that, yeah, that we didn't get to yet. Very, very shortly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's the first piece of news, which was pretty. I told you that was the best news of the day. Um, and then this is the this is the next bit of news, not the best news of the day, but I'm sure Moods will love this. Um, so they are in the process of going to be filming a happy death day too yeah i saw that yeah 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 we all know what mr schroeder's oh my god what i mean (laughs) it doesn't surprise me because happy death day did very very well at the box office and people seem to enjoy it so why not make a sequel I will not. It be made a parta- hundred million dollars. I will not be partaking in watching any fucking sequel. Well, to over a hundred million, unless yeah. of course it's actually called Happy Shit happy, Day. Happy Happy Shit Day. That's a little harsh, bro. It, it wasn't my. It wasn't for me, man. It was a good movie. It's not shit. It's definitely a good movie. It's, it's yeah. It's pretty. It's good. just completely not made for moods, apparently. No. <laughs> so know. this film is going to be filming in May. Uh, in New Orleans. So happy death day too. Coming back at you. Yep. Which is whatever. Cool. It's I'm, expected. I'll, I'll Honestly, it's expected. It's expected. Yeah. Maybe what if if they make it? Who knows? You might actually like this one. You know, maybe they'll make it R or something. Well, I imagine I they're not going to do the Groundhog Day in this one. I heard they're going to do like Back to the Future, going back to the first film. Kind of shit. Are you trying? Are you are you joking here? No, no, that's actually what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a fucking DeLorean, too? That'd be amazing. I don't know. They actually so, pull a DeLorean out and they go back to the Doc first Maybe Doc Brown fucking shows up. God. So we talked about this a little good. bit recently, uh, but it's became official. Rob Zombie official on Instagram. How is this not Instagram- the best news of the day? <laughs> Insta- yeah, Instagrammed seriously. out. It's all true. Day one of shooting, three from hell. The murder and madness continues. You man, you got Rob your shit zombie, twisted. Hashtag Sarah Moon Zombie. Hashtag Bill Mosley. Hashtag Devil's Rejects. And it's a picture of the what do they call those directors' chairs, right? Yeah, with uh, three chairs. from hell on the back. Yeah. I'm a little bit confused on why this wasn't the best news of the day. Because Leprechaun got announced. Dude, Fuck Leprechaun. A, an official sequel to 
I don't want Lamp- Leprechaun. Lepre- we got an official sequel to Leprechaun. But the devil's Lepre- See now, I'm. Re- I mean, you know how we were kind of joking about what the storyline could be if this thing became mm-hmm. true. Now I'm really fucking curious because, yeah. as we know, the three main cast members are back onto this. So that whole idea of maybe one of them. Yeah, they did. They said they were all signed on there. And so the idea of one of them maybe, or them living through that foray of bullets is a great possibility now. And one of them passing away and moving, that's just not there anymore. So this is interesting. I mean, I'm interested to see what they do with this because I don't think it's going to be a fucking prequel. Let's face it, it, man. It's definitely not a prequel. Guaranteed. Exactly. Exactly. I'm putting, I I would totally bet with you it's not a prequel. It has to be a a direct sequel to The Devil's Rejects, which is interesting. How is he going to pull this off? Listen, I'm going to just say this. If it's not a spinoff, if it's not a prequel with different actors, I say I would rather it not be supernatural. So I'm just going to say, fuck it. Let them live. I don't care. As implausible as it's going to be, don't care. People, people, I'll accept it simply to get another Devil's Rejects. It'll ruin the best ending in horror history. How? Bro. No, the the thing, the, the way that he could only like fully ruin it is if that end sequence turns out to be a dream. To be a dream that would that when ruins we know it. Rob Zombie has fucked with dreams before. I will, I will literally kill him if he does that. But them living through it, it's it's not supernatural. It's not a dream sequence. Yeah, obviously it's it's a little bit uh, out in left field that they would actually That's survive like that. It is, it yeah, is like 99% like nine. impossible, but it's whatever. Like I'll accept it, damn it. There's no way he's going to live through that. He probably fucking would have had a heart attack just from the gunshot sounds. He's so <laughs> fucking old. But, but you know, I mean, I accept that. If it, you know, That's what I would rather see than a dream sequence or supernatural elements. Let them fucking live. That's it, man. And then just go do some more. Listen, that's a good thing. You, you know what I was just thinking? What? You never said what the show was. That we're doing a Eli Ross show. Yeah, we're doing the Eli Ross show. Nobody knew. I mean, they'll know when they see the thumbnail. So. <laughs> or the title of the show. And the title of the episode. I don't think we... We usually don't bring up the what we're doing. <laughs> Sometimes like we're... I try to, but you're right. We, we often forget. Yeah. But I'm going to say this. This is going to be a very pivotal film in Rob Zombie's filmography for me personally. Because... House of a Thousand Corpses, I like a lot. I think it has flaws. Jeremy thinks it's a masterpiece. Dave thinks it's a masterpiece. Everybody else thinks it's a fucking masterpiece. I don't. But I think it's pretty good. It's a solid Devil's 6 Rejects. out of 10. Devil's Rejects is a masterpiece. It is one of the best horror films ever made and surely one of the best of the 2000s. And then he goes on to do a very solid remake, which I absolutely love, and a sequel to the remake that I'm actually a pretty big fan of now. It's grown on me. Um, then he does Lords of Salem, which is arguably his second best film. And then he goes and does 31, which to me actually really was not good. And the more that I thought about it, the more time I've spent away from it, the more flaws and, and just bad things that I've seen in it. And I, I truly think that it's it's so under par for what Rob Zombie can do. I hope it's a fluke and not a sign of things to come. And I think that this film will make that, you know. Yeah, there was, there was really nothing it'll, it'll special you know. about it. There was nothing special about 31. And I, I was actually quite intrigued by reading that, you know, Rob Zombie had stated public, publicly that 31 was his best film. I mean, yeah. I understand when directors say things like that 
because as mm-hmm. an artist, as you know, as somebody that creates, you know, generally their their newest project is still very close to them, and they still have that kind of bond with it, and they they generally try to talk good of it. Um, I'm thinking that's what's happening with Rob Zombie by saying that because you y- you have to would think that deep down he knows that's not his best film. Like he, he can't be trying to trick himself. Like know. because let's face it's just even for people that don't like Rob Zombie, they would say that that's not his best film. It's definitely his worst film. I think it is too, actually. Mm. But so yeah, so and and you know this this is a huge platform right here. You got a sequel to his best franchise. He, you know, it's it's becoming a trilogy, which everybody thought that it should have been, you know, from the get go. And then now you have the, an opportunity to, you know, improve on one of the greatest horror films ever made, which is unlikely. But if you can do it, it would be pretty epic. Or you can, you know, completely drop the ball, give all the haters more ammo to use against you, and also make people who are huge fans of you question, A, why you did the film, B, if you really were as talented as we thought you were, and C, I don't have a C. (laughs) (laughs) I had a C, I thought, but I don't have a C now. (laughs) And it's gone. Yeah, and it's gone. (laughs) But, you know, I think there's so much riding on this film. Like, you have a lot to live up to with The Devil's Rejects. Um, I'm happy he's doing it, though. I am intrigued. As of right now, I don't know when this film is coming out, but if they're shooting now, I would assume it comes out next year. This is my most anticipated film of 2019. Yeah, I hope that he, you know, doesn't have problems with it. You know, he actually gets the money that he wants to... Well, they're that, shooting that, now, so that he gets, he did get that he needs to make what he wants to make. That, that's mm-hmm. a better way of putting it. Because I mean, thirty one had a little bit of issues, right? It was a little bit crowdfunded, didn't get as much. I think there was issues with it. So, and you can kind of tell in the filmmaking, it's very basic, and it's just it's, it's a not, very lazy movie. It, it's it not truly best. is. It, it just kind of shows in the in the final product that it, in my opinion, I don't think it's exactly how we intended the film to end up being. But I can. I can pick that film apart. But 100%. this but this is a bigger but this is a bigger issue and I agree with you. You know, he's adding on to, you know, arguably two of the most beloved films in, you know, of this millennium, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people love these two films and, you know, everyone's expecting the best. So yeah. it is kind of a game changer to deal breaker coming off a miss and if you knock this one out of the park, it could literally be one of the greatest trilogies of all time. See, I don't worry about him shutting up the the haters of him. You know, the, the Rob Zombie haters. I, for if I was in his shoes, I'd just worry about making my fans happy with the sequel. Right? Don't don't try to change everyone else's mind that already hates him and shit. Just focus on making that film that you need to make for this beloved trilogy that he already has. Well, Tulogy. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I just came up with that. <laughs> okay. Tulogy adding to the dictionary of 22 shots, I, <laughs> uh, you know, contributions to the world, <laughs> but the, the, you know, this is a huge opportunity for Rob zombie. Uh, I feel as though when you talk about directors and you talk about writers and you talk about creators and you talk about filmmakers, I feel like a lot of people who create something original that people grab grasp onto often get very close and attached to those things. Like whenever you have 
Rob Zombie creating these three characters, creating this mythology, creating this this little world, I like to think that he would be incredibly attached to them, which means that if he were to do another film, because it's been a very long time since the last one, I feel as if I would hope that he would have something very interesting in store. I, I, I hope that it's not something that he just threw together to make another Devil's Rejects film. I want to believe that this is something that's been stewing in his mind for years. I, I think when you create characters like that, there couldn't be a, a week that goes by where you don't think about different scenarios that those characters could be placed in. And with time, I hope that you come up with a lot of cool freaking ideas and then you have you know, a, a, a good film and development out of it. This is also going straight into shooting, so I assume that the financing came together quite easy for this one because normally you need hype for a film to get investors involved, but this seems to be just already I was, going. I was actually, mm-hmm. I was questioning that too. I was a little bit surprised that it was, you know, already in the production stages and we didn't really know much about it. So that's interesting. That's actually a good sign because maybe he has the funds that he needs to make this. And I, I truly, I truly believe that he knows exactly what he's doing with this film. You know, he's yeah, been thinking, I would hope he's been that thinking he about the storyline unless he knows what he's doing with it. Yeah, I mean, and it is true, you know, as an artist, as somebody that creates, you know, and, and but he also knows like he's obviously close to these characters because he created them. But he also knows how much people love them, too. So I think given that that mind state, he's going to work on creating something really special. That's why it probably took a long time to do this. And I, I believe that this has been stewing for a long time. Also, you know, this isn't something that this isn't a money ploy this isn't something to put out there just to please the fans or to prove anything i don't think rob zombie needs to prove anything i don't you know i mean i really don't i mean i mean that's just my mentality i mean so if you have a miss and you're and you're and you have a lot of fucking haters but i don't think he needs to prove anything man Mm -hmm. but the next film but he just needs to make a good one that's all well i i think he does need to prove something to me um, the, uh, who's a little down on him from his last film. Uh, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. See, I haven't lost faith in him. I, I mean, I felt like it was a miss. And most directors, I mean, there's not too many You're directors. Not gonna be perfect, there's not really always. any directors who's directed over, you know, four yeah. films. And all of them are, are, are phenomenal. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very rare that That's that what I'm saying. I mean, all, And Halloween 2 directors. wasn't even that good. So uh, My main thing is that that film felt so messy that it, it it did almost make me question if he really has it still, and I was like, "What about Halloween too? I never questioned. I, if I he think had Halloween it still. two is great. I never questioned if he had it still. You know, there's there's good elements in the film. I think that it was just such a messy uh, production, and there were so many you know internal issues with that film. It's just sometimes you can tell. I think that's what happened with that film, and I'm sticking with that. You know, yeah. it's not well, we'll what he intended see. it to be. I know, I I know for a fact that's not what he intended to be. I hope not, because if he intended it to be that, then. Whew. But I mean, if you stick uh, with that, I mean, who knows? If he had the funding, if he had the time, if he had, you know, what else, whatever else, and resources and things to make the film that he wanted to, I I think it would have came out a lot better. And I think mm-hmm. with the way this project is coming together, he might have all those resources and not have those production issues already. And he can focus more on creating that story that that he needs to to add on to this trilogy. So to make that awesome, unforgettable trilogy. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I don't think this I don't think this is one of these, you know, oh, I need some money. I, you know, he doesn't need the money. 
Yeah, he doesn't need the money. That's the thing, yeah. and and that's why I say he doesn't really need doesn't need the money. It's not a money thing. He doesn't really need to prove anything. I mean, he I, if, as far as I'm concerned, he's written off the haters anyways. And I think with one miss, I mean, if he has to prove something to UJP, that's that's fine. But I mm-hmm. don't think he has to because he has enough solid, you know, material in his uh, filmography that I, I feel like he's already proved well, it. The only reason I say that is because if. As of right now, he's, you know, in my probably top three or four favorite filmmakers of all time. And, you know, to me, he was was being on the he was he was going the rate he was going was incredible going into 31. So to me, after 31, it's a lot different how I look at him in terms of like, uh, I did think he was potentially going to be like one of the goats. Um, and then I kind of pumped the brakes on that a little bit. So it, but how when, does one when film I say, do that to you though? Well, because you're usually, you know, just the classic, you know, you're only as good as your last film and yeah, it's Romero's not, it's had not, a bad film and Carpenter's no, 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 but you're not, you're not stuff. understanding here. The, we're talking about somebody who, you know, is going into another film. Like, I'm not saying that all of a sudden he made one bad film and he sucks. I'm saying that the trajectory of his career is is what I'm I'm talking about. So if he makes another bad film and it's also happens to be a sequel to one of my favorite films of all time, then it's gonna hurt him significantly more in my eyes of how much I like him and how high he's ranked in my top favorite filmmakers is what I'm saying. So that's when I say prove to me, I'm just saying prove to me, you know, good or bad if I'm gonna put you higher or lower in my top five. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So it's like a, it's a complete personal thing then. Yeah, yeah. It's not like like I'm still a fan of everything he's done before 31. Like there's some of my favorite movies ever. But in terms of just like I want to see if he can still qualify in my top favorite filmmakers with another bad film if it happens. But I was highly disappointed in 31. Most disappointed I've been in a long time. Mm-hmm. But I still love Halloween. I still love H two. Still love H two. Yeah, dude, I love H two because it's. I think it's good. I really do. I defended it on that show, but I like it even more now than I did back then. Yeah. <laughs> even Moods has come around on it. It's because we've watched the goddamn movie like nine times. You know, it's <laughs> it's hard not to notice different things and just kind of take yeah. it for each time you watch it. You kind of take it for what it is. I mean, you know, it's gonna happen. And mm. I don't, it's just one of those films. I don't know. It, it is yeah, strange. It gets it's better up. with age. It, it gets better with uh, separation and more views too. Definitely grown on me over the years, for sure. Yeah, but you know, so so when it comes down to, it's just all personal. Like where I rank him in my in my favorite horror directors, and I always go back and forth on my favorite. Like it, it's always between Carpenter and Craven, and then like Rob Zombies in there and Romero. Um, but now I've added Dario Argento in there, and it's kind of just a clusterfuck. So I need some people to kind of – I need to see a few more films from a few more directors. I don't know if I – it's, like, weird because, like, obviously every filmmaker has bad movies. How John Carpenter has a few. Craven has more than a few. From what I hear, Argento has some too. I haven't seen them yet though. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, man. Like, Craven actually has a lot of misses. He really does have um, a lot of misses for myself. Like, there's a lot of films that I don't really care for that he had done. It's quite yeah, interesting. 
it, he does have a lot of, of films that are not great, yeah. but he has a lot of films that are amazing too. Like mm-hmm. he, he has, in my opinion, great movies in every decade since he started, which you can't say for many filmmakers. Is this great film um, in the seventies? The Hills have eyes or the, uh, the last house on the left. I, I consider it the Hills have eyes, but when like, let me rephrase that a little bit. He has a important film in every, an important or a great film. Um, the last house on the left, I have a Rocky relationship with, but I do understand why people hold it so high. I mean, that's a lot of people's favorite movie. Um, Jerry absolutely loves it. Uh, it's just, you know, we have our certain beefs with it, but I do think Hills have eyes is great. Um, obviously Elm street, you got scream, uh, Scream 4, as well as My Soul to Take, which I absolutely love. Um, so I, I think that he he even ended his career, honestly, on high notes to me, um, which is pretty rare when you talk about filmmakers. Um, Scream 4 was a solid sequel. It's better than Scream 2 and 3. <laughs> um, and that was his last film he ever made. Uh, yeah. If it was original, it would have been more cool than to go out on something that's already kind of established. But at the same time, Craven Craven does have a lot of misses, but I think he also has some of the better horror films uh, ever made and some of the more important horror films ever made all throughout his entire career. Um, kind of a weird. He's probably one of the weirder filmographies to dissect. Yeah, I always feel like. I enjoy Scream Four. I'm not. A, I'm not the hugest fan of My Soul to Take, but um, besides Scream, like his last great film for me was People on the Stairs in '91. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it go. It goes back quite a long time, and then he does it. He has lots of misses, man. It, it's. I always find it quite interesting. Um, you know, he did Nightmare on Elm Street in '84, and then he did Chiller that same year. And Chiller is just. It's pretty bad. You know, yeah. Actually, I think it came. Well, out he 85. also did How Hills Have Eyes too, like right around there too, right? Yeah, that that came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and Chiller, <laughs> I believe, was done in '84, but it was a TV film. It came out in '85. But it's crazy the quality difference in those films. And like, and wow. I think truly that it comes down to that, like he did a lot of director for hire stuff that he wasn't proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, he, he definitely and, had problems making films that he wanted to do. I mean, we all know The Hills Have Eyes, too, is just a paycheck. It shows. Yeah, he's even said that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, Carpenter has some misses in there. Like, Village of the Damned is... I would take almost any Craven film over that. Because even a lot of the bad Craven films have entertainment value to me. Um, I haven't seen Chiller, though. That's, like, one of the only films that I haven't seen by Craven. Um, but I think Village of the Damned is just so boring. But when you talk about directing and pure directing style, I think that it's the only reason I like Craven so much is because, you know, there's three or four films in there that I think are truly, truly so influential and they're spaced apart. Like to me, Carpenter's best movies all came out around the same time and his career really got off track the deeper you go into it and he never really comes back out of it. You know what I mean? So, but he's definitely hands down a better like artist. He's better at crafting a movie. His movies look so much better than Craven's movies. And you can look at a Carpenter movie and know that it's a Carpenter movie. You can't do that with Craven unless you're looking at 
something that happened in the script with booby traps. You know what I mean? You might booby be able trap. to pick it, pick it out then, but I, you you can't like look at a Craven film and be like, oh, this is a Wes Craven film. Mm-hmm. But that is true, though, man. Car- or Carpenter. I think it's also because Carpenter does, you know, the majority of his own scores too, and it just has that Carpenter feel to it. You know, if you really, if you put the music in, you know, take the music out of the film, it's like, man, that's so Carpenter kind of thing. But Carpenter, man, had a really crazy run from like 76 until arguably, you know, I mean, a lot of people do like Ghost of Mars and, and Vampires and stuff. But read up until about 94 when he did In the Mouth of Madness, which I think is like his last great film. But he doesn't really that's have definitely his last great film. He doesn't really have a lot of misses in there. It's a it's a very impressive run that he had. You know, he didn't do a whole lot in the 2000s and, you know, to date kind of thing. All of his films are passable, but I just think some of them aren't as like Prince of Darkness. I think it's a pretty good movie. It's just incredibly boring to me. Um, I just, you know, but I think that all of his films are so shot so well and the scores are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, while Craven, I think Craven's probably a better writer than he is director. If you if you're gonna compare those, two I think things. The, I think the difference between the two guys, to be honest, is that Wes Craven was, you know, I've heard stories of you know actors and act, actresses that have worked with him, and they say he's like the nicest. He's almost too nice on the set. So I don't yeah. think sometimes when he uh, he may have a vision, but he just doesn't want to get it. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't know how to get it across properly. You know, sometimes yeah. you kind of have to work it out. Maybe kind of raise your voice and kind of work through the kinks and stuff. Where I think Carpenter was a little bit different, like that, where he would yeah. kind of voice his opinion and he would get to mm-hmm. the the vision that he that he had in his mind. And I think that was the big difference between the two of them. You know, yeah. So yeah, yeah. But um, Rob Zombie, <laughs> you know, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell coming soon, hopefully. Uh, next up, a uh, little bit other sequel news. Like this isn't real news, but I realized we had never talked about this. I don't think. But out of nowhere, you know, they announced a Tales from the Hood sequel, and the director, Rusty uh, Cundiff, actually posted a, a tweet on Twitter, and he has a picture of him and the damn little African voodoo doll, which is still just absolutely terrifying to me. <laughs> and it, and uh, he says that casting is uh, almost done. Auditioning is, is pretty much done. So they're going to be shooting soon. This is insane. I can't believe this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit shocked Spring by that too, man. man. That's pretty awesome, man. I hope they don't fuck the casting up and put a whole pile of whack ass modern rappers and bullshit in there. Like keep it, well, keep it, it keep it to real hip hop, which bro. Listen, literally, just that's keep not it even a movie though, to man. What that's you just... did in the first tells from the hood. Yeah, but they Make... had all the hip rappers and the hip hop, which so we all know how that went. Yeah, but it wasn't. It's. Well, I don't want to see any. I don't even want to see rappers in, in Tales from the Hood too. Honestly, but what's I'm saying? I mean, just stick to, just stick to having you know like real actors in there, and kind of like what they did with yeah. the first film. With the first film, they had real fucking yeah. actors in there. Yeah, and and they just had five relevant social commentary anthology. I just stories. don't want Let's that. Do it again, brother. I don't want them to sell Tales from the Hood. You know with gimmicks like having some like i said whack-ass fucking you know modern day rappers in there you know i don't want to sell, just sell it based off you know the original one Have some, tales from the hood gets no respect as it is because it's called tales from the hood and people think it's going to be a joke when really it's not at all you know but i'm I, i'm curious to see what's going on with it i i to me it looks like they're going to do a sequel to that that original voodoo doll segment so that could be cool that's a good start (laughs) 
Yeah. As we know, Trilogy of Terror 2 um, actually made a sequel to the Zuni Fetish Doll um, story, which is yeah. crazy because it's an, a direct sequel like 30 years later or like 20 years later in an anthology. It's a segment sequel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is just crazy that that's a real thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll be looking at the developments on this just out of pure curiosity. I, mean, I just want to see what it's like. Um, but hmm. Yeah, I know it would be I, the I, shit. It's the question. I know one. <laughs> I know one fact. The soundtrack that comes from this is probably definitely not going to be as, even half as good as the original one. No, I mean, like, dude, the way they incorporated the uh, Spice One song into that film is absolutely epic. Oh, it's perfect. And I doubt, I doubt, I doubt we're going to get the level of um, MCs on on it It, because it's going to be. I can't imagine that it's not modern. I don't know. Maybe they'll set it. I don't know. I have no idea. You know what? What would be cool though if they actually tried to get some of the some of the artists that they had do songs originally. Yeah. For the original soundtrack to come back and do songs. I mean, spice one just put out a new record like last week, you know, kind of thing. So yes, a lot of of the cats that were on that soundtrack are still active, but that would be pretty cool. You don't see that for happen very often in the sequels. That would be cool. Well, hell, isn't it the same director? I think so. I'm sure he, he put his own flavor into there so maybe he's maybe if, if he is a fan of those artists maybe he will stick to that caliber of be pretty cool man know, pretty cool people. so the last little piece of news i have before i hand it off to jeremy is that um joe bob just gave us a little update um and he said somebody asked him about monster vision he said all i can say is we're getting really really close as you guys know shutter joe bob might come together for a new monster vision style segment thing which i suggested a solid year before it was announced that it might be happening just yeah, saying it's probably it's probably for me you know <laughs> exactly exactly because <laughs> of you let's give jp a round of applause for absolutely uh, fucking nothing it's pretty cool news though man like you know him even tweeting that it's getting super close i love shutter it's cool man i love I love Monster Vision. I love Joe Bob. He Je- hell, Jeremy. Jeremy even became a pretty big Joe Bob fan from his commentaries. Yeah, so. yeah man. Oh, yeah. he's so if, funny, man. He's so funny. He makes those movies tolerable. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I hope. I it's, look. I hope it's like you know as good as you know as it was before. You know, I'm really curious to see what they do with this, though. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious too. I, I love like the, the format. Cool. I'm curious on the format yeah. and shit. So. Yeah, it's different because it's not like commercial based. That's you know, what, I'm, so that's like, what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't know if people know this, but Shutter actually has a pretty cool feature where it's like Shutter Live or something like that, and I throw it on all the time at night, and I try not to even look what's on. But they basically have a twenty four hour streaming thing that just streams Shutter movies, and it kind of ca- captures the feeling of just flipping on through the channels like late at night in the 90s and popping on a horror film that's like 15 minutes into it already and it's pretty neat to do that because you like you don't know what they're playing right away so it's like you just turn it on and and you start watching something pretty cool i actually didn't even know that existed on there yeah yeah yeah, it's neat check it out (laughs) check it out it's cool it's fun it's fun and it's fun to see what's on at what time you know just like random but so I, maybe it'll be in there, maybe like 8 p.m. on like Saturdays or something. You know, maybe they'll do it like that. 
Um, but it's pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm like really excited for this to actually take off. So hopefully it does. And hopefully people actually freaking support it when it does take off. Um, but yeah, that's it for the news on my part. Jeremy, you had something. Yeah, I'm surprised more people haven't been writing about this because this was two days ago. But I've seen this on different places. So this comes from Katie Stiegman. And I guess she used to work on Eric England's films. A lot of Eric England films who did, you know, uh, Contracted and uh, Madison County, those films. So she writes, she wrote this on Instagram. Uh, For many years, I've been keeping this man's secret from going public. For many years, I had to make sure I was safe and out of sound mind coming forward. I wanted to come from a place of kindness and without fear. Well, today today is the day. For three years, director Eric England abused me physically, emotionally, mentally, and sexually. The irony of this photo is now lost. I mean, she has a photo from set. I was thrown into tables, choked until I couldn't breathe threatened with scissors, knives, screwdrivers, and was denied the right to turn this man down for sex for fear as he called it awakening the beast. To say I'm lucky to be alive is an understatement. Sitting and watching the trailer for his latest movie, Josie, is all the reminder I need to come forward. Impressionable, young, amazing women like Sophia should not be working with someone like him, and if I remain quiet, the pattern will continue. Eric, I hope this forces you to bow out gracefully and get the help you need. I know your team is aware of your history as well as the LAPD. It's time to go and give way to the creators of this town who also know how to treat people when no one is looking. Blah, 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 blah. So. No shit. Who, who, wh- where did you find that at? Just on Facebook. I mean, who reported that? Uh, is it from her Facebook page? Yeah. Okay. And then wow. it was on um, Pop Horror too. No shit. So well, that Eric makes England f- scumbag. Let let's let's be clear that these are completely yep. a- allegations. At this there point, is allegations, but, but, but I'm surprised no one else has been writing about it. I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess we're just desensitized to it at this point, which is <laughs> fucked up to say. But um, that's pretty awful, you know. I, fe- I, I if that is true, that is something else. Yeah. Um, and I would be very pissed off. And this guy doesn't even look like... like well, throw another one in the shit bin. Jesus Christ. Like, I, I can tell you this. If, if this is true, you know, mm-hmm. like... I mean, if she's that. writing... I mean, it has to be... Relative... I mean... I, I would ass- in, the pod, in the Facebook I would assume that it's, uh, you know, more than likely true. Well, I mean, for her to, you know... That's pretty, that's pretty fucking strong. Some How strong allegations. Has, he, has he commented on this? Like, no, she said every time. Like, of he, abuse. like, he hasn't, like, he hasn't, like, he used to be really he just active. said, like, on four Twitter. times right there. You just said, like, and four then, times. And then two days ago, he, like, stopped posting on Twitter five and times. stuff. That's, really? crazy, That's man. awful. Your homie worked with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Nija or something? Najar Townsend. Yeah. Well, another scumbag. Well, I guess he was a scumbag. He looks kind of scumbagish. He looks like you know, he looks not intimidating to me. So like, it's somebody like, should whoop his ass if if it's true. Not even yeah. joking. But every time like it's a big. I mean, this guy is only done. I mean, contracted. You know that I liked Madison. Yeah, County. I think a lot of people liked contraction. Ma- contracted. Contract. Contraction. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> Five Senses of Fear was okay. Was okay, yeah. Uh, well, he did the the one segment taste. Uh, Madison County sucks. I think he reviewed on. Yeah, show. Madison County is horrible. Yeah, um, I don't know anything else, but yeah, if he goes down, I guess it's not a big loss for me. But yeah. those, yeah. those type of fuckers. Surprised nobody's been like talking about that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of fucked up news. Yeah, that is awful. Way yeah. to bring down the show, buddy. We we're having a good time. <clears throat> sure. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag uh, me too. So is that is that all you had, Jeremy? Just the one piece? Yep. Alright. Cool. Fucking thing sucks. Oh yeah, moving along here. Uh we got to get into some box office brawl right now. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Ding ding. All right. So JP that sounded like coming. a tugboat. Yep. <laughs> Fighting around the world. Sweet. Uh, so JP, for some retarded ass reason, wants to do Pacific Rim Two and Unsane, which is Schrodenberg's new horror film. So let's do Pacific Rim 2 and get that out of the way. So 3,700 theaters. It's going up against, of course, Black Panther and uh, Tomb Raider. <laughs> did bad and insane. But I feel like we're going to be saying this like for months to come. Uh, this new film is going up against Black Panther. You know, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Is that shit still bringing in lots of money? Yeah, it was number one again. Oh my god, it's crazy! It's straight. Man. These Marvel films, man, are blowing up the spot. Just past six hundred million domestically. Blowing up the spot, it's crazy. Yeah. So thirty-seven hundred theaters. I'm going with forty-five million. Really? Forty forty-five million? Okay, Jeremy, what did what did um, the first one make? I don't think it did that much. What did the first one make opening weekend? Do you have those numbers? Yeah. Because I know Pacific Rim did uh, really 30, well. 37,285,000. So 37, and how many theaters? Uh, 3,275. Holy fuck, 32. Wow, that got a crazy release. Um, this one's at 3,700. Wow, these are wide, wide releases. We usually don't do films that get that many... Uh, Get that much action. That's crazy. Um, so you had 40... What did you say? 47? 45. 45. Holy man. I don't even know that. 3,700 theaters. That's excessive. Uh, it is a sequel. Um, I didn't really honestly care for the first one that much. Is that bad to say? I don't know. I've never seen it. It's pretty good. It was okay. Like, I, I, I wasn't blown away. But honestly, it was a little... Eh, it was okay. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood to watch it, but um, I do think it's going to do pretty well. I mean, given the numbers that the first one did, this is a very, very wide release. and probably even get it here. You know, that's saying something. Uh, 45. I'm going to come in. Damn, it just seems so fucking high because we're not used to it. That must be the highest prediction we've ever had. 45 million? I'm going to come in at... 37. Okay, so Moods is thinking that it's going to do about the same as the last one. <clears throat> Both of you guys are extremely wrong. This film's not going to do that good. Absolutely not that good. I'm thinking that it's 
going to do around 25, but I don't even need to say that because... In 3,700 cinemas, dude? I'm going to say that it's going to do... What did you guess, Moods? 37? I'll go 35, but I think it's going to even do less. 35? You fucking... But totally I just wait. railroaded me there. <laughs> what a dick. I kind of went with 37. I was like, 3,700, man. Million. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. This is up in the air, man, because some of these movies do really well. Yeah, I just... I don't, I don't think that... Like, it did really world, really well worldwide, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was considered kind of a flop in the U.S. at first because it had a $190 million budget, mm-hmm. and it only made $100 million domestically and only 37 opening weekend. I feel like when you have a $190 million budget and you do 37 opening weekend, that's considered bad. They must have factored um, in the media sales on that too because as far as I remember when Pacific Rim came out, it got you know tons of fancy-ass editions and everybody and their dog and their dead grandmas bought a copy of that movie on Blue Rizzle. So... I think Blue they Rizzle, fact- Yeah, and you know, and with the success internationally too, man, I mean, I think this one's going to do quite well. Everybody knows you know, kind of what to expect from this film now. So I think it's, I think I do pretty well. Yeah. We'll All right. Out. Yeah. What about Unsane? Unsane doesn't have a theater count as of now, but it says nationwide. So I assume it's probably between 2000, 2500. So, mm, Unsane. See, that's more mm. like it, man. 2000 to 2500. Now we're talking. Stronenberg. Promotion's been pretty pretty okay uh i'll go 9.5 million such a huge difference <laughs> see this is what i'm used to this is like when you said 45 it almost freaked me out i was like what were we go that high <laughs> no all right what are you going up for who me yeah all right um this is a tough one for me because i really don't i don't have any other films to like put it up against uh, it's being marketed more as a thriller than a horror film. Um, I, 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 but it I is rated R, has, though, right? Like, it's rated R? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah, it seems to have like okay hype. It's coming from a studio called Bleecker Street, which I've never heard of. Um, yeah. <laughs> no word on how much the budget actually was. Probably not uh, so much. I don't I don't know what a success. I mean, you said it was filmed with an iPhone, so <laughs> I'm sure it isn't that much. Um, Five hundred. It looks camera. cool. Like <laughs> it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Nine is just like an interesting guess to me because do I see it doing over nine? Not really, but. I don't know. Let's go 8.5. Oh, look at this guy. Um, This is interesting. It is rated R. So, it kind of, it knocks down a little bit of your crowd right there. It does have an interesting gimmick to it, though, I will say. Just hearing that the whole film was done on an iPhone is pretty much enough for me to go check it out. It's kind of cool. Kind of like that. Um, I think that's cool. But, again, being rated R, it's going to limit who's going to see this and it's almost fucking easter do people really care the average fan oh there's a horror thriller in there it was shot on an iphone who cares no i don't even think the average audience would know that because i didn't even know it yeah (laughs) until he told me unless they put that read on the poster 
did first film shot entirely with an iPhone. It wouldn't even be the first. Yeah. No, yeah. Tangerine. That, is, that, that is true. Um, so Just nine, eight and a half. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I think. It, uh, I don't know if I want to go higher than nine. Jesus Christ. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with seven. I'm gonna go with seven. I think it's. It's a toss-up, man. I just think the rated R rating on it's gonna hinder it a little bit. Uh-huh. I feel like Jeremy's probably gonna. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it goes over nine. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I think it needs to be seen. A case of like a cure for wellness. Sam well, already contradicting myself. If uh, pr- if um, Pacific Rim does as good as you guys think that it will, then this is gonna get buried. Yeah, well, seven. That's we'll find out. It's true. All right, that's box office brawl. Ding ding. Sweet. I had one other thing that we could talk about real quick before we get into what we watched. What about Dead Mail, you fucking ass? No, we got Dead Mail. Okay, so I'll get into this, then we'll go into Dead Mail. Um, just cause I, I don't want to forget this, but we, last week, um, Jim asked us about what constitutes the actual sequel and what's in name only sequel, oh. what's stuff like that, you know, so he actually, discussion. <laughs> he actually, well, we discussed most of it last week, so this is just more of a recap of it. Um, so he actually did some digging and so this is what he says. He says, Amityville naming rights, what's in a name? As I continue to review the series, it's always interesting to do research on some of the background information. The question of sequels and name itself keeps coming up, so I decided to look into it and find out exactly what's up with the whole naming thing. The Lutzes and the author of the book, Jay Anson, co-own the rights to the name The Amityville Horror. This is why we don't have any more films with that exact title, minus the remake. They granted the naming rights to Professional Films, Inc. for the purpose of making the first film. When Orion Pictures and producer Dino De Laurentiis made Amityville 2 and Amityville 3D, the, Lutz, the Lutzes and Anson took them to court. Ultimately, the Lutzes and Anson lost the case, mainly because Orion and De Laurentiis didn't use the name Amityville Horror 2 and 3 as titles yep. which would have been copyright infringement and also even in their promotional material for the second film stated clearly that this is not a sequel to the Amityville horror the secondary name Amityville was not exclusive to the Lutzes and Anson and thus not pr- protected uh, and this is why all the sequel films that have Amityville in the title uh, the only uh, protection that remains is the name of the Amityville horror References to the Lutzes so we could never uh, have their names appear in any subsequent films, stating that any future Amityville films uh, are a direct sequel to the first film and numerical sequel to, i.e., the Amityville Horror 2-3. As a matter of fact, the court decision stated that anyone, including Orion and De Laurentiis, can make more horror pictures about fictional events set in Amityville House or about real events set in the Amityville House house before the Lutz, Lutzes moved in, but they could not be identified or promoted as sequels to the first picture. So technically, all of the films after the first one are not sequels. They are just relatives. So going Basically, back to the whole name, the sequel and name thing was yeah. that, that what I consider to be, you know, a yeah. sequel actually turns out that it is. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, according to copyright laws, film companies own the rights to their films and franch- franchises, but not their titles or names. There are a few exceptions. Because of the decision from the courts, we now have every Tom, Dick, and Harry whipping out a camera and rolling out Amityville films like crazy. So the hope of the uh, so the hope of also having proper numerical titles will never happen, or having a direct sequel to the first film. It would have been cool to have the film sequel looking into what happened to the Lutz, Lutzes after they left the house in uh, House a la Poltergeist 2, maybe under the Montelli family name. So <clears throat> this is kind of interesting because one, uh, some people's argument that one through three are the only true Amityville films, uh, maybe one through four, kind of goes out the window on that because it technically Amityville 2 is exactly the same as any of the later Amityvilles we have in terms of um, like they have the same relation to the original. You know, it it is interesting though, man, because if they had a copyrighted the name Amityville without the horror on there, there would Mm -hmm. be none with Amityville in the title because they can Mm -hmm. still use Amityville. They can't just use Amityville horror, which is totally interesting. Right. But doesn't that kind of like, isn't that kind of bullshit though? Cause they call it Amityville too. Yeah. Right, but like, Amityville so like, isn't the copyright. The copyright is Amityville Horror. That's the full copyright is the two words, and obviously the house wasn't copyrighted either because the like, but, it's been but used in it everything. True that, but isn't it true that I can't make a film with Chucky in it? Right, like 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 even if I called him like Tommy, like because <laughs> it, it steals Chucky's likeness. So. Is there nothing in that film that that would constitute as the like? Like, what about the house? Like, isn't that the likeness of the house? But like isn't the, it just a house? Yeah, yeah but it's, I it's mean, not it's still a, it's it's you still can't copyright a house. Exactly. So that's the thing. So it's up for so, grabs. It's just the name Amityville Horror is the copyright, and Amityville is not copyright. And, and so. technically, the Lutzes. Yes, and the name, and the name. Yes, of course. That's so weird. So but theoretically, that, you are right. Like. You know, there is absolutely no official, official, if that's your definition of official sequel, in the Hamityville franchise. Besides the remake and the Awakening, because they do talk about the Amityville horror in the yeah in the, the, the remake. The remake is different because they were, you know, that's involved. That's still, that, yeah, you know, they. But that's very interesting that none of those films are technically in the franchise if you use that basis of argument. Yeah. Huh. So, really I mean, interesting. if that's getting super technical, I mean, but then what I was saying before about, you know, what constitutes a sequel, name only is enough for me. And apparently, yeah, the Amityville franchise is all that. <laughs> yep. So I, I guess now we do consider all of them sequels. <laughs> yep. So that is going to be one painful and very, very long two-part show i don't know there's so many movies man yeah i i give uh jim props for for digging deeper into it good job man thanks for providing us content yep yeah good stuff man good stuff what do you got for us uh via dead mail this week you've got mail Dead Mail finally coming back. It's been like six weeks or something since we've done Dead Mail. Yeah, it's been Tried a while. to find something with cannibal related, but it took fifty issues and I couldn't find anything, so I just had to go with something interesting, I thought. 
This comes out of issue 124 from uh, July 1993. And we have uh, the making of Jurassic Park on the cover with Carnosaur, Robocop 3, Skinner, Fortress, Frankenstein, and Trauma. Yep, the 90s sucked. (laughs) All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, come on, man. Carnosaur was a fucking classic that year, man. All right. Um, <laughs> Robocop 3. Man, that movie's so bad. So bad. So uh, this comes from, I try to pick a shorter one. Um, Kib Dodo from Margate, Florida. And he writes, The Sci-Fi Channel, which debuted in September 1992, has oh. been airing science fiction and horror features and television shows, some of which haven't seen the light of day in years. While this is great news, I must also tell you that they are cutting their programming to accommodate their commercial time. The channel has aired features without editing them by utilizing promos and shorts to fill the time, so why are they still cutting their programming? The channel, This channel service is editing shows that viewers are paying to watch, not because of something that might be unsuitable for family viewing, but because of their stubborn by-the-numbers editorial policy. This enables them to get the job done with as little effort as possible for the sake of the almighty dollar. Here's an address where they could be contacted. The Sci-Fi Channel, USA Networks, 1230 Avenue of the Americas, New York, New York, 10020. Attention, Mr. Lou Fazzo. Man, this guy really goes balls deep. So I guess this guy doesn't like the Sci-Fi Channel. I love how they actually printed this, too. (laughs) This address. Uh, let's see. Brian Brian Pollan from Sea Onk, Massachusetts. Brian Pollan. Wow. And there's a director named Brian Pollan. Yeah. Yeah. He writes. uh, Fuck. I wonder if it's him. Crazy. Um, if Sam Raimi wants to make a comedy, fine. But why did he have to make one out of his latest Evil Dead film? If it had been taken seriously, the movie could have been a lower-budget equivalent of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Instead, Army of Darkness is a total joke, both of the Evil Dead series and the horror genre. Peter Jackson is the only director who could blend horror and comedy in the right way, and I understand the genre will be insulted once again by the return of Freddy. Why? Question mark. So I guess this guy didn't well, like. Well, I think this did, guy missed did he, the. Uh, did he not did watch he not part see two? Evil Dead two. Yeah. yeah. What the? F- <laughs> I was like, what? Clearly, Evil Dead two is one of what many people consider to be one of the greatest blendings of horror and comedy. And yeah, the comedy was way more in Army of Darkness, but I think this guy's completely out of his mind to to not consider Evil Dead two a comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's completely a comedy that's funny weird now these two people are asking what movies were that they used to see back in the day on like hbo so i'm not going to say what the movie is let's see if you two could guess what these people are talking about Interesting. okay this, this calls from brian l judd from indianapolis indiana and he says maybe somebody could help me out in a continuing movie hunt that's been going on for nearly a decade When I was about 10 years old, my father accidentally taped the wrong movie off HBO. I found this unmarked tape and curiosity getting the best of me, put it in the VCR to see what it could be. Much to my pleasure, I proceeded to watch one of the scariest movies I had ever seen. Well, I didn't pre-read this. The Boogans. The movie was about this old mind. You just told us what it was. I know, because it fucking says it. 
Uh, Why didn't you skip that? Ah, okay, I'll do it in the next one. Uh, Don't ask! He (laughs) fucked up his own segment! (laughs) Uh, The movie was about this old mine which had been closed for many years due to accidents being reopened. These accidents soon started happening again. A group of people, blah, blah, blah. Now, if any of you wonderful staff could help me locate a copy of this movie, I would be internally indebted to this. Someone please help me end so my he search. he wanted a copy of it, not and in, and, Wait, I'll read the next one. And uh, Fangoria says, At this writing, the Boogans is still unavailable on home video, though it turns up on various cable stations from time to time. Now, Moods, did this have a release before Olive put it out? No, it didn't. So it took that another... <laughs> that guy was like, waiting so long. Another 15, like 17 years until it came out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of those thought out titles that when all of put it out, it was like, yeah, was it finally. really the scariest movie ever? No, it's not. I actually just talked about this one a couple months ago. I think somebody picked it as a Patreon pick. It's a fun. <laughs> it's a fun film, though. It's a fun little Canadian film. Mm-hmm. All right, this one doesn't say what it is. So a while ago, uh, this comes from L. Lutsky from Ontario. So, a while ago, I watched Terror in the Isles, and a particular segment caught my attention. The scene involves two men driving a van while a mailman rides his bike. One of the guys says, I want that hat, referring to the one the mailman is wearing. So they chase the mailman and hit him with the fan, knocking him, knocking him flying and killing him. The man who wants the hat seemed really crazy and hilarious. Could someone please tell me the name of this movie? I really want to see it never seen it i don't know what it is <laughs> so he hits the mailman yeah the, oh, mm. okay yeah and he really wants a and he really wants the hat that the mailman is wearing fuck i don't know what that is i, I can't right. i can't picture that at all the fangorier says the film is alone in the dark the man who wants the hat is martin landau oh my god that was from alone in the dark okay yeah i haven't seen it in years but that's a great <laughs> film though that's a great film Yep. All right, last piece here. Now, I think this is interesting because this was also news that came out this week about uh, Scream Factory buying, Shaw Factory buying Roger Corman's library. So this is kind of relevant to what's going on. Um, All right. It says, I don't know about other viewers, but recently I have become appalled by New Horizons' use of false advertising in their previews and display boxes for Roger Corman movies. For example, in the trailer for Die Talk, hard to die there are at least five scenes which are not only not in the movie but have been taken from other corman picks like the terror within and slumber party massacre 3 then there's the box art the picture on the backs of the boxes are both hard to die and slumber party massacre 3 are from other movies the same actors don't even appear in the photos now i know corman is best known for trying to save a buck but tricking the audience into seeing a film by using shots from more popular flicks is pretty desperate and they don't stop there. And Hard to Die, scenes from the original Slumber Party Massacre are spliced in as flashback sequences and are given an entirely false story. They're even renamed the characters. It's almost as if the director, one Jim Rogkowski, said, hey, the original Slumber is over 10 years old, so no one will remember it. Let's use scenes from it and claim them as our own. That's why he's not a top 65 director. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jim, but you for... Sorry, Jim, but you... F- forgot that anyone could go to the local video store and rent it i work at one and it's still one of the most popular horror titles it became almost as much of a household name as friday the 13th or halloween anyone who'd rent hard to die would most likely have seen slumber party massacre first how 
Oh, typo. How insane do you think your audience is? If we want to see other films, we'll go rent them. It's sad enough that the majority of recent Corman picks have been lame, with the exception of To Sleep With a Vampire. But it's worse to know that the filmmakers realize their movies are such stinkers that they resort to such devious tricks. Needless to say, New Horizons' ruse worked. My company purchased Hard to Die because of its exciting trailer and pictures. Unfortunately for them, it's the last time we will buy anything from them. JPC from Racine, Wisconsin. Damn. That makes me laugh. <laughs> They're fucking splicing in Slumber Party Massacre footage in their fucking movies. How are they not sued, though? I mean, it's it's supposed to be like a pseudo-type sequel to the franchise, like, but... Mm-hmm. I mean... They, I mean, if it was supposed to be the unofficial part four or whatever, don't you think that they had in talks of doing this prior? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Wait, maybe I misunderstood. I thought he was saying that the company that Roger Corman yeah. owned was taking recycling films. Yeah. So they were Roger Corman's company. I think that's what he thinks happened here. I think that's what he thinks happened with hard to die is that they took, you know, basically they took footage from the slumber party massacre films and kind of created a whole movie around this type thing. I think that's kind of what he's getting at, but I think hard to die is actually considered to be, you know, the unofficial part four. So I'm assuming that they probably, there was something there, you know, that allowed them to use the footage in the film. It's not like they just used it illegally or something and made this mm-hmm. fucking movie hard to die, right? Yeah, but I thought I thought Corman was part of New Horizons or whatever. And that's, that's probably his company. That, wasn't that his company? <clears throat> and that's probably why it got released like that. Who knows? All yeah, right. so he was recycling his own footage yeah. so that they didn't have to shoot as much or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I mean, that seems like a Corman thing to do, so I couldn't really be mad at it. <laughs> so he's thinking that it was just made like that and they're kind of ripping yeah. it off. No, but it was... No, Hard to Die is kind of like that unofficial fourth Slumber Party Massacre film. Well, this is without the internet, so... Yep. All right. Uh, so we don't have DVDs, of course, but we have the video chopping list. So these are films that are currently available... Uh, Bloodstone species two, subspecies two, um, deranged, which is for the first time full length uncut. <laughs> um, Doppelganger, the evil within. <laughs> oh, what the hell's that? Has Drew Barrymore in it? Um, Eyes of the Beholder, Hellraiser three. Nice. Uh, Jennifer eight. That movie's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, Prison Planet. Uh, Rampage from 1992 from Paramount. What's that? Mm-hmm. 92. Is that the one with what's scarier, mass murdering psychopath or a criminal justice system that might put him back on the street? William Freakin's Cerebral Shocker. Hmm. It's a, oh, it's a freaking film? Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And Witchcraft 5. <laughs> witchcraft 5 already in 93 there's 5 witchcraft films Jesus Christ um, yeah I think that's it for Dead Mal because there's no laser discs or well there would be laser discs yeah they were but. making one a year at that point that's crazy Jesus hey here's Delicatessen that's funny but um yeah that should be it for Dead Mal I am the devil 
and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? children? What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Oh yeah, getting into the dub 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 portion of the show, what we watched, yeah, and these little motherfucking mofos want to start this what we watch portion off with a mini review of Strangers 2, which I cannot chime in on because I have not seen this because I live in a really small shitty ass town, and you guys can go fuck yourselves right now, but enjoy this little mini review from... My 90s babies. 90s babies. We'll keep it spoiler free. Good. Good. (laughs) All right, Jeremy, what'd you think? So, as you guys know, I was going into this movie very hype. Very excited to see it. Been waiting for this movie for 10 years. And like I said, if you were part of the 22 Shots page, I posted my initial thoughts of this movie when I first got out of it, because I didn't want to forget what I wanted to say. So the movie shot, like I said, very extremely, extremely well. Now the movie, the first like quarter of the movie is your or good original strangers creepiness. Uh, when they, when the family that we follow first get to the trailer park where the movie takes place, like the first quarter that they're there shot, very stranger, like very uh, static, cameras not moving long shots of the scenery uh creepy noise in the background things like that and then the film uh changes quite a bit in the last you know three quarters to the half of the film uh it it turns into straight up slasher film Uh, a lot of fast cuts things like that that you typically would see in a slasher film Uh, a lot more violent than the original strangers film but i think that because of the film the way that the film is shot it 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 is above your average usual mainstream slasher film because most slasher films aren't shot this well. This movie shot really, really well. Now, if you're going into it thinking that you're going to get a Strangers film, you're not going to get that. But if you go into the movie thinking that you're going to get a slasher film with some pretty amazing shots, especially towards the end of the film, then I think you're going to be satisfied. This is a fun film. It's it's batshit crazy at some points. The, the character choices are probably the weakest part of the movie to be completely honest these characters are extremely fucking dumb but that's what you get with a slasher film so i guess it kind of goes with it but if you want like an 80s 70s throwback slasher film um you'll probably get it with this movie i mean i had fun with it uh there's the scene at the end with this burning truck that's one of my favorite shots in a long time it's really really fucking good i know some people are gonna probably talk about the scene in, a, in the swimming pool that happens but my favorite shot is the end with the truck. So, um, it, it was okay. I, I had a fun time with it. Um, when I realized what it was, I probably want to watch it again, but, um, it is what it is. I had fun. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me just say this. I had an absolutely horrible time in the theater for this. So the fact that I even like this movie is pretty strong that I was able to focus enough in it. It, it like, these people were absolutely the most obnoxious people I've ever been in a theater with. Like I've never, I normally don't have problems like ever. Like I barely ever have, have issues with people in the theater. I know it's like a huge topic all the time. People complain about it all the time. I normally don't, 
there was these three bitches behind us. I call them bitches not because they were women, but because they were bitch made. Uh, and they literally commented on everything. Like, like there's like gasoline on the ground. Oh, I bet he has a lighter. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Oh, their cell phone. Their cell phone is Dude, why didn't you just turn around and be like, shut the fuck up with the goddamn commentary? Because I come off like a bully when I do that. And I don't. I've changed and I'm trying not to. But you're in a cinema, though. Like, you gotta gotta fucking (laughs) squash those people. People think people have these fucking reclining chairs and they think they're at home. That's why I fucking hate these goddamn reclining fucking chairs. But but, but not only that, dude, they knew knew what they were doing. They just didn't care. They didn't care. And and honestly, if it was just them, not a huge problem. I'll move my seat, I'll go somewhere else. But up in front of us there were people talking and then up to the right of us people were talking same type of shit too and it was like i almost felt like if i said something everybody would be like flipping out on me because they're all fucking talking like i'm the only ones in there not talking you were surrounded by shittiness man (laughs) it reminded me of like you know scary movie two or something where 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 what's the faces in the theater like run bitch run or something you know what i mean <laughs> like and i'm just like is this real life like i cannot believe this is happening right now about 25 minutes into the film i completely moved to the front row um and there i was able to enjoy it a little bit more there was only one person talking like and they were like four rows behind me um so it was i just couldn't believe it like and honestly it was probably because how packed it was like that specific screening wasn't that packed but when we got to the theater there was actually a line around the all the way down the the outside and and to the like street pretty much and most people were going to see like a wrinkle in time or something like that but the strangers actually was you know pretty decent capacity me carly and austin went and uh they were both miserable too um they didn't end up moving their seat but you know, so they were even more angry at the end of it. But we all three liked it. And my actual thoughts on this film, sounding like moods, um, is that I really do. I do think that it's like Jeremy said that don't expect a strangers film. And to a certain degree, yes, but it's still very reminiscent of the strangers. I think first quarter of it is, but I but think, I as think the that's film enough. goes on, it doesn't turn. I think that's enough because mm-hmm. I don't want I, I didn't want to see the exact same movie again. Yeah, but so, the setting was so mm, – yeah, I, I understand what you're getting at. I don't know. I love the setting in this one. The trailer park is yeah. awesome. Yeah, but they could have done so much stuff set with – the trailer the, park? Like, Damn. They yeah, could have done so much more stuff with the strangers. Uh, could have had fucking Ricky and Julian themes. and Bubbles in there too, man. I know. What do you mean by the themes? Well, they could have – this like people hiding in small cracks and pl- and crevices and things like that that we see in the first film. A lot of long shots of people just standing Yeah, but in that's set in like, a house and this is set in a wide open area. Mm. So I think that there was plenty of shots with the, 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 the strangers trio in the background fading out of the blackness and, the, and, and a plenty of stalking shots where they were in the distance. Like I think there was tons of that stuff all the way throughout the film. Um, it just wasn't as – claustrophobic it wasn't as confined and you and it was more of a you know uh final girl chase type moments towards the end of the end of the film my biggest problems come from the actual story structure of this film i feel like it was a little too by the numbers at times uh jeremy mentioned that characters are going to make dumb decisions i think that they were a little dumb it's a little stuff like I mean, yeah, they were pretty dumb. Yeah, I don't think they were overly dumb. I think people were given that a little bit harder of a time than it deserves. Like it's it's classic stuff. Like, 
okay, uh, we made it over here. We're kind of safe. Let me sit this gun on this thing over here instead of holding it in my hand. Stuff like that, you know, and then they lose the gun. So it's, it, but it's, it's, you know, high stress environment. It, it's explainable. You can explain that stuff away. But my biggest problem comes from it with the pandering that it does. I feel like there's certain aspects in this film that could have went from good to great by simply doing something a little bit different, but they decide to walk the line of what traditional movies and traditional horror movies and traditional slasher movies walk. And I was watching a scene in this movie and I was like, this is potential for scene of the year. It is beautifully lit. It is beautifully shot. It is intense. It is brutal. It's violent. It's amazing. And they kind of drop the, not even kind of, they drop the ball at the end of that sequence from this amazing scene all the way to just a good scene. It just like that from, from scene of the year to just another scene of the year that was good. And that really kind of hurt the film a little bit for me because I, and, and it was the scene that Jeremy referenced in the poll. I just thought it was phenomenal up until the, the end point of that scene. And I thought they completely, completely dropped the ball on that. I was so pissed. Um, but other than that, that the scene where Jeremy talks about the the fire and the truck and stuff, amazing. That yeah, actually awesome. looked so creepy and so yeah. good. Um, the strangers' characters themselves, it felt like they literally were the same people. Like it was so neat to just see them. Like, are they trying to be the same them. people? What do you mean? Are they the same people? Yeah, yeah, they're the same people. Uh, it's hard not to give spoilers. Fuck. But I'm saying, I'm saying, like it. It was amazing. Uh-huh. There was one line of dialogue from one of the strangers that I thought absolutely killed. It was a perfect line. It was the only line needed. And I loved it. I was just like, that is that is so creepy. That is awesome. I didn't want to hear him talk. Well, don't you hear him talk in the first film? I guess so. <laughs> There's one line of dialogue <laughs> from that. More than one. Well, there is one main line of dialogue I mean, they do they do something that they did in the previous film, which is nice yeah. to to connect it. But there was one line of dialogue, um, basically asking like why they were doing this or something, and yeah. and I absolutely it was just so cold hearted and awesome, um, and it reminded me of the first film. I love the setting, the score and and the music yep. used throughout is awesome. It feels very throwback. It feels like it's it's if there wasn't cell phones and shit to to remind you that it's modern, this film could have been set, you know, in minus like some of the like way that the teens act and stuff like it could have been a, th- a straight throwback slasher film which would have been cool but it, it, the atmosphere f- it, this film is actually very atmospheric which is huge it's one of the biggest compliments i could give any film is to have atmosphere and this film has great atmosphere um they just the actual story the actually story the actual storytelling and the script writing is is my biggest and the ending is critiques shit. <laughs> yeah the very end is the, and that but that is what it comes to when i'm talking about the the cliche like horror type walking that line of shit that you do in horror movies that i include that ending well i already know what the fucking ending is thanks guys no you don't it's not it's i mean there's nothing to predict it's it's not like a it's just it's just it's just stupid um it's not like it's not like a twist or anything like that it's just it's just it's just dumb it's just it just has no place shouldn't have been there yeah um but yeah, so this is uh, this is a pretty solid movie. It could have been. It's a good movie that could have been great. 
Um, but I still very much enjoyed it. I think I'm coming in at about a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I had a 6.5, but then I, I said in parentheses 7 if I think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm going to come into the 7 on this one. 7. So are the characters on the same level of stupidity as buying you know, bootleg versions of Clown House for $30 a piece? Like, are we no. talking that stupid? Not that stupid. No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's pretty fucking they're stupid. Pretty, they're pretty cliche, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I did like the the family dynamic a little bit. I thought the I thought the reasoning like I, I don't know. I always have a problem with teenage characters who are like rebellious against their mm-hmm. parents because like oh we're sending you to a private school like dude shut the fuck up quit being a whiny bitch <laughs> like that that stuff bothers me. I'm like you don't even have it hard, dude. Like you should like I know people who have it way harder than you. Yeah, but I'd be pissed less. too if my parents were sending me to a private school. Who knows? Well, it's maybe, not, maybe it's, it's in not, a different county or a different it, fucking it's a, city. It's like a different state. Yeah, see that would suck because now you're getting taken away from friends. Okay, I but would, did I you would, do a bunch of bullshit to to and rebel and and skip class and fail all your classes and stuff? You know, like you deserve this. You're being a little asshole. <laughs> Sound like JP. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you knew all that stuff about me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this this was uh, this movie was it was definitely worth worth watching. Yep. That's good to hear that it wasn't a total failure. But I guess it was probably a little bit of a failure in your eyes, Jeremy, considering you were very yeah. excited for it. You know, like you know, for ten years excitement. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it was good. It's good to see those characters again. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's actually pretty violent too. Yeah, it is pretty violent. So with this type of is there is there no. more body count in it or No, it's no. a low body count. Okay. It really is. Okay. But it's just violent. It's actually it's a higher body count than the first one cuz I think only like <laughs> how many people died in the first one? Two? <laughs> one? I don't even know. One. <laughs> yeah, but pretty cool pretty cool flick. Great. Mm. So it doubled it in this bit. Oh no. Never mind. Well, that's cool. That's good to hear. Maybe Screen yeah. Factory will put it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, you know, I guess since you guys just talked about a film, I guess I'll get go into. First? Yeah, I guess I'll just go first here. Um, yeah, first one up here uh, for what we watch this week from 1990 is uh, the Ambulance. This is um, a brand new release from Screen Factory. As I watched it. Uh, it's a film that I've actually always wanted to check out because it was one that I'd never seen before, and it's directed by Larry Cohen, who, of course, has directed tons and tons of films, and you know he's mostly known for directing films with like a ton of social commentary and things. Um, have you gotten around to watching uh, God Told Me To yet, JP? No, the Larry Cohen. Film? Oh, you haven't? Um, yeah, it's a fantastic film from 1976. Have you, Jeremy? Nope. Oh, you, you both have watched. Wow. Yeah, but I'm whooping Jeremy's ass. I'm at 11 now, so. <laughs> you guys are slacking so bad. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, th- th- yeah, this is like one of the only Larry Cohen films I've never seen before. And when Screen Factory announced it, I was like, damn, that's a great fucking release, man. So basically this one is about uh, Eric Roberts. He plays a artist. He's like a – he works for Marvel Comics, actually. He does the drawings for Marvel Anyways, one day he's walking down the street and he uh, kind of saves this girl from dying, basically, and kind of comes like becomes infatuated with her a little bit. 
he's like all over and stuff. He's like, well, I just saved your life. You know, you got to give me a date, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then moments later, she ultimately ends up collapsing on the road. And so, of course, they call the ambulance and this this like old school fucking ambulance shows up and takes her away to the hospital. So, of course, he's very concerned because he's just found the girl of his dreams. So he goes to the hospital to go and see how she's doing. And they say that she never checked in. And he's like, that can't be because she was brought here. And so they again confirm that she was not there. So now he wa- now he needs to figure out what exactly happened to her, which leads him into this kind of like this underworld type thing and stuff. So my thoughts on the film. Uh, this is a really fun film. It's not like straight up horror. It's more of an action comedy slash horror. There's horror elements and stuff. It's There's a lot of really darkness to it and things like that, but... Uh, one of the coolest things about this film is is Eric Roberts' fucking plumage, man. I mean, we're talking on the level of competing with Kevin Dillon's from the Blob remake, which actually, JP, you talked about that with last show, I think. Yep, um, yep, so, last show. But this mullet, man, holy shit. Like, if you're not even enjoying the film, at least you have that to stare at. You know, it's that good. It's, like, amazing. It's definitely one of the top mullets I think I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. Uh, but it is a really damn fun film with a lot of really better than Jerry's. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, this plumage is not to be fucked with. Just put it that way. Uh, it has a lot of really cool kind of relief characters in the film too. It's got James Earl Jones who plays like the head inspector in this film, and he's really fucking funny. Actually, like a lot of his lines are really great. He delivers them just without ease. He's got a kind of a natural comedic ability to him. Something about James Earl Jones. I don't know what it is, but he's he's fantastic in the film. Red Buttons is, is also in the film. If you guys know who Red Buttons is, he's like an old school comedian, but he's really fun in this too. Uh, so yeah, so it's it's you know a lot of comedy involved and stuff, but there's a lot of really cool sequences in this. A lot of cool action and kind of what it ends up being and stuff is a little bit ridiculous. Actually, the villain in this film is uh, Victor from Days of Our Lives. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the. You know the show, the uh, yes, the soap opera. I know what it is, mates. Yeah, but I've never. I don't think I've ever seen him in a film before. I only know him from Days of Our Lives because every woman watches it. That's just what they watch. So it was kind of interesting to see him as like this villain doctor type thing. It was pretty cool. Uh, the storyline's pretty basic. It's pretty minor and stuff. It's there's not really a lot of twists and turns, but you know, it's within the visuals and. Uh, I love the ambulance that they used, man. It looks fantastic. They really kind of pimped out this thing. They made it look kind of futuristic, but old school at the same time. Pretty neat stuff. Eric Roberts, of course, is over the top throughout the film. but uh, And the whole third act in this one, totally worth checking out. High flying, really fun stuff. Um, you know, not give too many details away f- about the, from the film, but it's, uh, it's a fun ride, though, man. There's a lot of social commentary that's going on in the film, of course, in very typical Larry Cohen fashion. You know, this one's obviously dealing with, um, you know, the hospital systems and how they, you know, how they deal with, uh, uh, you know, their their patients and, you know, test subjects. And, and there's a lot of different types of social commentaries that are going on. And only Larry Cohen can do that in a silly type film like this, put that type of level of social commentary into his films. But, you know, so there's a little bit for everybody. You know, there's the action, there's the comedy, there's the horror elements, there's the, sub, the subtext there. Um, it's a fun one, man. I'm going to give this one... Oh, I don't even remember what I rated it. I think I gave it a seven and a half. Seven and a half out of ten. Such a fun ass movie, man. Really, really fun. Um, the transfer, if you guys are curious, Screen Factory Blu-ray looks fantastic. It really does look great. Not a lot of blemishes. It looks really clear, uh, natural and stuff. So, um, but uh, 
I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of Larry Cohen's films, you should like this one. It's good. Give it a shot. All right. <clears throat> I'll go next. Uh, Ooh, I get to go last for once. Yeah. Uh, so this one, this one's a Patreon pick here. I watched it right before the show. Um, it is titled Wild at Zero from the year 1999. It's a Japanese film. So this film basically opens up with a like Japanese garage rock band and their lead band member, Guitar Wolf. Um, <laughs> I think and, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and basically there's this other dude who's like a huge fan of them and he like saves their butt. Uh, so they give him a whistle and says, if he ever runs into trouble, blow it. So these they're kind of like these superheroes almost, but it's like, you don't even know that right away. <laughs> um, and then th- this guy like goes on his way. He's like riding a motorcycle. He accidentally stops like a robbery at a gas station where there's this young chick and she's like, all like, thank you and stuff. And then he leaves and all of a sudden there's uh, a zombie apocalypse, but the zombie apocalypse like, starts from like um like a race of aliens uh so they're like it's like aliens trying to take over the world with an army of zombies so he goes back to this gas station he like rescues that girl he's on the run and then he eventually blows that whistle and gets the garage band to to help him in the in the fight for zombies uh (laughs) oh and it turns out that the chick from the garage band jeremy like that she's actually a shemale Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because we know Jeremy loves shemales. That's your thing, right? Chicks with dicks, bro. Yeah. So um, that's both worlds, right? That which honestly, that was goddamn hilarious when that scene happened. <laughs> <laughs> he like he like gets sick and like runs out of the room and stuff. But um, <laughs> he he eventually falls for her. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie is weird. It's it's like weirdo Japanese, but surprisingly, I actually really liked it. I wouldn't maybe not really liked it, but I liked it. It was pretty cool. It was um, the zombies have like this almost like Romero like Dawn of the Dead like blue tinge to them, uh, and the gore isn't the greatest, uh, but it's kind of like splattery. And what I really liked about it was its fast pace and and kind of like funny over the top type moments like with the shemale and stuff. I thought that was actually a pretty good addition because it seemed like it came out of nowhere and was really funny. Um, but I think that what's really cool about this movie is it's actually like, I would consider it like a rock horror film, like a punk rock horror film. And I like that about it. Like, believe it or not, I actually found myself not like bobbing my head at times in the movie, like when they're fighting like zombies and stuff like that. And there's this, there's this rock music and, and when they're just playing rock music too. And, and I'm just like, I, I, I caught myself a couple times bobbing my head, like moving around. Like I was like, Oh, I actually, it turns out, and I don't know what the hell they're saying because it's in Japanese, but it's actually pretty cool. Like I actually really like that about this movie. I think synapse put this out on DVD back in the day. Um, I don't own a copy, but I honestly would buy this. Yeah, um, I'm going to buy it. Sounds I, cool. I had, <laughs> I had a decent I had a decent time with it. And Sounds fun. Typically, this stuff is not up my alley, um, and it actually kind of feels '90s too, which I like. Uh, so yeah, I'm coming in at 6.5 out of 10 on Wild Zero. Could have been a little bit shorter. I will say that it was an hour 38 minutes. What was the rating? Uh, 6.5 out of 10. Huh. Well, I would talk about a. Have you seen this movie, the Wild Zero film? Yeah, it's fucking fun, man. It's super. Yeah, fun. it is fun. <laughs> I just want to get you this. surprised that I liked it. Uh yeah, I, I when I saw that uh that someone had given it to you for Patreon, I was like, uh oh. 
not gonna <laughs> like that one. I <laughs> I didn't think you'd like it at all, given you know what it is. You know, it's yeah, yeah, you know, it's weird. It's comedy. It's punk rock. I, I just I thought all those elements were gonna lead to a nay. <laughs> so, yeah, Jeremy. All right, let's get the piece of shit out of the way for this month. First, <laughs> this month's shit of the month from my good friend asshole Mikey Fisher is Carnage Road, The Legend of Quilt Face from the year 2000, directed by a man that you guys know well, Massimo Cerchi, who directed an awesome film I released a few months, I uh, talked about a few months back, uh, Hellwinger, which is an amazing, amazing piece of achievement cinema history. Just an, an absolute amazing movie. So I knew when I was going to watch this one that I was going to get some same old good quality bullshit and did I get some bullshit? Is it better than Hellinger? Yes. But that's like saying, is diarrhea better than being constipated? Doesn't really mean much. So, Carnage Road. So this is like a slasher film where we follow this guy who lives in the desert named Quiltface. And he has like this mask on, but they never really explain is it a mask or is it like it's actually his face. But uh, it's like a leather face type of a thing. But you could like see his neck so i think it's like a mask because like it's not attached to his body so it doesn't really make any sense but we follow these four college photograph students who go out to the desert to take some photos and they come across quilt face and they get picked off one by one in very shitty ways with the boom operator in the shot sometimes and boom mics in the shadows and the typical good quality stuff that you would get out of these movies. Now, it's more interesting than Howlinger. I have to give it that. There's this um, fan driver that drives him out to the desert who's actually really fucking funny. Like, he says some lines of dialogue that are just absolutely hilarious. And he's definitely the saving point of this movie. It definitely bumps it up uh, a point from a one to a two. So I give him credit <laughs> on that, that at least we have a, a two out of ten film at this point. Um you know, and as the film goes on, we have an ending that has, um, I'm going to spoil it because I really don't give a shit. Uh, we have um, Quiltface getting practically his leg cut off, and then one of our characters escaping, but then Quiltface shows up at the end, and he's running around normally, and he gets in the fan, and he drives off, and that's the end of the movie. It's only 63 minutes long, which is a good thing because one more minute more and I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. So, um, <laughs> Carnage Road, The Legend of Quilt Face, gets a 2 out of 10. Yeah. Whoa. Really, really shitty. Okay, explain to, explain this to me. How is Mikey not in the Hall of Fuckers? He gives you the worst shit ever. I think the last four or five films you've reviewed combined don't even equal 10. And yeah. he gives me and Moods good stuff. <laughs> Uh, Hellinger, uh, it's way it's way better than Massacre, Summer Massacre, Carnage Road. He always claims he really likes you, but man, is he ever fucking mean to you, man? And then I had to do Violent Shit from Jerry the Retard, so that was three Violent Shit films. So yeah, I've had to watch my fair share of crappy movies. So yeah, and that Jerry's in the Hall of Fuckers, and I think you rated those films higher than some of these yeah. Mikey picks. Well, this guy, Massimino Cerchi, is still making films. He made a movie called Insane, which I've seen at Family Video. It has a really horrible cover. 
but <laughs> it looks pro- probably shitty. So words on the street is that uh, Jerry might be saving up all his picks for a certain somebody on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and judging by that uh, contest entry that you had earlier, I don't know who uh, who that he came guy in. Might he be. came in fourteenth. <laughs> but I believe you called him a name. <laughs> That's true. Oh, that insane film with that kind of clown-looking thing on there. Okay. All right, what do you got, Moods? It's shitty. Yeah, it looks shitty. Does doesn't really pique my interest too much. Um. Yeah. Okay. So next up here, uh, brand new film actually. You know, it's dubbed on IDB is 2017, uh, my, and it's called My Friend Dahmer. Now, I knew about this film coming out, and it piqued my interest because I really like movies about Dahmer. I think he's a very fascinating serial killer, and this one really piqued my interest because it's actually uh, Dahmer as a kid, um, more specifically in his graduating years. So this takes place, I believe, in 1978 uh, as a 17-, 18-year-old kid. He's graduating, and uh, it kind of follows, you know, his... uh, him as he's kind of turning into what we know as Dahmer and you know it kind of goes through his whole um, basically how he turned into what he is you know he was always a little bit messed up and things this movie is very subtle in its approach too which I kind of liked but um, you know it's interesting because you know if you if you know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer and if you read the biographies and stuff as a child you know they talk about how he was all you know he was into you know he was obsessed with roadkill and his dad was uh, I believe his dad was a chemist or something like that so he used to take this roadkill home and he had this shed in the backyard and he would fuck you know put these things into jars and you know soak them in acid and shit he was just obsessed with the insides of things and it shows a lot of that stuff but it also shows the lighter side of Dahmer also which I thought was quite compelling it has a really nice blend of showing the dark side of Dahmer but being very subtle about it not gory or anything or outrageous and also showing the human side of Jeffrey Dahmer too because you know Dahmer in high school was um, was pretty much an outcast you know he was a very you know he was that kid on you know way out in left field and you know in the film they showcase him as kind of a clown a little bit um he all of a sudden starts to do these weird spaz things and <laughs> it's so weird man so these guys they kind of befriend him you know they they take him on as one of their own because he does these odd spaz things he just like walk through the hall and start acting like a retard and just start spazzing out and shit so the friends thought it was a good idea to exploit him and so it kind of shows the lighter side of Dahmer in that sense, but you know, it kind of gets back to it and it gets really, like, really kind of deep into what I believe really fucked up Dahmer in the long run was his parents' relationship and how his mom had mental issues and and how his father was a very sane person and very you know kind of middle class working man who was really just trying to raise his family properly, but couldn't deal with his mother and so he had to leave. And I think that was the moment in Dahmer's life where everything kind of fucking switched you know the hobby of roadkill turned into these you know wanting to actually go out and kill things and maybe you know move on to humans and things like that so it depicts his family life quite uh quite deeply and it shows a lot of really interesting things about Dahmer uh you know with that said the way this one kind of you know completes itself it goes right up into the point where he does make his first kill so it, this movie doesn't really have any of that in it. It doesn't have any of his adult life in it at all. It's solely about his graduating year. 
Um, it's a good film. You know, the the guy that plays Dahmer in it, uh, his name is Ross Lynch. He does a really damn good job. He even has that, like, kind of slouch, you know, how he kind of hangs his shoulders and his arms and stuff. He really did look like him. He did a really good job. There's a really funny bit in this film, and I always wondered if it actually happened or if they just put it into the film. I can't remember. I read the biography so many years ago, but I don't remember if this was part of it. But there's this funny-ass moment where one of the guys that befriended Dahmer, uh, he was a photographer for the school. And, <laughs> you know, Jeffrey Dahmer's dad at one point said to him, he's like, man, you got to start joining more you know, clubs at school. You know, you're becoming an outcast. You're becoming weird and shit. you got to join more clubs. So they get this bright idea when his buddy has to take all the, the photographs for the year-end year, or for the yearbook. And they put Dahmer in all these pictures in every club picture. <laughs> it's like the funniest fucking scene. It's like, it's just awesome because the principal sees the pictures and she kind of, she's like, wait a minute, Jeff's not in the, he's not in the Glee club. He's not in this. And it's, it's, it's fantastic, man. It's a really funny scene. But, you know, it's shit like that that really does show the human side of him and, you know, him kind of acting goofy and stuff. But um, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a little bit boring at times, too. Like, there's a lot of downplay and especially if you know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer, you're not really learning a whole lot more within the film, which is kind of mm-hmm. a shame. I thought, I, I, I thought maybe going into this, we'd get like some real deep shit, you know, of what created this monster as we know as Jeffrey Dahmer. It, you know, it sounds like it humanizes him a lot. Huh? It, it really does. It really does. And, it, and it, I think one of the major focuses of the film is, you know, the family issues. Cause I, the way I perceived it is when his dad finally leaves his mom, cause his mom is fucked up. Like she was really fucked up just mentally she wasn't abusive or anything but she just was out there and he couldn't deal with her anymore and i think it hurt dahmer to the point where he's like hey you know he just lost his mind completely and you know it does humanize him but uh you know it's it was a good watch it's a one-time watch though you know like i said especially if you know the the backstory of dahmer watching this it's like it's it's pretty good um i'm gonna come in about a six and a half out of ten it's definitely worth your time to check out like I said, I didn't learn a whole lot of new stuff, but it was an interesting watch, and it's it's definitely <laughs> to, something you might want to add to your Dahmer collection if you collect Dahmer films. I don't know, but that's you know, pretty cool. It was okay. What'd you give it? Uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was one I was really wanted to see last year when it was in its like limited release, but um, didn't get around to it. So, little disappointing that it wasn't that good. Like it wasn't like a. Definitely not a contender for the year, I'd assume. Like I said, though, man, if you don't know a lot about Dahmer and you want to learn more, definitely check it out because a lot of the stuff that happens in the film, you know, that's <clears> you know, that's what Dahmer's. But like I said, it only well, take, it takes place in such a short period in the film, which was I was I was a little bit shocked by that it only takes place in his graduating year. So yeah, you know, and then the, we, the very, much better Dahmer movie is Dahmer from O two. Check that one out. Yeah, which I think it does. It doesn't show a little bit of backstory of him as a kid. And then yeah, it, it shows it shows him like in his teen years, and then like, um, you, like with his first, you know, involved like his homosexuality and different stuff like that, uh, and then it's set in like kind of the whole killing spree it happens in the movie yeah. there is some pretty interesting scenes like there's a scene where he's hanging out with this black guy and he's got this black dude over and they're just kind of bullshit and he kind of says to the dude and he goes hey man do you think your insides look like mine like like are your insides the exact same color as mine and just the way he said it i was like black because he's black and i'm like that doesn't even make any difference man <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, but it's it's haunting because that's what his mentality was that's what his focus was on 
You know, yeah, you I mean, really- I'm sure I'll check it out because I, I do love Jeffrey Dahmer's yeah. fascination. So <clears throat> I'll get to it eventually. But yeah. all right, um, my turn. Yeah. Okay. So um, the other film I got for Patreon was a film titled Tucker and Dale vs. Evil from 2010. Now, I've had this in the collection for a few years now. Got it for $5 at Walmart. I've never watched it. Even though I've, I pretty much knew what it was. I think Moods reviewed it on the show before a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, so it basically follows a group of kids who are going out to the woods as well as following this fellow by the name of Tucker and this fellow by the name of Dale who are also going out to the woods because they have a little cabin vacation house up there. Um, and it's a very, it's like a gimmick. The film's like a gimmick. The gimmick is that, um, it's shot as if Tucker and Dale are redneck hillbilly, like slaughtery slasher villains. And it's, it's like, it's one of the most coolest ideas because you basically have this point of view from the characters where the the Tucker and Dale are just doing like normal things, but the the camera work and the way that it's shot and the 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 music and different things make it look like Tucker and Dale are these evil monsters when really they're just like fishing and you know, doing <laughs> driving their car and stuff. And it's and it's because they look different. They look like hillbilly characters, and and uh, then. There's there's a little bit deeper of a plot to it too once you kind of find out who these people who these kids are and stuff. But basically, uh, this girl almost drowns. Tucker and Dale save them, but to the other teenagers, it looks like Tucker and Dale are kidnapping her, and so they try to you know get her back, but they keep killing themselves by mistake, <laughs> and it looks like Tucker and Dale are killing all these kids. Um, I actually was very impressed with the amount of situations they came up with for these kids to kill themselves and to make it look like Tucker and Dale are bad people. And, and honestly, (laughs) like Tucker, Tucker and Dale are really cool characters. And I think Dale is like, you know, he got a lot of heart and stuff like that. And, and the, the, the filmmaker did a good job on like showcasing that. And there's like this little love angle and stuff. And and it all works really well. Like the whole movie works great. Like it, it really does. Like, all all of these different like it is funny too which is great for a horror comedy to actually be funny uh but it's more than it's clever it's a very clever little movie like i was very impressed with it i knew what it was going in i knew that they were they do that they make it look like they're the slasher killers but really they're just regular guys like like being like fishing and stuff but i was actually very surprised at how well it actually worked even knowing what they were going to do going into it um I laughed my ass off. This was actually a very funny movie. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, all these situations are great. Like, there's all this overacting by like these teenagers, which is intentional, um, so you can't like take points off for it. And honestly, it kind of uh, it kind of wraps up good too. It, it's like it's there's a scene where somebody says you're half hillbilly, <laughs> and I lost it. Cause it's like. Like it's not something that it's like it's not like a race or something, you know what I mean? It just, it just like this dramatic reveal, like oh dude, it's good stuff. Like if you've never seen it, definitely check it out. It's definitely it, it, it once again solidifies how strong like 2010 to 12 actually was, um, which is is becoming you know as I'm thinking about it more, some of the better years in horror. Um, and yeah, so I came in at an eight out of 10 on Tucker and Dale versus evil. 
Dude, that wood chipper part, man, is so funny. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I that, love, yeah, that fuck, that's a good kid. I rewound that like four times. <laughs> the, the best part is when they're sword. trying to get him out, and then they're they're walking up the, the drive with it. And the, <laughs> the cops show yeah, up. I know. They're just holding this thing, and then they have to like try to explain it, and it just sounds ludicrous. <laughs> it's so good. It's it, it's yeah. honestly it's one that the more like I just watched it today, so like I could even see myself coming in higher. You know, the further, I, the more I have to think about it. But it's it's very solid. Yeah. I, I, thank you to whoever gave me this pick. I actually yeah. don't have the page up right now to let you guys know. But yeah, it's uh, that was a good Patreon pick. I love when they pick stuff that I own that I haven't watched. That's it's my favorite thing. It's legitimately funny as hell. I, it's such oh, a blast. Such a blast. Yeah. It's a it's a great horror comedy. Yeah. Jeremy. All right. Next up from. Chan Wook Park, who should be advancing over that douchebag asshole Friday Thirteenth Two guy. I don't even know his name. Steve Miner. Um, thanks. We have Stoker from twenty thirteen. Now, I know JP loves this film very, 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 very much. It's a good movie. Now, this is the first time I've seen it. I haven't. I didn't watch it back when it came out or anything like that. So I went in with a fresh mind. I know JP liked it, so. You know, it yeah, didn't affect my feeling, but I had that on, on that. I I had it now I'm a little bit more open to like what I put on my list, but when we did the top ten of twenty thirteen or fourteen, I forget which one it was, um, this was actually my number two film. But I left it off the list because I didn't think it was a horror film. It isn't a horror film. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm a little bit more open to what I include in the genre, so I would probably allow this on my list in what movie what movie is this? Stoker. Oh, Stoker. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's I was really about good. to say I raved about it back then. I, I, I was surprised that Jeremy still hadn't seen it. But go ahead, continue. So we follow India. India is this young girl, kind of like a May kind of character, and uh, her father dies one day in an accident. Drives off a bridge. I think that's what it was. I fucking watched this a few days ago, and uh, at her dad's funeral her uncle shows up who is named charlie and uh india's never seen charlie she's never heard of him or anything like that so uh she was surprised to learn that she had an uncle and he's a very uh strange guy supernatural kind of weird looking things going on between charlie and and his whole demeanor and uh india is a person who uh, very much likes to be alone. She's an outcaster. She doesn't like to be touched or anything like that. And she didn't really have a good relationship with her mother, who is now living in her father's house with Charlie. And there's a relationship going on between her mother and Charlie. And along the way, India is trying to find who she is as a person and trying to find her voice through Charlie. And as the film goes on, we learn more about Charlie's past, which I kind of picked up on as the film was going on, what was happening. Um, but there's this awesome resemblance between this yellow bug and uh, the suit that Charlie wears towards the end of the film that I found extremely, extremely interesting. Because throughout the film, we see this yellow spider type of insect um, crawling up India. And then at the end of the film, we see Charlie um, sitting at this piano bench wearing uh, very similar yellow um, color suit and it, it kind of just you know comes into a circle about uh, India's and Charlie's relationship 
and how they kind of become one towards the end of the film. Now, this movie shot so well. This is one shot where uh, India is coming up the stairs from the cellar, and Charlie is uh, shown uh, on the wall as a shadow, and uh, it's and you can see him talking and things like that. This is a beautiful shot. It's just a it's a medium shot of of India standing at the base of the stairs and Charlie's shadow on the wall, and it's just an amazing amazing shot. There's some you know just a fantastic cinematography wise looking movie. It's 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 a really beautiful film. Uh, I think as I watch it a little bit more, if I watch it again ever, I would probably start to pick up on some other different things going on between um, Charlie and India's mother. I really didn't get too much out of their relationship. I think I got more about um, India and Charlie's relationship more than India's mother. I think her mother's a little bit She's not that interesting of a character, to be completely honest, in my opinion. Um, I really didn't care for her that much. I, I, I understand why she's there, but I really didn't didn't really think that her story arc really was as interesting as India's, which is understandable because India is our main character. But, uh, you know, it, it, she seemed to be such a, a important part of the narrative that I feel like she it isn't as... Uh, explored that much about um, India's mother's past and her past attentions with um, India's father and things like that. But either way, this is a really fantastic film, really interesting. Like JP said, I, I really don't think it's horror. It has, you know, some interesting things with Charlie going on that may be considered horror, but I mm-hmm. think it's more of a, a, a darker drama than a horror film. But it's still one you should check out. It's a really, really great film. So I give this one an eight and a half. Yeah, see, th- this movie to me is absolutely amazing. I It's been about five years since I've seen it. I really do need to revisit it because I was so high on it, but it is a little loose in my memory right now. Uh, I thought it was possibly his best film. Um, I, I loved it that much. I mean, I haven't seen all of his films either, so that's not fair to say. But uh, I thought it was very interesting because it was written by Wentworth Miller. Like A lot of people don't know that, but he was the star of Prison Break like michael schofield like the main Mm -hmm. guy um and he actually wrote the film under a pseudonym and it actually ended up on the blacklist and jeremy what is the blacklist uh well back in the day it was a list of actors and screenwriters who weren't allowed to work in hollywood because they were uh, no no no, not that blacklist well Um, i don't know if that's the blacklist i know of that's what i was thinking of too i was like the the black that that's like the black bald list (laughs) um this is the blacklist is um a list of um screenplays that go unproduced so uh, may uh, i think Everly was the number one film on the blacklist, uh, which ended up getting like your film could actually end up getting made from being on the blacklist. Um, so Everly was on there. It was the number one film. And and uh, it's usually 10 of the best screenplays that don't get produced. And it makes its rounds around Hollywood. And usually some films from that list will get produced. Um, and uh, this was actually on the 2010 version of the blacklist. Um, so it's basically unproduced screenplays that go to around through all these Hollywood uh, production companies, and and uh, it's usually ten films. Uh, I, I know about it because I heard Joe Lynch talk about it when he talked about Everly being made. But um, yeah, so there's like a ton of good films that that end up on that list. But uh, this this one is is fantastic. It's it got so much cool stuff in it. 
there's a scene involving a shower that blew my mind when I first seen it. I was like, what the? F-? It totally like changes the way you think about like characters and stuff. Oh, it was so good. I need to revisit that one. I think I gave it a nine point five when I. When you I, said a ten out of ten. <clears throat> well, that's now what I feel. You know? <laughs> yeah. After a couple of years, like it, in my memory, it seems like a ten yeah. on nine point five. Man, but yeah, I would probably give it a ten. Chan Wu Park, man, such an amazing director. Yeah, so many good films under his belt. The Handmaid in his last movie is fucking awesome. It is. It is yeah, really, it's good. really good. All right. Next up here, uh, 2017 film. I believe it just came out, and it's called The Lodgers. <laughs> yeah, it's an Irish film. Yeah, I just talked about that one last week, remember? Yeah. Do you remember, or are you just saying that? <laughs> no, you, we brought, no, you brought it up. Yeah, I said that there was a new Irish film that I had a chance to go see and didn't in the yeah. theater and didn't get to see it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. cool. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, well, that's kind of what piqued my interest in checking it out. I was like, you know, I read the, the synopsis on it, and I was like, oh, this actually sounds pretty damn cool. Uh, so basically what we got here, it's kind of a period piece, kind of a period piece. It is a period piece. It takes place in, you know, early 1920s uh, in rural Ireland. And we follow our two main characters here. Uh, they're brother and sister. They're actually twins, Rachel and Edward. And they live in this huge fucking mansion by themselves. And... um the thing is they live there by themselves because everybody in their family has been is kind of came to their deaths by this kind of supernatural force that has plagued their family and the, the history of their family throughout time. And so they're kind of stuck in this house. And the cool thing about the film, it's got a really cool setup because it tells you within an original song that plays in the beginning of the film, it actually tells you the rules that they have to live by. So they're stuck in this house. And basically the three rules are they have to be in bed by midnight. Uh, They're not allowed to permit any outside people into their house um, at any times. And, you know, if one of the brother and sisters tries to escape, the other one's going to be put in jeopardy or killed and stuff like that. So they're forced to live by these rules. And um, so that's kind of what the film is. It's going through their, their daily of having to live with these rules. Uh, it's a really interesting setup. I love this, how the rules are totally explained to why these two characters are living in this huge house in this rural area by themselves. And it's just an awesome setup, man. It's such a beautiful film, like shot brilliantly. I think it's acted pretty well. Um, the only problem I had with some of the casting in this film is that this movie's set in 1920 rural Ireland and pretty much all the actors in the film are British actors and it kind of, you can kind of tell that they're British. They're not really that Irish sounding. I had a little bit of a problem with that. I actually had like this weird disconnect while I was watching. I'm like, these guys don't sound Irish. It's like totally bizarre. Um, but it's a really interesting film because what we get is we follow our two characters, Rachel and Edward, obviously. And Edward is he's almost like this agoraphobic uh, sibling that, you know, is just he doesn't even want to test the boundaries whatsoever. And unfortunately, he actually was one of the well, he ended up seeing his, you know, his parents actually succumb to their deaths. So. He is really, you know, not leaving the house at all and stuff like that. But Rachel, on the other hand, the contrast here is Rachel is the one that's willing to go out, get their food and their groceries and stuff. And what happens is, you know, she's the one that's willing, you know, 
willing to kind of test these boundaries. And there's this really kind of charred contrast with these characters in the film, which is kind of interesting how they do it in the film. I won't give everything away with that. But Rachel is obviously the one that's willing to even take the chance of getting out of there. She meets this boy um, in the, you know, in the small village and stuff, and they become a thing a little bit and stuff. And so that kind of plays into the main narrative and, you know, into the main you know, kind of the ending of the film, I guess, a little bit. Um, this is a very odd film at times because while you're watching this one, it has this really deep kind of story. You have these rules, you have these regulations in the film, which is really cool. It's shot beautifully. Everything about it, the aesthetic is fantastic. I think the 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 costumes, everything is, is there and stuff, but it feels like there's something missing. And uh, without giving too much away, I believe the thing that is missing is is more or less the explanation to the history that has plagued this family. There is a reveal towards the end of the film, but I feel it's so weak that it really doesn't do the whole setup justice. That's the biggest thing that plagues this film, is that there's such a great setup, you're expecting this payoff, and you really, really don't get it. It's totally unfortunate. I think it's a complete 100% miss for this film. Um which sucks because it really does keep your interest throughout the whole film. It's got some really cool effects too. There's some really interesting stuff with water and other things that are done throughout the film. Again, I won't give it away because this movie is definitely worth the watch, but I think with a setup like this, if you're going to go as far as even to have like this original song, these rules, you got to deliver the goods, man. You really got to deliver that, that kind of punch to sell this film. And it really doesn't come through. Unfortunately, um, definitely worth the watch though I love the contrast I love all the little things that are going on in this film it's pretty damn cool but I think they just kind of miss with the explanation a little bit and uh, I'm going to come in about a 7 out of 10 it's definitely worth the look so you know give it a shot yeah that that was one that um, that that's the uh, Dread Central Presents thing that's going on um, where I think the first one was Zombieology uh, this was the second, The Lodger. And I think the next one's The Terrifier, which is that clown movie that's there now that people seem to like. Yeah, that one's getting crazy good reviews. Yeah. Which is actually, I got screeners for all these digital, and I never got to any of them. So <laughs> You had The Terrifier? Um, you had The Terrifier? Wait, you had The Art I the had Clown the film, the and you didn't fucking ask me if I wanted to watch it? The what? You had The Art the Clown film, and you didn't ask me if I wanted to watch it? Art the Clown. That doesn't even sound familiar. Uh, from All Hallows Eve. That's what the terror film is, you dumbass. The Terrifier? Yeah. Oh, that's the, it's Art the Clown from All Hallows Eve. It's yeah. his own movie. Yeah. I've never seen All Hallows Eve. How the hell would I know that? How do you not? It was on my top ten. How have you not seen that movie? <laughs> How have you not seen Stoker? It was my number three. Come on, man. Well, your list is usually trash. You put shit like the lore on there, so I, I don't take your list... I take it with a grain of salt. I still don't understand why he likes that movie. <laughs> just, you'll never tell us. It's like the weirdest thing. Fuck um, you guys. But I do, I do recommend checking this movie out, man. I mean, who knows? You might get a little bit more out of it. I just think with a film like this with such an amazing setup and you set up all these rules and you set it up so perfectly that you need to deliver, you know? Well, 7 out of 10 is still a decent score. It is. I'll but check it out. There's actually. a lot of great elements to this, man. It's a beautiful film and... Um, the other minor complaint I had, like I said, was just the the actors that they used. They were good, it's just they had, didn't really have the Irish accents. It's weird. It was strange. But all right, so uh, the final film that I'm gonna review here, I actually don't even know what I'm doing. Let's see. Um, hmm. 
I guess I'll go with 1976's Eaten Alive. So we have covered this film on the podcast before, way back in the day. Um, that was one of our first episodes, I believe, wasn't it? Eaten Alive, you guys remember covering that? Covering that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I revisited it first time since then. And that episode was I 14. 14. So quite a, and we actually fucked up the date. We wrote 1977 on that. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> uh, luckily, we didn't do thumbnails back then. Um, but I have thought about redoing thumbnails for old episodes. But anyway, that's beside the point. Eaten Alive uh, follows a young woman who is working at a brothel. Uh, she uh, has an encounter with Mr. Robert England, a young-looking Robert England, if I do say so. Uh, and his name is Buck. And Moods, what does he like to do? He likes to fuck. Yeah. T- ask Tarantino. He'll tell you that. <laughs> um, and and uh, which, God damn it, man. People don't even know the amount of like recycled stuff Tarantino uses. But um, uh, so she dips out of there. She's like, I'm not having this. I don't want to have sex for money anymore. And she goes and stays at this hotel. But this hotel is ran by like this psychopath that feeds people to his crocodile who he says c- came all the way from Africa outside in the swamp next to his motel. Um, and basically the girl's parents, uh, the girl's dad and sister end up like tracking her down. Uh, and then there's another family that comes in there. Um, and yeah, it's just basically madness. And it it, it definitely is very reminiscent of like psycho, obviously not as good, but you could definitely see some influence in the Norman Bates character with, um, I forget his even, I don't even know his name, but, um, the, the, uh, lead guy in eaten and alive, um, I don't know what it is about this film this time, but I really liked it this time around, like way more than I did the first time. I Well, I'd seen it before that we covered it on the uh, podcast, but I, just something about it this time, I appreciated it way more. This film has a lot of atmosphere. Directed by the wonderful or not so wonderful Toby Hooper, um, this film was sh- like definitely filmed on set, like there, this whole scene scenery is a set the the motel the water the swamp the the foliage outside it's it's all set um but that leads to some great atmosphere because you have this fog rolling in you could control this this fog much easier than you could out in the woods and man dude like i don't know it was there was something about it that it i just it just captured that exploitation vibe of the 70s and the atmosphere was great uh, the crocodile does not look amazing, but like if you use your imagination a little bit, the movie is really cool. And I actually like like Judd is just insane. He's he's an underlooked horror movie villain for sure. He's just out there, dude. He's like he looks like um like some kind of retired war veteran or something who just lost it. Uh, and Robert England is phenomenal in this movie. He's his character. You could tell Rob England was probably being like a young actor was like so into his character of Buck. <laughs> he's just great, man. He's he's a sleazeball and and he's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I truly, really, really liked Eaten Live this time around. I, I was shocked that I liked it as much as I did. Um, I'm coming in at eight out of ten. So I think my last rating was like a six point five. So that's that's quite a, a huge difference. Yeah, you came up quite a bit on that one. That's good. Yeah. 
I think it was. Let me actually let me look up what it was. Um, my original rating was six point five. I was right. I remembered that from way back then. Um, but Jeremy gave it an eight in a weird event. Moods gave it a six point five. So Jeremy was right all those years ago on episode. I don't know five. if I watched that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you being serious? No. Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so I gave it a six and a half. Jesus Christ! No, no, you gave it a seven point five. Jeremy gave it an eight. Oh, seven and a half. I gave yeah, it a six. That five, seems but, more right. Yeah, yeah, but surprisingly, Jeremy coming in the highest way back on episode fourteen. That is not something that is common. It, it was yeah. rare. It was rare for a couple different reasons. Yeah, it used to always be moods was the highest. I was in the middle, and Jeremy Jeremy was the lowest. But then it kind of flipped. Yeah, it's two special things happen there. He came in the highest, and he actually watched the film. I think yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> well, you better rewatch the film or watch it for a first time because it is a 1976 film. I can't believe I'll how I can't believe how fake Jeremy's made this podcast. He was giving ratings on films and kind of chiming in at times. Uh-huh. Jeremy, the I'll tell you what: a lot of those he really a lot of diminished the quality of the show, man. <laughs> That's I insane. I just I, I can't even believe how many times like thinking back like there's there was a lot of movies though. Yeah, I only cool. did a couple times. I know you did it on Torture Le- Chamber. Torture Chamber. I'm I was convinced you did it on Beneath, but I and, don't know for and, sure. And the Doctor one. Doctor oh, I, I know you did. Well, yeah, you admitted to that one. Yeah, but I I had suspicions that you did it during Beneath, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. In Animal, maybe you did it on Animal too. You will never know. So last okay. up. In the films that I are have you, been watching. You, hold up, hold up, hold up. I was going to tell you something before before Moon's Way. Uh, those check discs that we used to get from Arrow, they're actually coming in handy because I had a great Blu-ray transfer of, of Eaten Alive. <laughs> Do you have those still, Jeremy? You might have Eaten Alive. No, I only have a couple. That might... That actually was my next question. I was going to ask you how you watched it. Yeah, I watched yeah, it. Because yeah. the, the transfer on the, the Arrow Blu-ray is awesome, man. Blood and yeah. Black Lace, Island of Death... Which is seventy six. I'm not I, even joking. Yeah. I probably have Ray Harryhausen. I have over a hundred of those, at least. And, Jeez, uh, dude, do you still get them? I do. They, but they send me all the. Lately, they've been sending me all the Ariel, 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 Arrow Academy ones, and I'm just like, the dude, f- those Jekyll and Mrs. These actually sell for good money. Look on eBay, you'll see. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, I got. Uh-huh. I'm sitting on a fucking bank, then, man. <laughs> I'm gonna save mine for a long time. I think they're neat. I've given but anyway. some away to people that wanted to check out films. But, yeah. yeah. All right. Last up in the What We Watch section is a film from 2003. Carly said hi to you, too. Did you tell I called her a cunt? No. Oh. Um, she said hi to Jeremy, not to me? No, to you, too. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said she said hi to you, too. Like, you, no. too. Okay. Hi, from Carly. T- fucking assholes from 2003 memories of murder from the country of south korea uh what an amazing film this one is jesus christ is a good fucking movie so i probably amazing what happens when you watch them right (laughs) 30 33 episodes in since i've been back and i've watched every single one so impressive I've, i've done good and that's a lot of franchises so this movie is about um, the first South Korean serial killer who was uh, 
around from 1986 to 1991. And he's kind of like the Zodiac killer of South Korea. He's never been caught. Nobody really knows who he is. Very similar to the Zodiac killer. And this film basically revolves around um, three detectives and the police chief trying to solve um, these murders. And this is in a, a time when Korea was... Um, understaffed in technology they really didn't have um, top-the-line technology that uh, the United States had and um, the government was in a clash with its citizens so the police department really had a a tough job solving these cases and this one was especially brutal because um, you know the country wasn't really used to having a killer murdering people again and again and again like this guy was i think he murdered like 10 people so the film is basically just um these cops trying to solve the case and their interactions and the struggles and the frustrations they have um you know losing leads and and things like that it's a very funny movie the dialogue is is very very well written it it really um puts these characters in a real sense um it's 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 written in real life like real life dialogue and things like that and i think that's where the humor comes from um the film isn't 100 percent serious which i think is a good thing with a dark and quite disturbing um theme like this movie has because basically what the killer would do he would um rape his victim then take their panties and strangle them and then tie them up you know, rope tie them and then leave them to die. And he would do other different things to them um, as time went on, like leave things inside their pussy and things like that. So uh, it's 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 more of a character piece of these of these police officers than uh, the killer itself. But it's shot so well. There's some amazing um, long shots of like train tunnels and people walking in the train tunnels and people walking down roads. It's a really really fantastic movie. Of course, like usual these movies are quite long this one runs like two hours and 20 minutes or so but it doesn't seem like that just like i saw the devil the movie really really flies extremely extremely fast it just it it moves along even though it's pretty dialogue and character heavy wise you know there's not much action going on or anything like that but um i i remember reading tarantino talking about this movie quite a lot um a few years ago i know I read a few articles where he was talking about how this is one of his favorite films, and and I can see why. It's a really fantastic movie. It's kind of hard to get uh, if you want a physical copy of it, but um, I think you could get it on VOD and things like that, and uh, you guys should check it out. I give this one a 9.5 out of 10. It's really good. Really, really good. 9.5? Damn. It's awesome, man. Have you seen it, Moods? I gave it like a 6. Really? <laughs> no, I've never seen it before. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I have. I think you know Dylan actually got a copy of it. I I should really bore it off him. I was looking for one for a long time because you know, like you said, you mentioned Tarantino and I remember his top. What was it? Twenty five or, or something like films? that. Films of the since he's been directing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that movie was on there, and I think that was the only one I'd never seen before. And I still haven't seen it to this day. Yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. Sounds like it is. Good stuff. Good stuff. But it does make a lot of sense, though, right? You know, that film being 
very dialogue heavy and character character driven and and heavy also uh-huh. doesn't it just reminds you of Tarantino right yeah lots of yep. characters lots of dialogue lots of funny stuff yep it's amazing it's good stuff yep and now our feature presentation oh yeah getting into the featured reviews here on episode 132 Eli Roth volume 1 haters bring it on isn't this volume well, 2 yeah, kind of. It's well. I mean, the first. <laughs> this definitely isn't volume one. Like we can't. There's not even another. We can't even do another volume. <laughs> he only has one other film we haven't covered. True that. True that. But I mean, to be fair, like the first, like I would say that the other show was like volume zero. Like we yeah. pretty much covered two of his films, uh, and then now we're doing the a proper was, spotlight. Yeah, we didn't call it. Eli Roth Volume One. They really sometimes I forget some you know sometimes how little films he's actually directed. Yeah, well he took a long break. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are going to start off. Well, we could do AfterShock. Yeah. He acted Pro- in that. Produced, yeah, acted, produced, yeah. Uh, we're going to start it off here with you know the IMDb date here for the Green Inferno. For, says 2013 we know it didn't come out until what 15 yep 2015 it officially got its release um so yeah so yeah the production company went bankrupt they uh made it green inferno so it ended up finding its home at blumhouse eventually after all the legal stuff was settled mm-hmm. yep went through a whole pile of shit to get released uh and a whole pile went through a whole pile of shit to release a whole pile of shit to showcase some shit on screen yeah. Literally. Yep. Diarrhea. Explosive diarrhea. Yep. Um, quick little synopsis here. A group of student activists travels to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover that they are not alone. And that no good deed goes unpunished. You know what I was thinking when I was watching this movie? The cannibal subgenre really is dead. Like it's the first cannibal film. Like I can really, really well, think well, of like the native ch- cannibal yeah. films. Like there are films that deal with cannibalism. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah. there's a lot of cannibal. Yeah, they just don't deal with. I mean, this Jungle is. Camp. I don't think it's Eli Roth trying to be, you know, part of this, you know, this movement of cannibal films. It's it's a homage to, yeah, you yeah. know, the old Italian cannibal films and Cannibal Holocaust and Fear Ox and stuff. And quite obviously, that's what he's doing here. Um, hence the name of the film, The Green Inferno. Which is the name of the film inside the film of Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah, it's a direct connection to Han- Cannibal Co- uh, Holocaust, right there. So, um, yeah, the Green Inferno. Thoughts on the Green Inferno? JP, why don't you start us off? All right, so I have two like feelings towards this film. So one, I look at this film that, and I think it's kind of misunderstood. Um, I think people expect it to be like a straight horror film, but it's it's clearly not. It's almost a satire, if you will. And I oh, think here we that, go with the Texas Chainsaw Four fucking bullshit logic again. Yeah, but that was actually correct. That though. wasn't. Well, that's another debate that we've already had. But um, so well, I'm interested in, in hearing your satire angle here, man. Because wow, yeah. So. I think that I would have preferred a straight horror film because that's really what I wanted out of this movie. And I think that's why I was a little disappointed with it. 
but really what this is is a commentary on social justice warriors and it's a satire of our reality of uh people who are on twitter and on you know facebook and and just talk out of their ass and get way ahead of themselves and that and he's literally making fun of those people this entire movie it's everybody in this film is our morons including the lead actress like it, well, she's it's the set biggest up moron. that way. Her acting is shit. I don't really think anybody's acting is bad in this movie. Honestly. She's shit. <clears throat> I mean, I disagree. Okay. I think you're wrong. Okay. Um, but so uh, I think that the whole point of this movie is to have these these people who are all making very poor decisions. Like this girl literally sees this guy shows her attention and says, "Hey." Like this guy wanted to give you a flyer for this thing. Mm. And because he seems like this cool leader and stuff, she like instantly falls for him. Like she wants to prove that she's like, you know, important enough to be, uh, you know, liked <clears throat> by him. And then she goes out to a goddamn jungle. The, the, the to setup, protest. the setup in this makes absolutely no sense. And I've, it's one thing. The first time I watched, it, I said the same thing. I'm like, you mean to tell me that this generally normal college student minding her own business mm-hmm. is not involved with being an activist or protesting anything. Yeah. She's not all political. She's just going about her own business. Exactly. Gets shown a pamphlet to do with saving the rainforest in fucking Peru. And then all of a sudden the next week she's on a plane to Peru. Well, I think her dad big, was like same thing, but that's a really fucking big decision to make. Like as for a character, like that's so unrealistic. You take yeah. the majority of people and there's no way like most activists and protesters and stuff have been researching this and this is what they're about mm-hmm. they're about yeah. uh tree, um you know hugging trees and eating granola yeah. and shit this is what they do with their life that's <laughs> fine this is fucking yeah, fine and, and, and you can't and you can't change somebody I one minute i hate the setup it's so it's so ridiculous but, 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 but are you aware that it's supposed to be like that there yeah yeah he's making fun of those people by having them all go in there ill-advised like everybody like he makes all the characters look so stupid when they're talking about oh. like and there's even scenes in the film that showcase how dumb of idiots these people are when they get there like i think that it's actually pretty brilliant if you look at it like that mm-hmm. like you can't look at it like that these characters are you know that they were written like that like like that's it's not like a plot problem because it was intentionally written as a showcase of how dumb these type of people are are you eli roth yeah i think what? it's i think it's are a you case eli roth of, it's a case no, of showcasing then how do you then how do you know they were written like that? Because that's what he's doing. Like I, I don't it, I, I like I, I didn't look fun. into it enough, but I guarantee you, if you you know maybe listen to the commentary, which I didn't do, I because James would give me shit. Well, for I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it's done purposely. As no. I mean, it is a show. I mean, he's showcasing how naive people can be, though. Too. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that he's doing that because by having her make that snap decision i mean it's a pretty damn big decision i mean first of all like she's leaving fucking school too i mean it's mm-hmm. like it's crazy it's a crazy decision so it's very naive and stupid and um, you, you don't think that he's doing that intentionally to show that these people are that these type of social justice warriors are are complete idiots i mean i could see i i completely 100 see where you're coming from too i never thought of it like that that he was intentionally doing that. Um, 
I don't I know. think of it like that either. I, I, yeah, I just never thought of, he was intentionally doing it. I thought it was just kind of a bad setup. I mean, there's a lot of different social commentaries that's going on here, you know, about how people putting their face into shit where, you know, it shouldn't be and stuff like that. I mean, it showcases right in the end of the film, too, you know, with her explaining that, you know, the cannibals, you know, they didn't. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just uh, reading something here because I'm actually curious that maybe I was wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Looking into it like that, because I, I truly don't know. But that's. I didn't get that the first time watching it, but this time I started paying attention to like the massive, like, the, like he paints them all such in such bad colors, um, and I was you know, kind of like, curious. Like I, I looked at, I saw it completely different this time around, um, but I could be, I could be wrong um, about it. So I, I'm actually very curious to look into maybe like the the commentary and and things like that, but. I, like like every single one of those characters seem to be written in almost like a satirical way to me, like not a serious way. Like if you like, because it's way too over. The I kind of took it like I didn't see it like the way you did, but I took it as you know everything that people do in a sense is is business savvy too. I mean, it's showcased by you know the guy that funded the whole trip and stuff, and, and you know it, it's a fucking PR stunt kind of thing. You know, and it's showcasing that aspect of even protesting and and showing off the image that these people are doing the right thing that, you know, they're fighting for a cause. Save and the forest. But it's still a fucking business. You know, it's still about making mm-hmm. that ends me. It's still about making that money and shit like that. You know, yeah. it's he's showing that social commentary throughout with these characters and stuff. And it's interesting you saw it the way you did. I mean, I don't I didn't see it like that. I just kind of saw it for what it, you know, what it was. I like thought that. does a cannibal film would, yeah, stupid because most of these cannibal films have stupid characters like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, just I mean, having having that leader there, and you know, oh, it cannibal Ferox has fucking stupid ass characters. You know, it's kind of interesting because that's a big thing. You know, the uh, the the dirtiness of every side of activism and and uh, and all that type Not of world profits yeah they're, they're always at the end of the road it's all about profits right mm-hmm. where that guy mm-hmm. is about making money and that's it's kind of it, it's it's showing the dark side of reality really because a lot of people really buy into this stuff and they think they're doing good shit and they're really just being fucking used and that's kind of what he's showcasing here like all these people were just pawns yeah. He didn't give a well, fuck. Well, I think there's it a commentary about, on that as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that's that's the that's the reality of this dirty world we live in because so at the end of the day, nobody from, cares about people, they care about money. Here's a here's a quote from Roth. He says, I see it a lot. People who want to care and want to help, but in general, I feel like people don't really want to inconvenience their own lives. And I saw a lot of people just reacting to things on social media. These social justice warriors, this is just wrong, this is just wrong, this is just wrong. Yeah, and yeah. they're just tweeting and retweeting. They're not doing anything. Or the people who get involved and caught and in that cause and they don't really know a lot about it and they get and they go crazy about it. I wanted to make a movie about kids like this. He he continued. Uh, I think there's a lot of great things, obviously, about activism. People commit their lives to it, but I wanted to make a story about kids who don't really know how uh, know what they're getting into get in get in way over their heads and act and it and it actually works and the irony is that they're on their the way home and the plane crashes and the very people they saved think they're invaders and just dart them and eat them so i I do think that these characters were written completely to to mock the types of people that you see on twitter um i think i i truly do like i think that it's easy to not notice that 
But if you go into it and, and think about it while you're watching it, you'll see just how dumb and, and how full of themselves all of these characters are, including the, including the lead girl. Now, of course, you have to have traditional movie tropes that kind of make somebody a hero, like at least you know it, it seems like a lot of people feel like they need but to it do sucks that. though because the way i see it with her though is that she wasn't looking for what she got involved in it was brought to her kind of thing right you know well i mean it's it not was, like she was reacting day, to things anybody who jumps into something crazy like that over a boy who she doesn't even know turns out he's a huge dick i mean i think that's a cautionary tale right there that girls oh. can be kind of dumb for sure yeah. and they get <laughs> they get in head over heels with somebody they don't even know who turns out to be a complete dick. psychopath and yeah. a dick and a loser and a you know double crosser and she does all this simply because he's like the dude in she, cannibal she caters some attention yeah. you know like what i mean cannibal ferox bro yeah exactly and exactly it's like a spitting and, image like if you talk about all these characters right like like if you look at every one of them that that you know kind of um like the one that says like i don't eat meat and and like there's all like there's all these tropes that you hear all these different social justice warriors say so i'm thinking that this is a parody on them and a jab at them and i was looking up some more stuff and it seems like eli roth got in a little bit of hot water for painting social justice warriors or activists in a bad light but he was saying that he's not you know painting activists he's painting these douchebags on twitter who think they are something and and bitch about everything when they're not and they don't really do anything and they often talk about a cause they don't even understand or don't even know but they think they do no research into it and i think that these are all those characters yeah like, these people are, think these they are care about shit. it's you know it's the it's a classic case of people thinking that they care about shit because it's it's in front of their eyes right uh-huh. you know they see it on social media like oh yeah fuck totally man yeah i'm gonna get involved with that it's like really so i mean i get i do understand where you're coming from a little bit does kind of yeah. make sense it's all over the place yeah. in this film though it really is there's so many scenes of that can kind of back your argument but yeah. just i just didn't see uh, it like that I, I just kind of saw it for what it was but uh, he is definitely paying it's it, it kind of makes it a little bit more clever because he is paying homage to the cannibal genre mm-hmm. but also making fun of modern <laughs> modern freedom fighters and shit and uh and all the tropes and shit that comes with it. it's you know it's kind of funny actually it actually is kind of funny because I actually laugh at that scene too, where the girls like, like they're they're in a fucking cage, yeah. they're starving, and she's like, "I'm vegan. <laughs> You're yeah, gonna yeah, fucking yeah, die yeah. if you don't eat that, bitch." You know, yeah. but but on the flip, but on the flip side, it's like that same girl that said that she was shitting her guts out, like fucking dying right there, and then she's like, "I'm vegan." It makes it even more funny, like yeah, fucking idiot. But, I uh, think that's even more relevant today than it was back then. All those vegan fucking assholes. What? I think like like veganism, like that kind, those kind of people are even more easily made fun of today than they were back then. It's I think because, it's, a, it's, it's because back it's then so it's out of control. Went, back and, then when? Like five, five years, years ago? ago. Oh, fu- oh. <laughs> oh okay, all that type yeah, of shit's gone out of control. It's like the gluten free yeah. stuff. You know, it's like yeah. everybody all yeah. of a sudden can't eat gluten. So everyone's eating gluten free. I'm like, what the fuck? Growing up, I never even heard the word gluten free. Like, and all of a sudden, everybody is fucking allergic or can't eat gluten. Give me a fucking break. You know, he's essentially that's what he's doing. Turning into one big pussy. It is, man. It's fucking it's horseshit. 
But it's no uh, different than not eating. Well, South Park said it best. He's turning into one giant vagina. But yeah, that that's definitely the one thing that I, I took away from this film. I always thought it was pretty ironic, though. You know, they go in there to save these indigenous, you know, native people and stuff. They're playing crashes, and then the very people mm-hmm. that they save, they fucking end up getting eaten by. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I yeah. Just, but there's there's still a little level of like, I guess, like Roth wanting not to paint them as villains, but more just living. But you can't you know, their paint lives. Them as, they can't paint them as villains because I think there is a little bit of dialogue in the film, and it's like you know these people are discussing and they do this and that and stuff. But people are always they're always argumentative to the facts of, of things that they don't understand. You know, here in North America, we have we live our lives one way. We go to the grocery store, buy groceries and shit like that. The what these people are doing in the jungle is completely normal, and that's their. That's who they are. Yeah, that's are. what I was saying. I think I think Roth did a good job at, yeah. at, in the end, not painting them as monsters, but more just like you know, not knowing, just living their culture. You yes. know, by yeah. introducing that little boy, and and in the end, the girl not, you know, telling them that they brutally murdered all her friends. Well, that, yeah, that's their call. I mean, if if they feel like they're being threatened, you know, if you if you're an outsider, yeah. I mean, but that's also a source of food. It's just they're doing what their gen- genetic makeup tells them to do. And mm-hmm. he did he did do a good job of that. I mean, that's that's the commentary. And and I think it comes full circle in the end of the film too with our main character where she says, you know, she's like, "Well, you know, I you know, did the cannibals if, you know, do anything?" And she's like, "No. They were good. They they're the ones that you know, kind of got me out of the jungle and saved my life and shit like that. Uh-huh. Right. Because she yeah. under she, she, at that point, she's understanding that these people were just living their lives yeah. and the, and everybody that was there, everybody that was there wasn't supposed to be there. The bulldozers, the, the fucking army, all that shit. They're, they're the outsiders, you know? Yeah. So they're the, they're the invaders and shit. And so she kind of defended it. Right. So, so what do you I, think I about the-, the cannibal aspect of the movie. I actually, la- I actually I'm not that big hard. of a fan I, of cannibal films as <laughs> I talked about. So I'm curious action. to see how they stand up to other cannibal films. I actually laughed pretty hard at the <laughs> the part where the one dude, I can't remember, I think it's the red haired guy and he's in the cage and he's like, oh man, I can smell my buddy cooking. <laughs> when he says yeah. that, I'm just like, oh, because you get this, this realization of like, holy shit, man, if you were trapped in that cage, you actually would smell him cooking. Uh-huh. That's fucked up. Like you were just yeah. joking around with this guy five minutes ago. Now he's cooking. Like it's just shit like that that actually kind of made me laugh a little bit. But and there's other silly scenes in the in the film too, where the the little girls, little native girls, are they're playing with that piece of skin with the tattoo on there, and they're like putting it on their <laughs> arm as like a fake tattoo and shit. I'm just yeah, like, oh. I like that scene. That scene was that scene was like kind of kind of creepy you know it's like oh damn you know because they know they don't notice it at first you know and then all of a sudden you look around it's like been in front of your face (laughs) i truly thought the effects actually were pretty good in this um yeah i think the eyeball seems pretty good yeah the yeah yeah, the black dude man oh man he takes a he has a horrible death man like not only does he get his eyes brutally got you know gashed out he like cut yeah. off his limbs and he's still alive and sh- it's yeah. fucking brutal. That's a yeah. nasty death. I was impressed with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely, I definitely like. I don't know. Like, there, there's something that about this one that I liked it a lot more this time, and um, I was expecting not to like it because this made my top ten, and and it was one of the films that after 
we did our top tens, I kind of regretted putting all my top ten because the more I thought about it, the more I realized I didn't like it. And um, watching it this time, I, I expected to not like it. And I ended up probably liking it more than I did that first time. See, I didn't it, like it as much as the second time as I did the first time. Yeah, I, I think That's seeing the it, opposite. I think because I saw it with that commentary, in you know, feeling like it was different, that might have helped. But um, I think that this movie is like it's not as ridiculous as any other cannibal film. Like, like <laughs> all those cannibal films are ridiculous. Why they go to the jungle and the shit that they do is ridiculous and stuff like that. Yeah, like, but I don't the like first it. time. Well, well the setup well, no, no, usually no, is personally. somebody's going to look for yeah. their sister or something like that. Yeah, they just fly across like the countries into it's a place they never went. But like even that dude, like I had a real problem with that dude masturbating the first time I watched it. I was like, that's just the stupidest thing ever. But then I started thinking about like even Cannibal Holocaust and those people do all kind of weird shit that nobody would do. Um, and because they're vi- they're villains <laughs> and this guy's clearly a villain, you know what I mean? So I accepted it a little bit more. But this time. I think the problem with that scene with the, you know, I mean, at least in Cannibal Holocaust, it was kind of not justified, but it was explained like they were dicks you know they were just fucking dicks and they were just doing bad shit but this guy he tries to explain why he is jerking off like you know if you're in the situation yeah yeah because and that's more commentary on the ludicrousness of these people who think they know all this shit and they're like they're these vegans and these fucking guys who like like that is such commentary on people I, that I get like, the, oh you got to eat this way because like if you do that then your energies are right for this and, like it reminded sense. me totally of that type of guy you know when i'm you, like this is exactly this fucking dude right when, here when you put it in when you put it in that perspective man you kind of changed my mind that maybe that's what he was going for but the, now yeah, I think about the chick, he's fucking full of himself the, he thinks the that, blonde chick when she fucking shits that diarrhea in there <laughs> i mean that's that's the result of her making that stupid life choice of being vague vegan yeah yeah. you know that's what happens man that's what happens Uh that's what vegan does to you it gives you explosive fucking diarrhea yeah i thought the best i thought one of the best should eat some taco bell yeah (laughs) well that's me after eating taco bell right there (laughs) that doesn't happen to me when i eat taco bell but um i i like the um stoner dude like he he was funny man i i I definitely laughed a lot from him you know who i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, and you know, actually, speaking of the stoner dude part, in the woods. I still think the stupidest thing in the fucking movie, which would never fucking work, is when they stuff the blonde chick after she kills herself with the weed. Yeah. They get this bright idea. They're like, "Hey, man, we got this weed. We're gonna shove it down her, down her throat. So when they cook her, you know, the the THC will filter in through the meat, and then they'll get all high and fucked up." But I mean, I guess there's social commentary in that, too. Obviously, that scenario would never work, but Mm -hmm. of course it does in the film. But they failed to realize that they were feeding weed to cannibals who essentially are going to get the munchies and possibly (laughs) fucking eat you. Yeah, that's the greatest part because he realizes it afterwards. (laughs) And the the dude actually gets ate. (laughs) There's definitely a plot hole with the amount of weed that they had that it would somehow be strong enough to... I had this written down. I said, so he has maybe like, oh, uh, I don't know, like maybe $25 worth of four, weed. I'm like, and the whole tribe like is... maybe getting- four grams there. Maybe. <laughs> I know, man. I was like, come on. Come on. It's so stupid, but... I actually yeah. did laugh a, lo- I laugh a lot at that, that part, though. I mean, I mean, really. Of course, you're going to get eight from 
the natives getting the munchies. <laughs> Some good shit, man. That's good shit, but you know what was cool though like the, like he definitely took this film like i honestly wish it would have been a completely different film i wish it was played straight serious and i wish it was heavier on the like cannibalistic violence um but me too man unfortunately, yeah we didn't get that so i'm only judging this film on what we actually got versus what i would want to have and i i do appreciate that he went and and he got actual like everybody in this movie is actual tribe like a tribe that lives in in the amazon yeah. And they all, you know, didn't know what a movie was. And he showed them Cannibal Holocaust and they they loved it. And and actually something that Eli Roth said is after they were done, the tribe actually gave tried to give one of the production designers a two year old child as a thank you. <laughs> yeah. That, but that that happens, though, man. Yeah, <laughs> that definitely happens, man. Mm-hmm. so i mean but again going back to the commentary on the different cultures and stuff that's that's just what they do yeah, right when when people are misunderstood you know others mm-hmm. act differently and shit and it's like man you know it's not necessarily a bad thing i, I mean it, it is in our culture liked, it's bad it's but. funny that they liked cannibal holocaust yeah they loved it that's, that's, funny. <laughs> that's interesting that he showed him cannibal holocaust i i mean i guess that's probably to give him an idea of what he was trying to yeah. do right what he wanted yeah. to accomplish so yeah that makes sense but uh you know i mean overall the film is you know eli roth is you know he's gotten better with time with you know with filmmaking wise i mean the, you know the establishing shot in the film is really nice i mean and actually i think in all three of these films he has like the same establishing shot you know he's, he's- He's much better in his next movie, in my opinion. Camera filmmaking actually has the longest establishing shot ever. You know, it's you, you know what? I, I actually there, there's I love the scene where they first get to the, um, you know, after they get blow darted in the in the woods and they bring them in on the rafts and that's how all shot like phenomenal. And when they come in and every there's these massive crowd of people and it's just like this this creation of panic and like disorientation and that I thought that was all really good. Like, and that, and that's well, like the hint of what a serious cannibal film would have looked like. Yeah. And, and that's what? why it makes me want it so more. Yeah. And you know what, man, I really did. One thing I, I noticed this, I noticed the first time, but I noticed it a little bit more cause I was looking for it this time, but was the aesthetic and, and the usage of his greens and reds in this film. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the natives, man, they are like a lot more red than they should be. Yeah. You know, like they're like covered in blood kind of thing. And he's got you mean, the greens. Really you mean Donald fied? Yeah. And, and, and Donald fied. And, and yeah. And that's, you know, the interesting thing, because red and green is supposed to fuck with your, your eyes and kind of fuck with you a little bit. I'm surprised Trump hasn't sued Eli Roth for stealing his look. Because <laughs> yeah, I think that's why Wes Craven used the red and green shirt for Freddy, right? It's supposed to be this kind of weird thing on your eyes. I can't remember the whole th- reasoning behind it, but. But that's one thing he does well in this film. He really captures the colors quite well. They really, it's, it has this buoyancy to it. You're just like, oh, fuck. It's awesome. I love that, man. Cannibals that are red, you know, just signifying death, you know, kind of thing, right? So it's cool, man. It's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and you know, what's, what's actually pretty cool um, is the foreshadowing of all of the characters' deaths. So, um, Obviously, uh, the one character who deals with uh, depression and anxiety, uh, we see that she had cut her wrists, and it actually makes sense that she would cut her neck, right? Because she yeah. was the character who used to cut her wrists. Yeah. 
Um, and I think there's some other stuff there that, you know, that's foreshadowed as well um, that I read about. But yeah, I, I thought that because I remember when I saw the it the first time and that chick just cuts her neck all of a sudden. I was like, that's such bullshit. Like, I don't think anybody would do that. But then it makes more sense when you see that she was a cutter and she used to, you know, either attempt to commit suicide before or, you know, you know, so it, it, she's obviously capable of cutting herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- I thought that was pretty cool. That was actually, you know, solid foreshadowing there. Is it a non-vegan thing? Like, do vegans smoke <laughs> weed or do they stay clear of drugs and stuff? Because is that part of a joke too? them shoving the weed down the mm. vegan's throat? I think they smoke weed. I, I know vegans who smoke. I don't. I don't know any vegans, man. There's no such thing as a vegan around here. Man. Well, <laughs> people eat fucking meat, well, man. Well, the vegan, the vegan was also the cutter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like she kills herself, but they shove the weed down her throat. Like she kind of ate it. I don't know. We haven't looking too much yeah. into it, but who knows? But yeah. Um. But yeah, you know th- this. You know, if you guys want to get into ratings now, what do you think? <laughs> Six out of ten. All right. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I actually, I really like this movie. Um, it, it's definitely grown on me uh, since the last time that I watched it, and I, I was surprised by that. I thought I was gonna like it less, um, but seeing it in a new light with, and if I'm wrong, my rating would, I w- I'll go back and re-rate it and and lower it. But I, I believe that this is like a huge commentary and it's satirical on the the society and specifically the social justice warrior society and i like that because i don't like those people either and um i want to see them get killed by cannibals uh but yeah so um i'm coming in uh at the same place that i i came in the last time i seen it when it made my top 10 uh and that is an eight out of ten that that was your original rating was eight out of ten I believe so. Let me just double check Damn, that. I didn't realize it was so high. Crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know, yep. man. I'm still kind of, of on the same level. Number I, mean, eight. I mean, if you are right about what you what you're saying and stuff, I mean, I there's definitely there's definitely things in the film that are backing that theory up. Just never thought of it. I never looked at it like that. Um, you know, it's it's still it's an all right film. It's definitely worth the watch and stuff, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I kind of felt the same way this time than I did, you know, the first time I watched it, which is probably not necessarily a great thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was hoping I was going to, you know, get more out of it and stuff, but um, I don't know. It's just it's a decent watch. Six and a half out of ten. I don't love this one. Um, I just honestly, I prefer to watch the Italian cannibal films, I guess. I don't know. But if you are yeah. right, JP, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, maybe next time you watch it in a few years, try to pay I'm attention never, to I'm that. never going to watch it again. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, well, Jeremy, um, okay. you, don't, you don't really Twice, rewatch films much anyways, so. Yeah, I honestly, I have, I'm very similar to Jeremy now. Like, I don't either. Um, I don't really watch films over again. One thing, one thing about the film that I actually forgot to mention that did bug me and was the scene where, well, not the scene, but you know, when the plane crashes, um, Mm -hmm. so every, anytime that you take flight, doesn't matter where you're from, Mm -hmm. you know, you always have those. I mean, they would have had their satellite radios and stuff. They would have had 
a way of contacting, you know, air traffic and stuff to let them know that they're going to be in the air because you have to. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is obviously like a sanction type mission and stuff. And yeah, you know, but you also have to factor in that the person that sabotaged the plane probably took care of all of that. Well, the thing, I mean, the, the pilots, if they were if they were legit here, you know, they would have still been trying to get a hold of traffic control and being like, hey, guys, so we're taking off at this time. This is our route. Every flight has to do that. Even if you're fucking around in the air, you always have to contact. What if you're in the Amazon and you're like an illegal, like, um, you know, like criminals? <laughs> like, like, what if you're criminals? If you still they're like uh, an illegal, like, because. Uh... <laughs> Because clearly they're like criminals or something. You find that out later that, you know. Well, there's there's definitely something shady with that and shit. But, I mean, the, the point was is that, you know, even when they went down, I mean, it was still it was still kind of a, a sanctioned thing. Like, people knew about it and stuff, right? So if you want to keep, you know, the, the heat off I don't know. Ass, what, dude, did they? I, I, don't, I honestly don't well, know. They, they actually don't really say, yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm assuming. But the thing is, you know, obviously drug dealers and stuff that are flying planes are not... You know, they're not getting a hold of traffic control and being like, hey, guys, this is our route. This is where we're landing. So <laughs> yeah, obviously not. Route. We're going we're gonna to be here with the drugs later. <laughs> but my point is, like, if you are legitimately flying, you have to contact. Like, you do not want to be in the air. Because you, you imagine being on a plane and all of a sudden hitting a plane in midair that's on yeah. a totally different path. Like, yeah. I mean, that's why every flight that's in the air is obviously on a system, right? They have to know where these flights are. So, yeah. I mean, if they were trying to keep the heat off their asses, they would de- definitely be calling this. Because... I mean, it's just a flight back home, right? I mean, that's all they're doing. I mean, they're on their way back home. They're not really doing Yeah, but the people that are sending them know that they're not going home. They're going to the ground. Yeah. And they're going to die. (laughs) So, Um, but yeah. And shit their pants. But, yeah. So that was the green and green. I guess they would have turned their, their mini black box off on there, too. You know, because every I mean, either cra- way, they were only there for like two days. So, yeah, but might have took longer for him to find them. True that. Yeah. <clears throat> questions, questions, man. All right. <laughs> Let's get yeah. into the next one. You were tied in that chair, my friend. I was tied in the chair. I was really tied in that chair. No, normally I'm like, come on, bro. You can get out of that. Yeah. But this, you really looked tied in. I mean, there was a lot of, it seemed There's almost. tension and the thing. And, and the it was blades. like an electrical cord. Yeah, like the one in the garage that's thick yeah. and orange. That like dudes. Serious. Have. Yeah. Yes. All right. So from 2015. Of course, directed by Eli Roth, we have Knock Knock, uh, which is a remake of, wow, I really should have done my homework here. I can't remember the name of the fucking movie, which I've never seen before. Yeah, it's actually. Yeah, now, now I I have a question about that. Is it an actual remake or did Roth just do like a Tarantino thing where he just made a movie that he's seen? Like, did he actually like buy rights and like make like, because it was not billed as a remake anywhere. I didn't even know know it was a remake. I know. And. That's the thing. I, I, I don't know. It's called Death Game from 77. Death Game. That's what it is. Yeah, I knew it was something game. And I was like, what the fuck is it? Death Game. Um, as far as I know, it's like the same film. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea the history behind Eli Roth and, and Death Oh, game okay. So it probably was a little bit like he definitely knew what he was. He wasn't trying to pull a fast one because he got the one of the actresses from the original film to make a cameo in this one. He always does that. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, this is, yeah, essentially a 
remake of Death Game from 1977. He did that shit in, in Hostel, so makes sense that he would get cameos in this one too. Mm-hmm. He loves his cameos. Yeah, which I love because you know it's it shows that well, it he, shows his fandom. It shows his fandom. Yeah, he's too, right? yeah. he's uh, acknowledging of what of what came before. Like if Brando was still alive, he would have been in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Tarantino not, having Franco not, Nero in Django. Like oh, he's, he's talking about uh, Bronson. Bronson, fucking tired. Bronson. Yeah. Sorry, would it be? So yeah, Knock Knock, 2015, uh, starring Keanu Reeves. And also Lorenza Izzo, she plays Genesis in this film. She was also she's a hottie. She was the main character in the Green Inferno, by the way. Um, yeah. So, quick little synopsis: A devoted father helps two stranded young women who knock on his door, but his kind jester turns into a dangerous seduction and deadly game of cat and mouse. Yes. Yes. Knock. knock. Movie's boring. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves plays a what is he now? He's an architect, right? Is that what he yep. is? Yeah. yeah, he's an architect, and um, his wife and children have gone to the beach for the weekend, uh, mm-hmm. le- and he's left at home because he needs to get some damn work done. It's Father's Day; he's swamped with work. He needs to get yep. it done, so he doesn't go. He stays home, and what happens is he's. It's pretty late at night, actually. I think it's Friday night. I think that's what. And it's really late. It's like one one thirty. He gets a knock on the door. We've got these two really sexy girls. Of course, we're no jackets, skimpy clothes, saying that they got dropped off in the wrong area because they cab driver they, got confused. Whatever. They were heading to a party. That's their story. They were, you know, and of course they're in the wrong neighborhood. So they knocked on the door. He answers. He lets them in, and then shit goes crazy from there. Yep. Uh-huh. So. Um. Now, <laughs> this movie drags. I'm sorry, it drags. It, it's just it gets fucking boring after a while because they do the same shit over and over again. There's, I know, I understand they're trying to manipulate him and and try to get into his head, but after about an hour, things don't pick up to like the 54 minute mark, and it's it's, it's fucking I, I boring. Just, I, there's one reveal in this film that I really just cannot wrap my head around to why like to why him of all people I, I mean, I guess it just could be random you could explain it as being completely random but uh-huh. you, you guys know what I mean? Right, because yeah, the, the, gr- the girls it, admit something, and like, and that they they admit something to him, and then he's like, "Oh, what the fuck?" Are uh-huh. you talking about the monster thing? Yeah, and then they kind yeah of, they 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 they're indicating that they were watching him watching uh, him prior before. to this. So it was yeah. basically he was so basically all the events in the beginning of the film were not perceived as being random. They showed up there yes. knowing that he was going to be alone. The wife and kids were going to be away. And that mm-hmm. they could take advantage of this guy and, you know, do some nasty <laughs> fucked up shit to him just for the mm-hmm. sake of doing some nasty and fucked up shit to somebody. Yes. So essentially, but do what they it com- do it just because they want to do nasty fucked up shit to I, them or are, they're doing it because it's purely random because there's no indication they that, had daddy issues. Well, so it, it's 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 random that they did it to him. It's not yes. random that they are doing it to it's it's random that they did it to him as in he's just another person he should they're not connected to him he's but they knew person. they he, they yeah. did they did plan it out to him so 
it's not it's not random in the sense that they just knocked on his door randomly. Yeah, yeah. They knew that they were going to do it. To yeah, him. yeah, they essentially um, picked him out as random. They they followed. Oh, yeah, they figured it I, out. I love the like. Okay, so Jeremy says that they have daddy issues, and one thing that I love about this film is yes and no because you don't know for sure, and they do that throughout the film where where well, you, you don't, don't know anything. if you they don't know actually. Anything. If they actually, because they change their stories all the time, exactly. So you don't know if they're just crazy lunatics. If they did have issues, a uh, little bit of both. If they were raped as children, if they weren't, if they just are psychopaths. Like I like that. It's just it's just different to See, me. That's it's interesting. Like, that's exactly what I don't like about this film because I think it's just it feels like to me that it it, it doesn't know what it wants to do. It it it, it it's. It gets to a point in the film. It gets it gets to the point in the film. Well, if that's if that's if if that's the point, then you know, I mean, it's not. It's but the thing is, it's not confusing. I mean, it's easy to follow. It's like the Joker, right? It's like the Joker. Look at look at the Dark Knight. He tells you that this is his backstory. Then he tells you that this is his backstory. Then he tells you this is his backstory, and it works because it's mysterious and it's it's you know. But I perceive them right away. I perceive them as being utterly insane right from the start because um you know they claim they claim that they are flight attendants mm-hmm. and then they then they reveal something that you know they're 15 years old and i was like yeah. um you well, know the time when they say they're 15 i was like that's no there's no fucking maybe, way maybe the blonde but not the but other that's one. the thing i mean even if you were you put yourself into his foots into his yeah. foots into his into his shoes you're looking at these girls going, there's no fucking way. You're definitely over 18. Okay. I know for a okay. fact that even though, even though you guys forced yourselves on me and, and tested yeah. my will, and that's kind of the point of this film, really. It's testing someone. You know, that's how, uh-huh. I, that's how I see it, that the girls are I mean, really just testing someone's ability to, to, yeah. to hold their own in their, in, in their own situation. Like, he's a happily married man, and, they, and that's one thing that they do. Eli Roth does a great job in this film of showcasing in the, in the short mm-hmm. time with his wife and kids is that, uh, Keanu Reeves' character is madly in love with his wife. He loves his kid. He's a great a father. He's, he's a humanitarian. Humanita- he's a great person. And they do a yeah. great job of showcasing that. And the point of the film for me is, you know, to test that ability of one's strength and will. And yeah. I think that Ilarat does a great job in that sense in this. But uh-huh. I just perceive the girls right from the start as being fucking insane because. You know, if I put myself in Keanu Reeves' shoes, I'd be like, man, there's no way you're 15. You're definitely over 18. So, which leads me into this but one if where somebody even, but are you willing to, to test that theory? Right. Or if somebody tells you, you just had sex with them and that they're underage, are you willing to take that gamble? Cause I'm not, you know I, what I mean? I'm and, not willing and that's, to And that's like, part, and that's okay, part, and that's part of out. the mind fuck here. And that's totally part of the mind fuck, which totally makes sense. But I yeah. think that, you know, a 15 year old, even in today, I know a lot of people cannot tell ages of any girls yeah. nowadays. It's really hard. Like some 15 year old girls look like they're Dude, 21. It some is so 21 year girls I look swear like they're God, 15. I thought this, there was this, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but there was this hot ass girl that me and my boy were talking about and, you know, that, 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 that worked, you know, next to where we worked. And it turned out she was like, you know 16 or something like that and and yeah. clearly to us she looked you know 1920 i think yeah, i saw these girls yesterday that i thought were fucking good looking but they were in high school <laughs> it's, it's crazy i can buy it yeah, now, fuck these you. particular girls i can buy that there are girls that look 
a lot older than they are. And I do believe that there are 15-year-olds that can look 19 or 20. Oh, like These the girls, the blonde, the, the, the blonde can kind of pull it off a little bit. Honestly. Yeah, not, the, not, yeah. not Eli Ross' wife, I but the blonde I think personally, part. man, okay, so you're put into the situation. You obviously made the wrong decision of succumbing to their their seduction, right? You made this conscious decision that you're going to have a threesome with them. Because, you know, it's built Debatable. up to... It's it's also built up, right? Because it's Father's Day, and he didn't get his he didn't get his punani that day, and you know he's he's a little bit frustrated. And, and it's free pizza. I mean, they kind of raped him, to be honest. I mean, no, so they didn't. You know, but anyway, so he makes this the decision. second time she did. But I'm just saying, once they reveal that, I the second mean, time re- she did. Are you telling me the second time the blonde did not rape Keanu Reeves? Well, uh, no. I don't. Th- I don't really think that guys can be raped, honestly. Well, in a, I mean, they did in knock that him out. Way. They did not. They <laughs> did tie him up, and I mean, the thing is, even though you're tied up and you're a guy, you need to get. I mean, you're still you're still aroused no matter what, right? Like, I mean, you have a hot girl on top of you. If you're not getting a boner, you're fucking gay. I'm yeah, sorry, but <laughs> so, anyways, my point is, which. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, so th- there's this reveal, you know, after the, all the shit goes down, they reveal that, you know, oh, we're 15, we're underage, blah, blah, blah. I think I would use my better judgment. I have This is where in the film I have a hard time understanding. I'd use my better judgment and take my chance because I would never think in a million years that shit was going to go that sour and they were going to go through with contacting my wife and, you know, ruining my entire life. I'd take my chances and I'd be like, fuck you, you're a liar, you're not 15. And if you don't get the fuck out of here, I'm going to strangle you. Yeah, but they had throw those you earphones on okay, him, so, so then he was what in a you, vulnerable position. What, what are you gonna do, though? Like, if you even if you don't believe him, what are you gonna do? Well, it depends how it escalates. It really does. Well, I, I mean, mean, what, I mean, at the what, point, like, I mean, it, it but the thing like is, he, he didn't still has do a what point. he was gonna do because well, he, he believed him. Whether he believed him or didn't believe him, there wasn't really anything different. That I would have muscle. I would have muscle. I mean, when they were fucking around in the kitchen, he's like, "Hey, you guys got five minutes to get the fuck out of here." Blah blah blah. And shit's not really going. I would have been like, no, like physically grabbed him and been like, get the fuck out of here kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't want to hurt a woman. Like, I'm not going to get physical with a woman who's, you know, may or may not be 15. Even if I don't believe she is, I'm still <laughs> well, not going to get I mean, physical it with sounds her. At that bad. Point. It sounds bad to say physical, but I meant just like, you know, get manually the get them the fuck out of the house. I mean, this is his house, man. He's the man. Yeah. He should be taking charge I, I feel like he's also – he got a lot on his head right now too though. Like I, I mean your whole That's more of a reason to act life. like that though too. I would have been like – because, you know, when you have okay, a complicated so like, situation – But, but you wouldn't you think like, like, okay, what if I – what if I like – I think that his idea is I want to calmly get this to de-escalate oh, because if I – who knows? Like now that they're acting like this – like who know? What if they come back? What if they come back when my w- wife's here? I need to. I need to not get them to leave. I need to get them to leave in a calmly manner to where they're not upset and retaliate against me. Because if I just get them to leave, then it's out of my control and I don't know what's going to happen. I need to completely de-escalate the situation and get away with this thing that I did. See, I th- think that's completely his mindset. Oh, that probably that definitely is mindset right there. But I mean, in reality, would you not just take your chances and be like, "There's no way these no, bitches are coming back"? Not. Do you think? Do you honestly think these not. bitches would come back just for the sake of ruining your life for no other reason? I never knew these bitches before. See, yes. I, I wouldn't give them the credit of being that insane just to go out of their way just to ruin my life. A complete stranger for the right sake of entertainment value. Me. 
I, I find that wrong. so been insane. Wrong. That storyline is She would have came back and been like, Aaron, this is what happened. I got video proof of this. But, and then but, you would have been have, fucked. You have to assist. Meanwhile, me over here would be like, I didn't do shit. You got to scot free and you would be fucked. So you gotta, I'm right. You got to, you got to, you have to evaluate your situation though too, man. To be honest, and I'm not just saying that this because what trying to be cool or anything, but the thing is, Aaron wouldn't believe those bitches. She fucking wouldn't. She'd be like, okay, well, you're, you're fucking lucky. insane. Because, <laughs> because we trust each I other. I think so a lot tr- of other people's wives would. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. I you know she's kind of an anomaly. It's, she's a little bit different. But there, she'd be like, that's, that's fucking bullshit. If I said I didn't do the shit, she'd be like, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. I mean, it, you know, obviously a little part of anybody would be like, did you do it? I, I, like, I don't care, dude. If, if you who does that are shit? a guy. If you are a guy and you have sex with somebody and then they tell you that they are underage and they say that they are going to go get examined because there is evidence still in them, you are going to do whatever they say. Because one, that will ruin your entire life. Two, you're going to be labeled as a sex offender. Mm -hmm. Three, you're going to go to jail. Four, you're probably going to get raped in jail, which they uh, rub in his face. Five, you're going to lose your family, your friends. Your whole life is gone over, done with. So even if it's only 5% chance that they're underage, I am not taking that 5% chance. That's why you use that 5% underage. chance and you fucking bury them. You muscle them out and you fucking <laughs> bury them. I'm not, I'm not Because to be you. honest, to be honest, given the situation that he was put into, nobody fucking knows they're there. Except for yeah, maybe. but how do you know that they're not going to say anything to anybody, or they aren't going to go to the police, or that they're no? That's, you know, and, I'm and, literally talking about burying them at that oh, moment. Oh, you're when talking about killing them? Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, the fuck I else? feel like that's a little, a little, a little much. harsh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could commit murder after. But dude, they're you know, being... trying to fuck you over by saying, exactly, hey, I'm underage but... and I've got little spermies in me, and but, it's like, dude, what the fuck? I, are you kidding I me? also know that if I. Like there is massive amounts of evidence of them, so when they inevitably do find the body, I've seen many episodes of Forensic Files, and they're somehow <laughs> going to get. Well, here we go. What is Forensic Files? I am files going to go to jail again. for murder, and I don't want to because I know it is extremely hard to get away with murder, and I would fuck it up. I know I would. I know I would. I would never kill it's somebody actually, because I would. Fuck it up. It's actually not that hard, especially Maybe given- up there in Canada where the police and forensics aren't as good. I completely oh, understand, dude. Down it's... here in America, where the forensics are top notch and the science is next level. And next generation and best in the world and, Dude, we and have, stuff like that. We have the same we technology. Would we do get caught down here. We, we have the same technology, and trust me, it you know people don't get away with much here. But but I'm you're just, you're, I'm just Mr. Big Badass is going to have sex with two girls and get their uh, female vaginal fluid all over the place, <laughs> and then he's going to murder them and bury them in his backyard no, when the, a moose sticks. See, that's off, how you get caught. That's how you come, get caught. And then they're like, "Hey, why is there?" these girls in your backyard we're gonna have to <laughs> search them. that's the first problem towels. right there you don't put you don't kill women Dude, I and was then fucking... bury them in your backyard given the situation and nobody knowing that they're there you kind of have a one-up in that situation but that's just because they Get told you the nobody knows that they're there and you already established that these women are complete fucking liars so you don't know that nobody knows they're there I might take my chances at that point. It's either ruin my damn life or get rid Clearly of the Clearly a taxi bitches. dropped them off there. So whenever the police eventually find That's their bodies. That's never shown, it, though. Well, they, I mean, they they, they could have. They, they, they honestly that. they honestly could have walked. We have never shown. <laughs> but that is true, though. That is true. 
we were never told or we were never shown that they actually took a cab. They lied or they oh, said they true. did. But I mean, then that's even worse if they didn't take a cab because people probably seen them walking. Well, that would explain why they were so damn wet. I mean, they were fu- it looked like they came out of a shower for Christ's sake, man. First of all, yeah. who in the fuck Their lets hips. in two hot bitches in your house? To show up at your house oh, dude, at 1.30 in the morning. Oh, let's... come on, dude. This is rich. I know Jeremy would because, you know, he probably needs to have two dude, hot I bitches would, in his house. I, I 100%, you would not, dude, you would I've not let put people in my in house. Either. I wouldn't I've let, let them in. I shut up at my house at I night. Swear, guys. To, I swear to goddamn God, the first thing I noticed when they, when they arrived at the door is that they didn't have jackets. And it seemed weird to me. It's pissing rain. Like, I mean buckets of rain and they don't have jackets it seems a little weird to me yeah but that's because it's cold up in canada where you live in in, in well, la it's probably I also, not cold but i don't think people walk around with jackets i also got much. home invaded when i was a kid though too so i mean i have this this is why i'm afraid of yeah exactly i'm not shit. afraid of being home invaded because <laughs> am, they'll probably just get their head blown off if they decide to home invade me but i'm telling you right now if those two <laughs> girls want to home house. invade me they could come in my house all they want, no. and um, I, it would, even if it ended, I ended up in the situation like Mr. Keanu Reeves here, I would probably still debate on whether it was worth it or not because those <laughs> chicks are pretty damn hot. But it's no, in all seriousness, um, I think a lot of people would uh, let them in. You know, they look harmless enough to me. Like I feel like I could beat I them up. I know the stereotype <laughs> of Canada is that every kid would let them in the house, but that's bullshit. That is a total <laughs> stereotype, and it doesn't happen. To be honest, yeah. it seems fishy. It is fucking pissing. It's cold outside. And two hot girls in skimpy clothes show up my It house. also probably seems fishy because you're in a horror movie. Well, you know no, 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 no. But movie. also what they – it's in dialogue though too. They did say, hey, um, do you know – or we're looking for whatever the house was, like the, the Stoker yeah. house or whatever the fuck it was. I mean – I know where he is. He is set in a white suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And a lot of these people do know their neighbors because they're nosy, rich fucking people. And they just. Yeah, kind and of, he even he even says that he never heard of them. And, so. I know. And that's, See, what that's, I was that's my point. Out, that's my point right there. What I was weirded out about was that scene with the with the massage lady. Like that that scene seemed really pointless to me. What like scene? it really where the massage lady oh, knocked showed on up the at door. The house? Yeah. Like, that didn't really go anywhere. It really didn't do anything. Like, she didn't fucking tell his wife or anything. So it's like... Well, you don't know that she wasn't going to. She probably was eventually. It's a pointless scene, in my opinion. I don't think so. I think that it. I think that it just is another scene of of him feeling really uncomfortable and it raveling out of control and it getting worse and worse because now somebody fucking knows that that I, I was with these two. But hot does girls. she need to know? Like, what do you mean? Does she need to know? She, it, she the reason showed, she knows is because it makes Keanu Reeves squirm and make his life more. To, it's another form of torture for him, right? It's another. It's n- another bad thing happening to him. Sure. Okay. So getting back to Ke- Keanu Reeves' character, man, I actually, I actually like his character in this film, dude. Even, even, I even, love even him. though, because you know why? <laughs> I could honestly not buy. I mean, I can't relate to the, him letting the girls in because I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But everything else about Keanu Reeves reminded me of myself. It was kind of interesting, man. Cause yeah, I, with like the music stuff and the vinyl. Yeah, and, like, well, the, what, what, that establishing shot in the beginning of the film where, you know, it's yeah, outside the overhead. I think that's overhead, Ross. And it uh-huh. fucking, next, to the, uh, next to Ross shot in Hostel with the, with the long shot of the, the rubble factory. Okay. This is probably his best shot is the... It's the way he moves the camera down the hallways and around corners and it's, things it's like, like that. The, it's like the longest best looking movie. Yeah, it's like the longest opening 
uh, establishing shot, like, you know, we got the overhead and then it goes into the house and then, and it tells a story in the opening or in the, uh, yeah. the establishing shot. It's showing all the yeah. pictures and it's showing how lovey this family is and there's no issues and stuff, but it's also showing what he is about too. And he's, you know, it shows his, uh, not only his vinyl turntables, but it shows in his other room where he does his work, he's got, uh, a CD decks too and shit and i was like that's so fucking cool man i'm like I gotta yeah he actually right kind, of, of kind of reminded me of you of like the shit that you're into yeah, and stuff, i'm but... literally sitting in the middle of that stuff right now talking about it and i was like this, this is i'm like i also i also i just loved him i was like this guy's awesome and plus he's yeah, an architect the reason... i always wanted to be an architect yeah. but i can't even draw a stick man <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that i like about him is he actually like okay in movies like characters are movified sometimes but in this movie eli or uh sorry keanu reeves feels like a goofball dad like he truly feels like a genuine real person where he's just kind of a he's an awkward like goofball dad and he's not like a movie dad he's like a a actual dad where he's just like this awkward dude who's like has these two hot girls in there so he does and he does try to turn it down which you know is very nice of him and, and very appropriate monster, monster. I, yeah <laughs> when, when he like because yeah that is cringy and it's cringy because yeah, that's yeah. what dads do they are cringy dude you know what i mean it's so true man like i have buddies that are like the coolest people and then when they're around their kids they're total fucking idiot losers yeah. you're just like why like yeah. i don't even know you right now man like you're talking to yeah. your kid like he's three <laughs> it's like what the <laughs> fuck is going on here man it's weird how people act around their kids it's, it's very different dude one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when eli Roth, or fuck i keep saying eli roth sorry keanu reeves is like they're like how many people you know won this game or something or he's, he's like none he's like he's like you're gonna kill me you're literally gonna kill me yeah. <laughs> and he goes into that thing because it is crazy it's like it's like dude I, like it's so insane that you're talking about killing somebody right now yeah. over this and that's then a pretty he starts interesting way to fucking lose somebody's hearing that's yeah. a pretty original like just put on loud and noxious sound like yeah, and, and actually flips out though, man. and he's like, "You fucking fucking bitches, you motherfucker!" Like, it's the like I literally love that scene. It's so amazing because he like just starts see. tripping balls. I'm pretty sure that was all fucking ad lib too. I think he just it went felt to like town. it. It felt like because it really he, did. You can tell that he's kind of thinking. He's like, "You fucking cunt, fucking." It, it bitch. just felt so fucking natural. Like you could truly feel the fresh. You could. Sh- the frustration in that moment where if you truly put yourself in his position like you are your stress and anxiety levels are so heightened at this point you're so angry like you can't get out and kill these bitches at this moment you're tied down you can't do anything but threaten them and you just want adam so bad because they're literally going to ruin and destroy your life your kids are going to hate you your wife's going to leave you everybody's going to think you're a fucking scumbag and you really didn't do anything wrong but have a little bit of free pizza because it was too hard to turn away because it's free pizza damn it and it's right in front of you oh dude i actually i love that dynamic of this film the torturing and the poor keanu reeves who we can all relate to we can all put ourselves in his position and you know obviously i'm not married jeremy hasn't even touched a girl's leg and you know so we don't have the perspective (laughs) that moods has that you know and, having the wife and kids and stuff like that but i can imagine it i can imagine how and you scared know i would be that they would find out and i'm glad you brought that up because that was actually something i had written down was 
I was very interested to see the perception on this film because us three being in very different levels of relationships in our lives, right? Like, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've had, I if had you want to call it a relationship. I had I lots of, I had, you know, my fair share of girlfriends before I got married. I've been with, been with my wife for 14 years and, you know, JP, you've had girlfriends. I don't think anything too serious. So you're, that's a different level. And Jeremy just is Jeremy. He hasn't done anything. But that's three different perspectives of yeah. this situation. It's interesting to see how everyone kind of perceived everything. Yeah, you know? my anxiety flies up. I just think of something oh, else. Like, dude, you have, let's, okay. say, let's say I did something that I really regretted, right? And then everybody found out about it. Like it would I, – I would fucking have to move away or something. I would just not be able to handle it, right? Like I wouldn't want that to happen to me. So I kind of just compare it to that. <laughs> And I truly think that your life is so fucked if you're caught in this situation. You have no right? idea. Especially if they are minors. See, for you're me, so watch, for me watching it, I was thinking, holy fuck, dude, the, the fucking divorce. You're going to have to split the house. This fuck, he's going to lose this. Is that like, I, that's the shit I was thinking about, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Shit. So the question is, does his wife believe him? Believe him what? Do you believe that his wife believes Dude, he's he fucked. Didn't do anything. Well, the kids, he's even, fucked. Even I like how they said it. The house is all fucked up. And Dude, I love game. the ending of this movie so much. I and actually I, the, like the, the setup the, to the end the of the When the song film. kicks on and it's going through the house and there's dicks and vaginas drawn on everything. And it's just this mess. This pure. I think you don't think oh, that she dude. would believe that something no. fishy was going on. Well, because it's a nice setup in the big, beginning of the film. He jokes about having a party with his buddies, you know, his drinking yeah. party. Yeah. And then they, they come home to that. And it, the kid's like, Daddy had a party. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's super fucked because there's a video. There's a goddamn video. Yeah, and everybody's seeing it. And, you know, there's, it's funny. There's actually a scene where the guy comes to pick up the sculpture. sculpture and if you look when he's talking to the girls, there's a giant vagina drawn on the back wall. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. just giant vagina and labias and all. They tagged and up that st- house, man, <laughs> everywhere. You know, I, I have to say, though, man, while watching that film, because I have, like, like I have pretty bad OCD, man. Like, I don't like clutter. And, like, beginning Dude, of the scene, even before uh-huh, the wife and the kids uh-huh. left, I'm, like, looking at the kitchen going, uh-uh, motherfucker can't live like that. Dude, I, I was I getting anxiety not, so bad with how I, destroyed the house was getting. I know, man. Like, it I was can't just live like that, man. Me. <laughs> like, the one, the one, I mean, my house is really clean all the time, but my kitchen, <laughs> I can't even have a cup on the counter. I get so... I just thought I mean, about I'm it not, and shit. I'm, I'm looking at the messy, kitchen. I'm looking at the like kitchen going. I don't like other people create messes. They're fucking, there's clutter everywhere. And then as yeah. the film progresses, the girls are fucking shit up. And when they start breaking the records, can you yeah. imagine oh, my I, level? Because oh, I'm literally going, go no, you're not doing that. And then she's like fucking with the tables. And I'm like, no. And I was very uncomfortable. Like it was killing yeah. me watching that shit, man. So yeah dude I, I love the performances all around in this movie i thought the blonde absolutely did knit like she is so sexy and she just has this well, you should see like the accent movie. and the uh, i prefer you know, the other chick the the, the yeah, one from too. the green inferno i think she's way better I, I think she's hot too but that's i just wife, something you know about the accent yeah i do yeah he, he, knows. he knows that that's too. what's that oh well, sorry everything i say fucking this review i just guys just keep talking no what did you say jeremy no, I didn't, i'm I didn't pretty sure that he that's ross wife yeah 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 okay yeah i'm pretty sure we talked about that back on the uh top 10 show yeah but yeah uh, what, uh, uh, did you want to say something else jeremy i'm sorry i didn't mean no. to cut you off or no that's okay but 
I think that like I don't know, man. I, I I really like this movie. I really do. Like it's I think that it I think people like hate it for unjustifiably i think i mean jeremy says it's a little boring to him i wasn't bored because the whole time i'm on the edge of my seat thinking like well, how the fuck would i explain this how would i get out of this you know how would yeah you know I, and, and <laughs> i get that but i just wasn't i wasn't overly impressed with how they were fucking with him like uh, you know the the headphone thing kind of old after it, a while. it annoyed me or like i was like oh damn that that's fucked up man because that would kill me right to go deaf, like music is my life. I'm like that would that's fucked up. But like that game just went on and on, and I was like, oh my god. And it was things like that. I just thought maybe they could have fucked with him a little bit more. See, cooler, I, I guess. That, I don't know. Maybe thought uh, of different I was, things. I, I was. I'm with you on that, right? And I'm thinking like of all these different ways they could have messed with him. But I think the point of this wasn't to actually hurt him physically. It's not to destroy. You know, to hurt him, to torture him. It's to torture him in a way of taking everything that he cares about away from him. Yeah, which yeah, is I get that. maybe yeah. more torturous than the physical pain you feel. Re- you know, ha- receive from having something blaring in your ear and going deaf. I think losing everything that you built, everything that you care about, everything that you truly I, love, I, is I, like I, the ultimate form of torture. I took that away. I took. I got that from the film too that it was more about the mental torture because i mean essentially yeah. they could they could like, i don't think they ever were gonna kill him like i don't yeah. think that is the yeah. intention it's to it's to leave him and fucked. uncle what's it's, his the the black guy that comes uncle dude his reaction man when <laughs> after they fucked up that sculpture when he reacts yeah. to it, he's like what he wasn't the having any of it what the fuck and he's like man dude he, i literally busted out laughing so fucking hard when he said when he realizes he's like what the fuck he's like i know he some is, fucking hoes when I'm, I'm from oakland i know some hoes when i see him he, he is he is the he is the friend from that. he's the friend from get out yeah. just in this movie yeah, yeah like yeah. that's the only Somebody reason why he's last night yeah with, totally uh, leprechaun back to the hood there's like that's that dude's friend from get out i know some yeah. hoes when i see him i'm from oakland bitch it's <laughs> like the best shit ever but you know yeah. but then again the problem with that scene is that it became super cliched you know, that like, scene was 100 percent cliche it's so yeah. bad like i mean dude has asthma and then they steal his inhaler and he died like fuck like it was shit like, like what is this how world wait, did, didn't you just say you, wait what didn't you say something about that the other day jeremy yeah, like, what did what, you say did eli roth watch hell world and get inspired that people are gonna <laughs> die from not having an inhaler yeah, exactly. <laughs> i've seen that before though i feel like i've seen it in more than just hell world yeah well it was super prominent in hell world though it's like <gasps> you drop this inhaler down the fucking vent it's gonna the die inhaler type death thing i remember is from uh uh nightmare on elm street what is it parts four four yeah with the black girl yeah that's what i actually shared with jeremy yeah yeah so (laughs) um yeah so that i'm with you on that that's cliche and you know there's a few scenes in this film where you're like oh like i could have got away in that situation or like i feel like i could have or like i could have you know turned it on him here beat him up here so there are a few of those moments in the film uh which are annoying but i I feel like that's hey moods or hookers calling (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, fuck. Imagine. Yeah, so. I the phone ringing. Sorry. The hell was that? Was that you? That was that was my phone. Oh, I, I thought it was me. I was going to make a funny joke. I, I don't have a house phone. 
Yeah. Nobody like, could phone I, into you from your house. Nobody, nobody can make any calls, man. No, only, only cell phones. Only cell phones, man. But I, I think that the, my favorite part of this movie is the ending. Like, I love the, you know, the Facebook thing. And then the way that the final shot just goes through the house with the music. As soon as the music kick on. Totally, with the totally influenced from uh, so Motel what? Hell. That ending. So funny. Oh, yeah. And Barry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with, his, with, the, with his head sticking out of the ground like that. What did, uh. you, what did you guys think of, you know, the scene where he actually drops the girls off? Obviously at a at a fake address and they just book their way off to the park and then make their way back kind of thing. What did you guys think of that whole sequence? Uh, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, it, it felt like it just kind of prolonged everything. I don't I know. I think that it was to establish that like, you know, but I think we already know they're going to go. Yeah. I think that, like, no, no. I mean, for like Evan to, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, think he's safe but he's not yeah like i i, I just to of, give him that false kind of that, uh, that false sense of relief like yeah. you know i'm still i'm still not out of the woods yet but you know i i i have time to clean my kitchen yeah it's just another way to to, to fuck with him mentally i mean that's yeah. what i took from it yeah, yeah it felt yeah, like yeah. it just kind of prolonged it i was like well you know i mean it's so extreme right to to actually drive him across the city and then drop him off at this fake address i was like eh, you know it's okay yeah but these these bitches are insane. White bitches be insane. <laughs> yeah, man. But um, I bet yeah. you that shot. I bet you all the crotch shots in that shower scene was totally Ross crotch. How would you want to bet? I can't think of that. I don't know what it in, is. In when the they're what? fucking in, when they're fucking in the shower and his wife is grabbing supposedly Keanu Reeves crotch and it's like a close up of her hand on his crotch. I bet you that's totally fucking Eli Ross crotch. No, I never even thought of that actually. Do you think, do you think think he gets that hands on with his, (laughs) with his films? No, I just think that I don't want my wife touching another dude's package. Well, I mean, she is in a movie, (laughs) but we can't see it though. Either. She doesn't have to be touching it. I think Jeremy's just saying that because he's like, this is the only wife I'm ever going to get. I was lucky enough to get her in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Uh, you, JP. I haven't said fuck you, JP, the entire show. You actually haven't, haven't, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I want to see Death Game now, though. Yeah, I'm curious. What's that? Is it like out on DVD? I, I swear it might only have a VHS release. I think it's yeah. one of those type of films, but hmm. Uh, you know it's weird, man. While I was watching this film, the person I felt, you know, felt for the most was his wife. Not in the aspect of him, you know, cheating on her and stuff. Was all of her fucking art was getting fucked up, man. Yeah. All that time that she put into it, I was like. Ah, that she's like an innocent. Because she was not only fucking up his life. Yeah, she was. She she was fucking up his wife's life after she left him. So it's just like because well, all this artwork would have been money that now she doesn't have. But she was getting a fancy um, showcase. Yeah. Right. So that I mean, it's just was, the, the element. They were fucking is, up her life just as much as they were fucking up his life. Yeah. They <laughs> totally were, man. So it, it says here that um, VCI released it back in two thousand four on dvd 
and then it was the film was acquired by Grindhouse Releasing in 2010. Does, did they release that, or did it never come out? No, they didn't release it. Wow, that sucks. You could still get it on DVD. Okay. So it has a VCI. Well, that sucks. I bet you the aspect ratio is all fucked up on that. They said it's never been released in widescreen in the U.S. Okay, so it's in full. That's probably a good thing because VCI fucks up their widescreen shit. Anyway, ratings. Jeremy, or who went first last? Seven. Well, he went first again. Um, Okay, I'll go second again, I guess. Uh I actually really like this movie. It did make my top 10 of 2015. It came in at number seven, actually. Um, I like it even more this time watching it. So both films went up in my opinion, but I like this one way more the second time watching it. Uh, So uh, coming in at 8.5 out of 10 on Knock Knock. Jeremy, what did you rate it? A seven. Seven. Oh, you got seven? Um... Yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't mind the movie, but I definitely was not. Well, the way you talked about it sounded like you really liked it. Just saying. I was was pointing out things. I was pointing out things. Um, It it definitely has its its moments, that's for sure. It's pretty interesting. I mean, Keanu Reeves at times. I mean, I don't know if I really bought his performance completely. There, There was moments in the film where... I don't know if it was intentional to be cringeworthy or if that was just the way I was interpreting it. I'm just not used to hearing him saying, like, cock and shit. <laughs> but, I mean, that scene, there was there was actually moments. I don't know if I was laughing at what he was saying or if it was if I was laughing at the delivery of what he was saying. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just Keanu Reeves' natural tone. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but he just he says things funny. But I will say one thing. Keanu Reeves has the worst beard, beard? ever. Yep. <laughs> that guy I agree. for a fully grown man it looks, in his mid-40s listen, it looks he, like my beard when I grow a beard it looks exactly like Keanu Reeves so I don't a beard. baseball out of it, <laughs> like it yeah me like too a... that's me too <laughs> <laughs> that's why I can't that's why I don't try it but yeah 100% well, I, don't look, even I think even on the poster yet, so. I think on the poster they even touched it up to make it look more full because it's not I don't think that it's that full <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I don't know, man. It's okay. I, I can't see myself really going back to it, man. I, I felt my... I, I just... I was so uncomfortable watching the film for, I guess, personal reasons and stuff, but it's an alright film. I mean, I'm coming in a 6.5 out of 10. I didn't love it. I didn't love uh, it. I love this movie. I'm disappointed. I just... I, I, I was really... Like I, I was really hoping the girls were just gonna... I don't know, man. It's just... I don't know. I just I just wanted a little bit more from them and mm. their actions and what they were doing and stuff. I mean, that was kind of my biggest um, my biggest gripe with them. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate the mental torture. I guess that's where I, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I get really stressed out about you know bad things like that. You know, people thinking that you're a fucking pedophile or something like that. That shit really scares me. Um, you know that that would be awful. Like, could you imagine getting tricked in in the first place with think you know having sex with somebody and then they're like one of my biggest find out there. one of my biggest problems uh, with the so film is scary. that I just me I would have never put myself in that position. And I'm not just saying that because oh, yeah. yeah I'm fucking better than them, but I would never let them in the house. I just wouldn't have trusted them. Nobody yeah. ever opens up their door to two hot young wet 
girls. When your yeah, wife and do. kids are out Everybody in town, does. no. When, the only one, you, when your wife and kids are, when this, your wife bro. and kids, when you're, no, I'm just saying, it doesn't happen. You would never. That situation would never happen. So it's unlikely. But like, your wife and kids are out of town, and you're working alone, and too hot, wet girls are at your door at one thirty <laughs> in the morning. That shit doesn't happen. That's ridiculous. Even I, you know, but nobody lets them in. <laughs> You just live in bumfuck nowhere, JP, so. <clears throat> what do you mean? I don't live in bumfuck nowhere. I mean, people aren't ringing my door to come it's in. It's tempting. Nowhere. Every guy in their right mind would be like, man, I would love to be the meat in that sandwich. But <laughs> there is consequences. Yep. Don't cheat, people. Don't cheat. That's that's why you don't cheat right there. Or do. I don't know. I'm still kind of tossing in the air which one's worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, by daytime, Paul Curry's a surgeon, and at nighttime, he goes out into the streets cleaning them up as this character that has become known in pop culture as the Grim Reaper. He wears a, a hoodie. Dr. Curry wears a hoodie to cover his head so people see him, and someone refers to him as the, the Grim Reaper, and the phrase goes viral, and that's what they're calling him, despite the police's best efforts to stop it. Moving along to the last film. Uh for tonight's Eli Roth extravagant, I can't talk. Um, Director for Hire. 2018's remake, Death Wish. This, this film had been talked about being remade for like 10 years. Starring yeah. Bruce Willis, of all people. Still to this day, I cannot believe that Bruce Willis <laughs> is playing Paul Kersey in this film. It's, I don't know what it is. It just, He's it's, supposed to be a real douchebag. I just can't believe Whatever. that Bruce Willis is in an Eli Roth. It just blows my mind. Um, Elizabeth Shue actually plays uh, Bruce Willis's wife, and she was like a she was like a mm -hmm. childhood dream of mine. I loved Elizabeth Shue, and I still do. She's fucking hot in this movie for the short period that we get to see her. Oh, yeah. But she is good looking still, and I will I will give it to her on that one. Um, Death Wish. If you guys don't know what the synopsis is here, I'll read it off. <laughs> Dr. Paul Kersey. He's a doctor in this film. I think in the original film, he's a architect? Yeah, he's something. I think he's he's an wor he works for a company, not a doctor. No, I think he's an architect, actually. Um, mm. If I memory serves. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, Dr. Paul Kersey is an exper experienced trauma surgeon, a man who has spent his life savings. <laughs> what? A, a man who has spent his life savings. Where? Okay, I'm just when was this. that ever talked about in a movie from spending his life saving? It's actually not. That's sick. fucking stupid. After an attack hmm? on his family, Paul embarks on his own mission for justice. Wow. That's why. Why I did he ever say he was broke? But he wasn't broke, though. That's I know. That's the weird thing. So I don't. Again. Where did it, yeah. I was wondering what the hell you're talking about there. Well, it's not yeah. me talking. I'm just reading what <clears throat> is in front well, of me. Oh, yeah. Here. I know that. But yeah, no, like, no, that's why I stopped. I was, that's why I literally read it again. I was like, a man who huh. spent his life savings, that doesn't happen in the film. So scratch that out of the plot. <laughs> that does not happen, people. It's He's a experienced trauma surgeon who has something crazy happen to him. If you're not familiar with the original Death Wish, in this film, it's played out a little different than the original Death Wish. In the original film, uh, architect Kersey... Um, comes home to have his uh, wife murdered and his daughter severely raped. Who then later dies, I believe. Yeah, she later dies. Um, and then this film, um, so some, you know, he's at work one night. It's, uh, I think it's actually his birthday, right? 
Yeah, it's it's, ber- yeah. it's it's his birthday, and he's at work. He's a surgeon. He gets called into work. Yeah, because he got called in on his birthday, which yeah. sucks. So he's supposed to, he's day. supposed to go out for dinner with his wife and his child and his girl, um, and uh, he gets called into work, and these guys break into his house, and ultimately, what what, what, what kind of masks were they wearing? They looked fucking they stupid. They were like people masks. Yeah, yeah they looked, they, st- I thought like, they looked kind of creepy. I like couldn't like real figure I, out I like what was on their faces. They, they look like they're just people. They're like skin toned like face like it's supposed to look like a face but it's you know to hide your face yeah it's it's very off-putting because you really cannot make out yeah. features when it's kind of off-putting like that i think that's i might have to watch it again so yeah. these guys break into the, his house when he's gone the wife gets murdered and the daughter gets severely hurt in this robbery attempt yeah so of course he embarks on some vigilante ism and that's that's the story, man. I mean, everyone yeah. knows Death Wish. So yeah, I mean, the first thing I noticed in the film was it's it's not as extreme as the original one. I mean, you know, with the rape I mean, and th- oh, this one isn't. Yeah, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't yeah, have. Okay, the rape. So, it doesn't have the rape. And yeah, th- this one is more extreme in him violence. killing the people, and less yeah. extreme in the um, attack on his family. Yeah. Yeah. True that. Which is kind of weird, right? No, it, uh, like, no, I noticed that. I noticed that too. I, I thought the attack on the family was was pretty soft, actually. You know, the way it kind of goes. It, it was. It was very soft, but yeah. it also had a little bit more of emotion to it than than the because uh, you're you're you have a little bit more of character development. Like you understand oh, these time. characters by yeah. this point. In the original, it's just like almost like nameless, like random people you're kind of mm-hmm. yeah, introduced yeah. to when the vi- violence happens this one that's when what... the shot when the camera goes outside and you see the, the the gunshot pretty powerful honestly i was thinking you know like damn you know that that's fucked up um the original you're seeing like sort of a rape which is kind of fucked up but there is an attempted rape in this one too um mm-hmm. so it still kind of had that there yeah yeah it's I, th- I think that's what a lot of people were referring to that oh eli roth bitched out because there is a temp there and it doesn't really kind of full mm-hmm. kind of doesn't go through with it and stuff but i mean it's not as well, easy to do all, nowadays eli, eli roth, eli roth did not bitch out because he yeah. didn't write this film yeah um so that's one thing we do have to keep in mind when everybody keeps talking about you know his choices in this film this is more of a director for hire thing yeah. true that actually that is true that film. is true but i didn't you know i was speaking for other people there too because i kept hearing yeah. oh eli roth bitched out about the shit but that is a good thing to note that he did not write this film he directed it let me ask you this though did this film need a rape scene or do you think the point was delivered no, it uh, doesn't. It doesn't need a rape because, scene. I mean, because if your argument is the rape scene would make it more emotional, well, I'd argue that this is already more emotional than the original to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it so, doesn't. It doesn't need a rape scene. It's just, it just if you if you're going for a gritty kind of real dirty feeling type setup, maybe yeah, you go which that this route. This isn't that movie. No, because this uh, one's a very elegant kind of soft setup, and you get to polished. know you get it's to definitely polished. You get to know the characters, yeah. man. You get to know Elizabeth Shoes, you know, his his but wife and his daughter. Has- it still has Eli Ross signature style to with it. The, with the like way that like a couple of people are dispatched, I'd say yeah, yeah kind of little f- Eli Roth flair in there. Like like uh, when he's fucking gluing or putting that acid in that guy's leg, like you don't yeah. really see that close. That's up not of, gonna be in another, you know, <laughs> somebody else's. Not yeah, because we don't really see like close up uh, flesh cutting that much. Uh-huh. 
I've noticed that, but that was like really like a, a close up shot of him like <laughs> slicing that guy's leg and like putting that shit in there. Like you don't really see that that often. So you definitely have Eli Ross signature extreme stuff in there. So I yeah. do, I do really like the way this film kind of develops this stuff. It's you know you get that. Uh, you, wow, you, you get know that Matt Will Smith was considered for this role at first. <laughs> wow, dude, that would have been so different. <laughs> so you get this, you know, you have this emotional attachment to the characters already, which is which is really cool. That would have been shit cast because I think that you know that's important in vigilante films because you need to have that connection to kind of justify the actions after because. You know, the social commentary in the film, of course, again, which is brought up many, many times with, mm-hmm. you know, with all the radio spots and stuff, with the real people. Uh, yeah, like Sway, like, Sway in the morning, yeah. Yeah, like Sway yeah, in the morning. I, I, I listen I to Sway all the time. I, li- I listen to Sway yeah, all the time. Too. And I love how they Fuck got them man, to do these. Cow. I love how they got, uh, you know, these guys to do these spots and stuff. But it is the ever, la- the ever long question, you know, about vigilantism. Is it, uh, is mm-hmm. he a hero or is he not? Is he just a criminal yeah. kind of thing? And me personally, man, I'm on the hero part because if someone fucks my family up, I'm coming after you. I don't give a You're shit. I think I think you should get a free pass on that shit, man. Because <laughs> I mean, I understand. That, I mean, the bigger picture of vigilante. If everybody did this, it would just create mm-hmm. havoc, and you know, you'd have a we fucking have war zone. Exactly. It causes problems. But, you know, in isolated situations, you know, if you have one person, but I do like the fact that Eli Roth even showed that the results of people trying to imitate and stuff where that dude like walks up to that guy, like raping the girl in the or attacking the girl in the um, in the alley and just gets fucking capped out, (laughs) you know, so he did a good job with that and stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man, I don't know. I actually kind of. I enjoyed the film. I, it's I a didn't... fun movie. Like it's not like it's not going to be like a movie like you're going to go and be like, "Wow, that movie blew my mind." But if you go in there just like strangers and be like, "Oh, this is a fun, crazy ass action movie," it's like it's, so, it's fun Jeremy, and it, it delivers the goods. Let me ask you something. Since the movie was you know based and shot in Chicago, what did you think about the you know the the static that caught, they captured? I only caught one thing that was wrong i told jp this i know, I know one, that was there's no gun shops in chicago proper and that fucking ad said chicago illinois on it so that shit's wrong yeah but besides it, that it was pretty it's pretty accurate it's they got quite, the neighborhood names right and and i mean is is the pilsen is it, the one in the neighborhood it's like it's not it's not it, that isn't that bad. kind of funny that they it's don't sell guns me. in chicago yet it's one of the most deadliest cities in the world not yeah it is it's the most deadly city in north america man they they have okay they've already had close to how many murders this year in two months let me go to hey now jackass it's fucked up man and you can't buy guns there though they've had more murders in chicago in the first two months of 2018 apparently than we've had in the last isn't that years ironic in canada as a country all right hey jackass has that 101 people have died in 2018 451 have been shot so 101 people have been that's fucking so, in one city Six people have been killed this week, and thirty-six people have been shot this week. <laughs> it's just, it, it's incredible. But yeah. that's actually it's something that I'm glad that you noticed, Jeremy, because I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I would have never thought, you know. I mean, just you know that. I any mean, you could buy guns like around Chicago, but like yeah, yeah, obviously, props Chicago proper. Yeah, but outside the municipality of Chicago, 
you yeah you can't buy those. yeah exactly yeah. so um, yeah it's crazy i mean but i love the opening shots of this film right like is that what you w- could have worked on the opening shots yeah all the like the uh helicopter yeah. shots that shit's beautiful man all three of these films that's the common that's the common denominator the great establishing shots yeah <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah they um, were fucking flying helicopters and it was insane yeah. <laughs> all those buildings and they were fucking flying like helicopters down like the middle of them and <laughs> yeah it was insane but so i mean i, I think pretty- that i think that like some of the things that i liked and disliked about the movie um i felt like the villains were a little like i guess not developed well like i I feel like the last one is kind of you know got a little bit but i i I wish they would have been more spent more time with them to kind of make them more despicable yeah they they kind of killed his his wife and stuff like that which makes them bad people but to really make them like villainous i think would have been cool to be honest though like random criminals to be honest though this is a very stereotypical driven narrative to any action film or vigilante film ever. I don't think there's ever been any great character development within villains in these type of films. I mean, this is exactly what I expected was going to happen. And and this is what I got. So I wasn't disappointed in that level. I was just disappointed in the, the, the tropes of, you know, convenience. I I thought maybe that they would try to get out of like the whole convenience of, you know, the, like how he, like how he figures out who was involved with the murders. You know, that dude arrives in at the uh, at the hospital shot and uh-huh. he notices that his watch is on his wrist. I mean, he just happens yeah. to come into that hospital on the night that he's working and he happens to be the OR doctor. It's convenient. At that it's, it's, it's called convenient writing. And it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's kind of cringeworthy to see that. Like I looked over at Dylan. I was like, oh, God, that's so crazy. It's so just they couldn't think of a better way for him to figure this out. I mean. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cringe worthy. I didn't. Bit. I didn't actually have a problem with that, honestly. Really? Because that's, um, that's something that you would totally usually bitch about. That convenience is insane. Well, I mean, they. I feel what like they the set chances? it up. They foreshadowed it well. Um, I mean, what well, are the chances? I don't know how many. How many? This really guy think. lives near him, right? They, the people the who broke driver. into the house. Because yeah, he so, that so he's, he's the valley driver. Yeah, he's near that area, right? He gets shot in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just saying everything has to work out perfectly. Like he has to be working. He has to come into his OR. He has to be working that case for all those things just to happen, just to figure out, Oh, this guy's connected with my family's murder. Well, yeah. I mean, I doubt he would be working at that point in time anyway. You know what I mean? Like after your wife's killed, I don't think you go back to work right away. Um, but yeah, yeah prob- I mean, I guess, not. I guess it's a little convenient. I honestly don't know how anybody likes action films to begin with because that's all they are is convenient. <laughs> um, I literally, I have like a huge, I, but I don't a like trope action. of like old ones and shit. Like I just thought maybe they would try to, you know, do something a little bit better with a storyline. It's 2018. I mean, we've seen this type of film a million times. It was fine in 1984 when you're watching some shit, but it's 2018. You figured just. Yeah. You'd have I mean, a I little still, bit better of a reveal. I've I've not seen one that's not like this. Um, you know what I mean? But I don't watch a ton of them either. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't like that shit. I wish I wish they would draw like that's my biggest problem with action films is that they're always convenient. Um but yeah, so I mean I guess I didn't really think about it or else I would have had a problem with it. I, I guess <laughs> I just didn't 
I was just like, I just figured it was, I don't know. I just didn't think twice about it for some reason. Um, but I know that, um, I think that like some of the stuff that I did like about it though, was I thought they did a good job of making, um, the character, Bruce Willis's character, not seem like a badass and then become more of a badass. I thought that they did a pretty good job with that because he, you know, slowly progresses and, and becomes a little bit more badass. Um, I love the setting in this one. I thought it was pretty cool to set it in Chicago versus New York. Uh, well, they I think it's pretty that, relevant right now. I, so. I do kind of like that setup, though, too. Yeah, because, I mean, but th- let, let's face it, man. He's a doctor. He's not a, you know, he's definitely doesn't have a violent bone in his body. But, but uh, and it showcases, too. I think he, when he's with the father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And the father-in-law takes out the guns and just starts shooting away at fucking poachers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it's like yeah. a scene like that is like holy shit, man, that's fucking crazy. It, I mean, there's that a shit scene happens early on too, where that, there's a guy who's like, you know, t- talking shit at the baseball game, which is totally happens all the time. Yeah, especially here. <laughs> yeah, um, the parents get out of hand and stuff like that. I mean, dude, that I don't, I don't I this was Jeremy, I don't. Is it like that in in Canada moods? Like constantly there's fights at baseball games and and children's sports because parents got to talk shit about kids <laughs> you know what man? there used to be and i grew up with that in my in my day that was a big thing um but i'm not even joking you and you guys are gonna laugh at this but uh in order for me and the wife to be present in a hockey arena to watch our kid play hockey we had to take a course I'm not joking. I'm not joking. (laughs) Everyone out there is laughing. We had to actually take a course and it's called parental behavior, blah, blah, blah. And you have to be signed off on it. I'm not joking. (laughs) But it's to prevent the fights because hockey in Canada, dude, I don't like you guys didn't grow up here. So you don't know. But like it is super fucking serious. No, it's serious. man. (laughs) People get fucked up in arenas, man. Like crazy bad. Like it's super serious. Like your kid touched my kid. All of a sudden people are it's bad. And yep. so it got to the point where people or um, parents were being banned out of out of arenas. <laughs> and then they had to incorporate a law where you if you want to watch your kids, you have to take these courses. And if, you know, if something happens and you're banned, like you actually have to drop your kid off and just leave. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I, it's fucked I can up. send you a video of this was probably one month ago. Yeah. The entire bleachers from both sides of the high school around here emptied and kids and parents and everybody was fighting it's on it's it's uh it should be on youtube it was on youtube i heard about it on the radio in the morning then i looked it up it's shitty cell phone quality videos but it just goes to show that that people are probably could use those courses around here yeah (laughs) yeah. this was america that's i mean a lot of those videos (laughs) surfaced around here too with like huge fucking brawls like you know 40 50 people fucking brawling because their kids had it out on the ice or some shit so it happens. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so um, I, I like that about Bruce Willis's character. Um, it, it was standard action movie tropes like throughout too. Oh, yeah. uh, I did think that the um, I did think I like the, the best. The the what? The car oh, yeah, card. Yeah. Fucking guts blowing everywhere. That's like you don't see that in action movies. That's pretty I, I, Eli Rothy. Oh, the card like jack. The, I thought you were talking about the original card jacking and his first kill in the film. I thought no, that the one, card jack. Yeah, I thought I thought that one was kind of nasty too. Like he's standing over the dude and he just fucking caps away at him. Like, man, that's fucked I up. Love the, I think the if, the cool thing about remaking Death Wish is how relevant all this stuff is today and sort of uh, 
injecting the social media and the memes and the the radio uh, talking about it and the culture and how we uh, consume current events and and how we uh, you know express our opinions on them. I, I I thought it worked perfect for a film like Death Wish. It shows us modernize modernization, right? Because yeah, back in those yeah. days, not everybody had that voice where they really showcased it with with sway and and all the. I'm, what's the other dude's yeah, name? And there were there was like memes, you know. There was yeah, memes yeah. of him. Like everybody's <laughs> just like it's like this big thing and stuff, right? It's it's yeah. pretty crazy. It's so different. And and I like the detective narrative where they were trying to figure out who this guy is and stuff like that. And 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 that one existed in the original too, but completely different kind of how that wraps up in the original. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I honestly like. I watched the original for the first time. I made the mistake of watching this before the original um, because I it was Ooh, the last day. It was, yeah, it was the last day. It was playing in my theater, so I had to go a day before I wanted to. And my initial plans was to watch the original, then the next day go see the remake. Um, I think I might like the remake better. Is that a sin to say that? Uh, well, I mean... I mean, and, and nothing it, is as good as Death Wish three. I mean, oh, that's Death, the best one in the whole that franchise. Death Wish three is the best, man. It, it's yeah, literally it's, uh, turn your mind off and just yeah. go, wow. He's walking yeah. down the street, capping people like nothing. It's amazing. It's, it's set in the ghetto too. It's like there's Jewish shit. stereotypes. Oh, it's oh, amazing. Fuck, it's amazing. It's <laughs> great super, stuff. It's awesome. It's so good. Um, but, I don't know, man. I, I there might be people out there that like the remake more i'm not one of them i i still like the original better and you know what it comes down i, just I mean think if this we were, one if, was done a little better if honestly. we were to compare though man i mean bronson's the fucking man he is he is one of the most badass people ever they just don't have actors like him anymore which is unfortunate yeah, he's, just, he's a little reserved in the original though i feel like i feel like that's his character a little well, bit oh, big you haven't seen the sequels <clears throat> well yeah, that, that that's the best thing about the sequels because you can see the the height or his character just kind of just not Goes give any nuts. more fucks. <laughs> you know, it's because yeah. every film has this setup where one of his wives or daughter or family members gets murdered or raped or whatever. It's like the fuck. How many times could this happen to one person? You know, yeah. it's crazy. But uh, you know, I don't know. I think I think Bruce Willis so. did a, a pretty good job. But the thing about Bruce Willis, though, to me, is he that Bruce, Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis in every single film. I've never, I've never yeah, seen a Bruce Willis film. Yeah, but isn't that film. the kind of guy you want? Isn't Charles Bronson Charles Bronson in every single film? Yeah, but Charles Bronson was – he was he had this personality about him that it was just – it was even better. Yeah. You know, well, like, yeah, obviously. I mean, but like Willis is kind of the next generation of Bronson. Yeah, th- there's nothing wrong I mean? with that. I mean, Bruce Willis was just kind of – I mean, what I was expecting from Bruce Willis is exactly what I got. Yeah, I, I mean, I, literally, exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, who would you – is there anybody that you in particular you think would have been better in terms of like action stars? Like S- Stallone? Stallone? No. Nah. You know what? Claude? I, Claude <laughs> Van Damme? Could you imagine? No, hell no. Fuck, fuck those people up. No, right? no, no. Not Van Damme. Seagal? Because you need it. I mean, the storyline is an older character, so I don't know, actually. I mean, Schwarzenegger would just be laughable in a role like this. It'd be stupid. You'll kill my wife. I, think I will kill you. I guess it's pretty decent casting, you know, for what it is. Yeah. It's still to this day, I'm still shocked that Bruce Willis was in an Eli Roth film, though. Just, yeah, it's such Bruce a weird Willis thing. Everything these it's days. Crazy. He's the new fucking. He's the new. Um, uh, the fuck, uh, the fuck is his name? 
Steven Seagal. Who's the fucking guy that's in all the fucking... Sylvester Stallone. Nicholas Cage. He's the new Nicholas Cage. He's in all the straight-to-DVD movies. Oh, yeah. Nick Cage is in about 14 a year. But yeah, um, surprisingly enough, uh, Carly actually really liked this movie when we went and seen it. Um, She doesn't watch action movies at all. Has she seen the original one? No. I have to force her to see... Like I'm like, oh, dude, we should watch fucking Full Metal Jacket. We should watch... Well, because uh, she's not used to being this, around that. a badass, so when she actually sees one, she gets all excited. <laughs> Wait, so she doesn't like action movies because she gets excited when she sees them? No, she's just not seeing, used to seeing a badass character like Bruce Willis because Euro is around her. So that's why she doesn't like action movies. Because she's not used to seeing badass characters. See, that doesn't make sense. Your joke falls flat. Sorry, bud. Um, so... But- I, I am curious, actually. Carly made a post yesterday, and she's like, I'm a woman now? What was that about? Because I commented, and I said... It was her did... 21st birthday. Oh, it was her 21st? Wow. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're hanging out with those so, youngins, man. Jesus. I mean, I'm not... I'm 26, so... You're almost 27. S- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm six years older than her. That's the difference um, between me and my sister, actually. Six years. That's the difference between <laughs> me and my sister. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, so yeah, because I left a comment. I'm like, what did JP do to you? <laughs> yeah, I seen that. Um, but yeah, so she she liked it a lot. She came in at a nine. What? I was pretty pretty shocked at that, honestly. Wow, of nine. Yeah. I think I think the emotional effect of of uh, of it and honestly she's not exposed to action films mm-hmm. so maybe it was like you know a little fresher to her um but yeah ratings 6.5 all right um i liked it i thought it was pretty solid um i normally don't love action movies uh it actually was probably better than i expected it was gonna be because i didn't think i would really care for this that much uh, even the the one thing that I was positive about was that it was Eli Roth, and I usually think that he's a pretty good director. So, um, yeah, it's funny to hear people say that this movie was directed absolutely horribly because I, I just don't understand what that means. Because like, no, I, I didn't think a lot of the directing was bad. I mean, maybe some of the editing was awkward. Maybe that's what people are referring to. I thought some of the editing was actually pretty good. I, I like the scene where. Um, you know, uh, Bruce Willis's character is at the you know at the shop. In the I just back needed there. some blurriness for you. <clears throat> yeah, I needed some blurriness exactly. But I like the scene where you know with the shots in the mirror and stuff like like stuff like that was pretty good. Like I thought that whole action sequence was shot pretty well. I yeah. Don't know. So um, I like the the. Uh, you know, I, I like the family dynamic. I thought that it was kind of cool that the detectives were looking for the brother, and I thought that was like kind of a cool little twist on it. Um, I liked how I, I actually liked how it sort of wrapped up. I liked the um, daughter. I thought she was pretty good. Um, I thought the uh, actual murder of the wife and and the you know the shooting of the daughter was very emotional um way more emotional than what you get in the original death wish i think that's the big thing that separated them for me 
Uh, I think that the coolest thing about this film is the social relevancy with um, guns in the United States, vigilantes, um, people, you know, committing violent weapon crimes. We even have a little bit of commentary on how easy it is to get a gun, um, where oh, the yeah. gun, gun lady says, yeah, you just fill out these paperwork and, you know, take a test don't worry you won't fail nobody fails you know <laughs> that type of thing it's like oof, that doesn't make it look too good uh but yeah so uh man i don't know i like i like the concept of this movie a lot more than maybe the movie um but i still thought it was pretty solid honestly so <laughs> i came in at a seven out of ten you know what jeremy it's too bad that gun shops don't exist because that means you don't have a chance with the hot blonde that ran that one yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you see those anybody, so. Dude, I love the the commercial with her shooting the guns. <laughs> yeah. I think it was fucking awesome, man. Uh yeah, I'd buy some guns from her for show, for show. Um yeah, man, you know, it's uh it was actually a decent film. I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. Um I walked away from it saying, you know, that wasn't a bad remake. You know, I was I was a little bit surprised at some of the gore that I was mean, in there. I mean, it did some things better than the original, and I, that's I, what you kind of look for in I, remakes. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Um, you know, I had some pretty decent kills. I mean, they're they're totally outrageous. <laughs> like, so, yeah, they're so outrageous, yeah. but they're fun. But, but they're fun. They're and, funner and that's, than with like the original Death Wish, where it's quite literally he just shoots them in the chest, and it doesn't even there's not even good pop or blood or anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's kind of a welcomed. Yeah, know, so it's a little bit of Roth. It's it's something there for the horror fans. Oh, exactly. Yeah, like Jerry oh, said. The, the, oh yeah, like the the carjack. <laughs> that dude is pretty awesome, man. Uh, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, Roth definitely put a spin on there. That was pretty fun. Um, but what it comes down to, it's it's to me, it was it just felt like a popcorn film. I enjoyed my my mm. gummy worms while I was watching this, and um, I'm you also have to pull out your wiener this time and flex it. <laughs> no, I, no, we had the back seats, and there was only I think we even counted like maybe not even a dozen people in the, in the cinema. There was six people in mine. Yeah, I, I was, was the only one, including in mine. me and it, it Carly. Was, yeah, but we also went like the first or second night. It was there. So and there was only twelve uh, people. Yeah, so yeah, we went. We went like this last week. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But, um, but I'm going to stick with my rating that I said to Dylan. I said seven out of ten. So I'm right with you, man. I okay. think that I want to see Roth go back to horror or something different. I, I I think it was cool that he ventured out into action, but um, yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> get on forward. You know, you fail. You oh, fail? I, I, I do, man. I, you know, I'd like to see him go back and do something. Do you know what I am saying? <laughs> he is doing that house with the clocks in its walls, man. With Jack whatever, Black. Right? With Jack Black. You know, I, I actually forgot about that. And then when you said Jack Black, it's like, ah, oh, limp dick again. <laughs> Jesus. Jack Black. Oh, my God. But... That is going to do it for episode 132 here on the 22 Shots podcast. It was fun, man. It was fun. I actually, we ended up talking about these films way longer than I was anticipating to. Like five hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, you guaranteed that it would be less than a half hour a piece. (laughs) I figured like an hour for three. No, we went way over. Um, 
yeah, that's that's really surprising. But uh, I think we all fun. got really hyped on Knock Knock. Like we were having fun talking about it. I just didn't think we were going to talk about that one that much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, personally. I honestly didn't either. That was shocking. That was shocking. Um, but yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I I definitely am curious to see the new Eli Roth film, even though it has Jack Black in it. I'm kind of curious on that. I don't know. Yeah, you, I'll tell you this though. If you take Eli Roth's first three films and you take his second three films, he's definitely declined severely. Like the first three films were to absolutely. The point he's amazing. not even doing horror anymore. <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying like his his technically some things are better. Yeah. But like he went from my favorite, you know, top couple filmmakers down to not even in consideration anymore. You know what I mean? So that's what I was kind of getting at with the Rob Zombie thing earlier. Like, even though I really like these movies, they're not anywhere near the love that I have for Hostel, Hostel 2, and Cabin Fever. Just not. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, he's really, if he wants to stay in my top five, which I know is probably <clears throat> the top thing on his list, he needs to make some better movies. <laughs> I have definitely come to the conclusion that I am a bigger Eli Roth fan of him personally than I have am of his films like i yes. like i don't dislike any of his films like to the point where i'm like fuck eli roth he sucks but i'm like in that minority maybe you are too jp that i think i prefer him and you know his fandom and everything that he has to say <laughs> about films in general because he's a really smart guy and he's interesting to talk to or to, to hear talk and yeah. you know he's a very good talker also and not bad looking to look at either <laughs> yeah, I, I agree but, with I agree with him. I think that I think that he's more interesting than his movies, at least his last three. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. I think he would like. I think that's why you know he's on. Like I was watching. Um, what's the movie that Troma put out? It's from '76. Uh, it's one of the '76 films that we're doing. Bloodsucking freaks. Yeah, so I popped that Blu-ray in that I got from Netflix. And he's like all over the special features and stuff like oh, that. I think yeah. he has a commentary on it, yeah. which is pretty cool because he didn't make that movie. <laughs> mm. I don't think he had anything to do with that movie, right? It came out in 76. He right? was even born then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell, but yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he was four years old like when that so. movie came out. <laughs> But, I mean, I'm a fan of Eli Roth. I think that he does a good job with talking about movies. I think he does a good job making movies. Uh, I do think that his later films are not as good as his early films, but I'm always looking forward to see what he does next. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, this show... Eli Roth produced Baywatch. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like that movie that just came out with The Rock? Or whatever the fuck it was? Was The yeah. Rock really in Baywatch? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw the <laughs> the thumb on Netflix and I burst out laughing. I had no idea. Uh, that shit's funny. And Alexandria Denario. Now, the if Rock they had The Rock in Death Wish, that would have been something. Would have been cool. <laughs> would have fucked shit up. He would have been whooping their candy asses. <laughs> yeah, true that, right? Man, that, that dude does a lot of movies, man. Crazy. Hey, the Rock. Yeah, yeah. He's the biggest star in Hollywood. Star in Hollywood. Yeah. Why are you piggybacking off of shit that I say? But he already did. It. He already did a remake. You know, kind of. I mean, not similar, but I mean, it's you know, Walking Tall remake. <clears throat> oh, yeah, movie. forgot about that. So he did I, don't, that. See, I don't like movies like that. Really, it's great. 
I've seen that movie. Before. I thought he did a good job in the film. Yeah. But I, was, uh, I like I, I like Gridiron Gang. That's my rock movie. With the exhibit, I think's in there. I don't think I've seen that one. Really? It's good yeah. stuff. It's like uh, you ever see Dangerous Minds? The Doom is my. Oh, I yeah, man. I've seen. I saw it's like Minds that, but with fo- a football team, pretty much. Yeah. Talking about you don't like the Doom? Come on, man. It's Doom, not <laughs> the know. Doom. Yeah, it's okay. It's not bad. I mean, the rundown is probably his best movie, to be honest. I think Gridiron Gang's his best movie. Mm. Rundown is pretty good. Jesus. He's a goddamn 88. So he's going to be starting the remake of Big Trouble in Little China? Apparently. Good God. Insane, man. Well, let's get the fuck out of here. The show's gone on longer than I thought it was going to. Since How long is it? I don't know. There's this, this, this show's packed with content, though. We covered a lot of stuff, man. I mean, we're I think we're probably over five hours. Just over five yeah, hours. Yeah, I think we're just <clears throat> over five. So but I'll impressive. say this. Next week, we're doing the 90s show, Floating Head Special. So join us next week for that excitement. Not really. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 132 of 22 Shots of Moods in our podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash moods616. And if you want to follow the new fast food reviewer, JP, who has videos coming soon, you can follow his channel <laughs> on youtube.com slash doubleshotj because everybody just wants him to watch him eat food. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash NES22, but I won't post any videos. As always, you can follow us on the Facebook, ooh, Facebook page facebook.com on the fuzzbook search yeah. bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast always if you have any questions you can leave us a question at 724-426-6665 follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast and you can leave us an email to 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com that's 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com and please support the patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina, patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. And that should do it, everybody, for episode 132 of the 22 shots and boots and horror podcast. We'll be back next week with some fucking stupid Troyer episode. We'll be talking about floating heads. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> that should be it. Deuces. Peace.